they're specially made for this stuff. <clears throat> there's two settings, eh? There's like a setting where it records two two copies. Yeah. One's a lower lower resolution. One's a high high, Whoa, de- high definition. That's pretty. That's pretty fancy. But I I, I don't set it to that just in case they're in another room. Yeah. Because you're only allowed to take it. Only fits sixty four. Um, sixty four gigs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like two gigs every every twenty minutes. Right. So you just do it on the high or the, yeah yeah the high dev, but the problem is it doesn't save in one lengthy video yeah it, it, it cuts it up right right every right. twenty minutes yeah yeah oh, true and you got to put it in the program I use uh, Vegas and stitch it all together yeah but when you do that it loses like point one of a second in between oh really so when I do the audio because I put the audio in separately oh yeah and it doesn't when when you get to the end it's it's off. Oh yeah. So I got I got to cut the audio in the middle and then line it up again. So it's sort of like the old uh, Bruce Lee movies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. With the ad-lib. Yeah. 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 So some, sometimes, you know, you know, when I'm, I'm lazy and you, you hit the ad-lib. You see, you see the ad-lib and you know, oh, that guy's lazy. Go to bed, man. One o'clock in the AM is like. No, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a way around it. You know, there always is. Eh? It just takes time to mm. to figure it out. Eh? Yeah. Oh, so your job, you um, twenty hours and then. Yeah, and by finish on the twenty first, oh, officially, right. officially finish. Yeah. You excited for that or? Actually, I'm ready, man. All oh, right. Yeah. I am so ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring on the holiday. Yeah. So what's the story there? Because you said you you quit ages ago. Yeah. So what happened? Um, they didn't replace me. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> so they um, it took. I gave six weeks notice, and week five they got authorization to because I do HR and health and safety. They got authorization in week five um, for the health and safety part. Then we had to recruit and all that. Then that person had to give a month's notice. Mm. Um, and then they still didn't get approval for the HR person. So they just got that two weeks ago. Right. And so we've just recruited for that. So now I'm training both of them at the same time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. I said, right, three weeks of training and that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Because yeah. how long have you been there? Ten years. Man, that's a long time. Yeah, that's why I'm over it. <laughs> so but it's probably a good thing to like um, tidy things up and you know finish this year. And oh yeah, start yeah. fresh, you know, next yeah. year. You know, like yeah, it did turn it's out always good for closure. Yeah, and, yeah, and you don't want to leave them in the sh- you know, exactly on yeah, a bad yeah. note after ten years. I mean, yeah. that's family in the end. You yeah. know, like you spend so much time with these people, so yeah, yeah you don't want to leave on a bad note. And yeah, yeah looks good on a reference. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know, yeah, just doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Training up the next crew, that type of thing. Yeah, and it gave me income, which I wasn't expecting. So you know, because yeah. I was just going to finish and, and be done with it and take a good break. Mm. But um, yeah, so held me over till yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give me some money for Christmas. Because I remember your decision to leave your job was to pursue a new career or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just did my uh, finished my diploma in life coaching. So I'm going into life coaching. Um, I'm going to set up my own business, and I've started. um, And uh, yeah, do life coaching. Not go back and work for the man because I'm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might do some temping on the side to keep my HR skills up, but um, otherwise I, I'd rather move into yeah into yeah. the whole life coaching circle. Cool. Oh, you know what? You're using the wrong mic. <laughs> Why? It's this one that's on. That oh, one. whose is this one? It's not on. I can hear it. I know, but I think it's ca- catching on that. Is one. it echoing ah. in there? Was that a little bit too loud or? I'll turn right? you down. Oh yeah. Am I right? Yeah, you're right now. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Ah, that's loud. Zoom <laughs> <laughs> down. Yeah. Oh, how'd you get into the uh, life coaching thing? Um, I just decided to find a different path. Like I've done HR for ten years, um, and 
um, I don't know, I just wanted something different. And um, life coaching is linked into, like, it's the kind of same thing. But instead of dealing with people who um, have gripes about management and stuff, it's more about people that want to change their life. Mm. And so then you help them with their goals and things like that. So it was more about people wanting to help themselves oh, okay. and uh, instead of people that just want to moan about you know, what they're not getting, so, <laughs> yeah. So first of all, what is a life coach? To me, I'm thinking, okay, someone that, someone needs help with organising their life. Like. Well, more that they have a goal. So like, it's it's oh, like okay. when you get stuck. So say I've been in a career for 10 years mm. and I just feel like I need a change. Um, and also to even like with COVID, it forced a lot of people to like, if they lost their job and stuff, and instead of kind of sitting there and going, oh man, I've lost my job, everything sucks, blah, 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 gone, mm. you know, it's more about, okay, looking at the opportunity in your situation and finding your passion and what you want to do. And then um, it, the life coach will help you get to that goal mm. by just, um, a lot of it is breaking down the negative things that you say to yourself. And that's mm. the, the, the perceived barriers that you see of why you can't do this. Um, and it's basically being a cheerleader for that person. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. So, have you got any clients lined up? Or? Haven't, no, haven't. I've got to do all the, um, <coughs> the training like the stuff. stuff behind it first and get all the, um, uh, more the, the documents and, and, and that kind of stuff together. Mm. Um, but, um, like, uh, and the business plan and all of that kind of stuff and, and, and see how we go. There's like that. a certification and stuff like that or no? For life coaching isn't, um, like anyone can be a life coach, um, but I did go through um, the New Zealand Business Institution to get a diploma mm. um, just because I like, I like certificates. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but, but it isn't something that um, you have to have something for, but I just, yeah, I prefer to know the. So in, in your class, were there like different age groups? Because... If I met that life coach and he was twenty one years old, I'd be like, "Come on, man!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. And I guess that's a, I guess that's the thing is you, is what helps is life experience. Yeah, you know, yeah. is is really what it's about. That's why anyone can be a life coach because you know mm. I've gone through some trauma, I got through it, and so now I'm going to teach you how to get through the same yeah. kind of stuff. But um, so I did it because I was still working full time when I did it. I, it was all um through correspondence. Um, so we um get all the stuff sent to us. We do the assessments. We send it into our tutor, and that's how we um got our um, got past, yeah. Man, I, I looked into life coaching years ago, actually. Mm. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Um, I think... Um, when you were 21? <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, no, it was um, one of our members from the box mm. when I was working at uh, Zealous. He he had uh, life coaching. Oh, yeah. And he talked about it. That was the first I heard of it. Yeah. So then when he talked about it, he he highly recommended it. Yeah. Mm. And he had a guy and... Um, he said he could set up uh, like a free consultation, and so then I googled it, and then I sort of just read up on it and stuff, and see what was included, and you know what it was all about and stuff mm. like that. And I, I met up with the guy; it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They do give you pretty good advice and stuff yeah. like that. It's probably like some of the stuff you know, but it's just someone guiding you, giving you yeah some yeah. accountability and like yeah maybe thinking outside the square, like you know <laughs> yeah that's right. Like you're like oh okay like. Um, I could go this way or do that or mm. yeah, break some down in your or limiting beliefs. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. And some of those things. So yeah. Mm. yeah, I think it could be handy. Yeah, yeah. And because it's hard sometimes with your group of friends that like you can't talk to them about it because, you know, especially if you're like, say, you know, one of the boys and like you don't really talk about that kind of stuff. Everyone's just going about their day, but you want to do more. 
but and you say to your mate, oh, I actually really want to start this business, and they're like, oh, shut up, like, just, go, just go work at your factory job, you know, like they, like sometimes they can't take you seriously, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. maybe you've always been a clown, but okay, I don't want to be a clown anymore. I want to, yeah. you know, step up and do something. But yeah. um, so it's about really having someone that backs you up to yeah. to do that, you know, yeah. um, yeah. So I think th- I wonder if there's like another term for it because I don't know. It sounds a bit funny, like a life yeah. coach, yeah. but. You know the same thing, but a different term. Yeah, well, a, a lot of it, a know? lot of times they they um like you can drop the life part of it and just it's a, it's a coach. You're a coach, right? Yeah, yeah. And it can be a coach in anything. Yeah. So it's like if um you know you have a basketball team, you have a coach for that basketball team. You know, even though the coach might not play basketball, but the and the players are really good and stuff. But you still need a coach to direct them mm-hmm. and to you know you don't have a basketball team without a coach. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of that thing and just for life. Even like um like real like you know presidents and things like that they all have coaches and stuff because the pressure from you know Mm. that kind of job um you need somebody who's gonna maybe feed the positivity into you kind of thing on it i can almost imagine like like you said like uh, with prime ministers and presidents having a life coach because that's something they don't want to think about or Mm. they can't think about because other things on their mind yeah so you know when their their life is like oh something then the life coach steps in and helps out. Yeah, I, I was thinking about what you said about um, the time when we went down to level four COVID because mm. that time when you know you said like people stressing out they might lose their jobs. People did lose their jobs and stuff. Yeah. Man, I just remember like when I was at work, we did lay off a couple of people at my job. Yeah, and for but for the first time, I wasn't scared. Yeah, if it was me mm. to go, because I thought, man, there's a lot of people that are in the same situation. So part of a yeah. I'm just <laughs> part a, of a group. Part of a group. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah. losing their jobs. So. Yeah. Like you know, if it was like a financial crisis, mm. like back in t- 2010, mm. that was scary. Yeah. yeah. You know, but this COVID didn't seem. I was. I wasn't scared. For yeah. some reason, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take it if it comes. You know. You, yeah. you wouldn't have needed a life coach for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now with um, I had uh, David Neath. He's a mental performance coach mm-hmm. on um, a couple of weeks back. But when um, I actually went in for a one on one with him, mm-hmm. and um, back in, and I went to his seminar as well. But it was really very similar to a life coach from yeah. from my experience when I had the conscious, free consultation and then meeting with David. It's pretty similar. Like I just sort of reverting back to you talking about a coach. Yeah, it was very similar mm-hmm. in terms of. Um, yeah, giving you guidance and yeah. uh, just helping you through with the process. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, so, yeah, I, I guess you don't have to call it a life coach. Yeah, it could just be a coach yeah. Yeah. type of thing. Or a cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. Cheerleader. Nah, so, without the pom-poms. I don't think it would be a cheerleader. <laughs> without the pom-poms. Cheerleaders, like, they cheer you on, but they also... Uh, I think a mental performance coach or a life coach gives you more than... Oh yeah, just yeah. cheering your, yeah, cheering yeah, your own type of yeah. Thing. You get given to, like you give good. tools and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So because I when yeah. I met with David, he gave me some really good t- tips and yeah. some mm. good advice, and you came away like feeling like you knew your direction better. Yeah, you know like, yeah. what you wanted to do on that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sorry, one more thing on the the life coach. Um, a big thing I learned was when when I was coaching CrossFit and uh, strength and conditioning, they were saying like if you're gonna be a world class coach. You have to have a coach. Yeah, that's right. So it's just like uh, if you're president, you have to have a coach. Because if you're leading people, you have to know how it is to be led as yeah. well and to follow. Yeah. And that was like a pretty uh, mind-blowing thing for me to hear. I was like, oh, yeah, like you think you know it all, but you don't. Yeah. 
and mm. you got to learn from other people. So whatever you want to be good at, you have to have a coach for someone, mm. a coach for that type of thing, mm. you know? Yeah. So if you want to be great at podcasting, it's good to have like someone to yeah. mentor you. That's right, yeah. Or w- whatever it is, like whether it's league, rugby, basketball, um, life coaching. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have someone that's ahead of you um, to get advice from. And mm. I always thought about that. And then like when I paid for um, my mental performance coach, it's like an action towards me being a better coach. Yeah. You know, and oh, okay. seeking it out, you know. To yeah. get points for reaching out. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's not like mentioned anywhere, like I guess here on the podcast, but just in my own mind, it makes me more uh, genuine and authentic as a coach. Yeah, and that is more one whole, of the you know? yeah that is one of the yeah. the, uh, not the unsaid rules about that that as a life coach you should have a life coach. Yeah, yeah? Um, which is it makes sense really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think what I found when I was looking for a life coach though is that there were no Polynesian ones. Oh, um, yeah, the closest yeah. I got was. Um, um, an Indian um, one and it's the only one so they have um, like scrolls and scrolls of pictures of life coaches in the area and stuff and I couldn't find um, a Pacific one and so that's my um, that's what I want to go into is um, more a life coach for Pacifica people because mm. um, I already work um, <coughs> with uh, young ones who are Pacifica and so um, as community service and then just helping them and I want to because I find it easy for myself. I find it easier to speak to police, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things that got me, um, I mentioned it. Somebody asked me at church, and, and he mentioned it, um, and he said, "Oh, so what are you going to do?" And I mentioned this thing about, you know, honing in with the Polynesian people, and that will kind of be my niche. Um, and he said, "But you're white." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to get a lot of that." So you know, it is. Um, I think that it, it took me back because he said he's an old dude, right? So and he just said it straight up to me, and I and he goes, "Are you, are you even Polly?" And I was like, "Man, you have church with my mom. Like she's like brown." And I was like, "Of course, I'm Polly." Like you know, but I think it's funny because I was thinking about it going. Um, I guess if I, my picture was in that scroll list mm. as well, people would look past it and go, right. Man, there's no polys, you know? Mm. So it's until you get to know someone. and um, But that's why I want to really make it, mm. like put it out there, is that that is my, um, you know, my niche. So I'll yeah. have to explain that, yeah, yeah. you know, the colour difference. But, mm. you know, um, but still um, totally like, you know, someone on the inside type thing. But, yeah. Mm. And, and all my experiences have been in being brought up Polynesian. So I identify more with being a Polynesian than I do with being, well, Dutch. So, yeah. I think you're going to carve out a little niche for you. Yeah. If there's no no other Pacific Island sort of life coaches out there. Yeah. I guess mentor is the other word, huh? Yeah. yeah the other yeah, common yeah. word for yeah. it. Uh, we're just trying to figure out other words. But, mm. yeah. So, um, so then you, you, any thoughts about, like, um, your approach? Because you've got to mix the culture with, the, with your life coaching. And how to, I guess, in a sense, navigate through this Western world? Um, well, I think because I've already, like, I've grown up through it. So that's mm. where when you become a life coach, you have to have life experience. So I guess it's a lot of, I've already come through a lot of those experiences and the, and the, I guess, restrictions that I felt being in a poly world. So it's that understanding more of what. So uh, I think a lot of what we've learned um, or heard from our stories during our podcasts is, um, you know, the, the culture of our family has really held me back from doing this. Yeah. Even being at work, we are, you know, we have a factory and a lot of them are Polynesians, you know. And so and in the offices, it's not. So you kind of see that there's already like a division and stuff, but you understand that. 
And I think it's even now with the new people cut that come in to work um, for a job in the factory, um, especially the polys, I always go to them, you know, dress for the job you want not the one that you've got um work as hard as you can don't don't take this as a factory job because you could always work your way up and it's putting that in them at the beginning because a lot of what happens is that they come out of school they go work in the factory because that's what their parents did and they stay there because they think that that's just the way it is but it's about making them but um see that you can actually go past that but all that comes from the experience that you had growing up and stuff and yeah again just getting rid of those breaking down those barriers that they would have grown up with or the mindset I guess changing mm. the mindset that mm. that's all you're going to do because that's all your parents did before you so yeah mm. yeah I think there's a lot of what you're saying Cam a lot of great Polynesian mentors already mm. I guess you could call them life coaches but they're more called, specified um, in an area yeah mm. and they're more called mentors mm. but I guess in a way they are life coaches mm. you know there's a lot of great ones in communities and sports teams mm. and that are mentors but I guess it would be cool for you to call yourself a, a life coach because you know people think that's like real special you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the title yeah. and like um, people were like uh, people are sad and like they, they, you know like you could have two people the same but like just because something's fancy they, they prefer that yeah yeah you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm not from Mangere I'm from Monsieur <laughs> yeah 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 and like if you call yourself a life coach as opposed to like a mentor or something like that they'll be like oh, I'm going with the, I'm going with the life coach for sure man <laughs> you know and if you have your, your paper like you said and, yeah and you know you've, you lay it out all nicely and everything yeah. but someone else is awesome as well but they didn't have that yeah yeah they're always going to go off yeah yeah that. someone who's got that the certification yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll and see the, the paper <laughs> <laughs> more professional looking you know yeah yeah so you know we're, we're talking about um, life coaches and that like you know the the podcast platform you know uh, Yashi got your Zealous State of Mind uh, Rio over here Rio Reigns should I say <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> I've is good <laughs> how much of the podcast has helped like in, in that sort of mentoring sort of um, environment sort of thing like learning from people and talking to people and just getting ideas out I mean how's that how's that journey been for you guys mm-hmm. in terms of uh, me mentoring or being mentored uh, learning off your guests yeah, learning off guests yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just the podcast in itself what, what, what has it done for you to help in that kind of environment the, mm. the life coaching mentoring side of things mm-hmm. yes yeah, learned a lot through the guests say and broadened my perspective a lot and broken down barriers there like just being scared to talk about certain things but through the podcast you know talked about like the feminism feminism one that you did yeah Yeah, and then just diving deeply on things and some culture things and mindset so yeah it's been a great uh i guess life coaching tool um a part of like one of my values is like learning and so mm. it's I guess that's a big part of mm. why I love podcasting and then connecting with people but yeah learn a lot a lot mm. through the people and that's a big driver why I keep trying to do it eh? so yeah. so it's a bit of one of my selfish things about podcasting is I want to learn and, and connect with people but also I want to share that with my guests and whoever listens as well mm. so I think it's win-win for everyone yeah, you know I, right. win, I learn and, and grow and then the guests does as well they share a great message mm. and anyone who listens gets that as well so I think everybody's getting a bit of life coaching mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a sense <laughs> yeah. I like how you said that because me and Isaiah talk about it all the time like we we look at we, we look at it in a selfish point of view because we want to learn. Mm. 
it's like you know the people we get on we want them to come on because we want to learn from we actually want to learn from them yeah and and we do learn from them and it just so happens that we put it out there for everyone to listen to so it's up to anyone to listen mm. but I think it just comes with a day like the whole like I saw I saw the numbers today on the, on Spotify numbers back on one five and like I was like wow you know just we just you know we just want we just want to learn yeah and those numbers like wow i can't believe like you know a lot of people are enjoying it too so mm. i think i think that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah i guess because a lot of people have the same questions that you guys might have mm. you know yeah. you guys ask and they're like yeah i was wondering that too mm. you know depending yeah. on the oh, guests yeah, you had yeah. you know the guests yeah. will be like i was thinking that as well but hadn't had a chance to ask that person mm. or or knew someone that had insight on that topic yeah. yeah or expertise you know you know just on that like sometimes like i think i think like I'm like hard on myself. I think, how about I ask all the right questions? I don't, yeah. want, I don't want someone to think, ask the question, ask the question, and don't end up asking the question. Yeah, <laughs> I think that afterwards. I'm like, yeah, nah, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Nah, it's cool. I think that's what I like about um, with Afikasi Scoop. We talk about stuff that you would normally talk in a private conversation with a, a friend or a couple of close friends. But um, we know that it happens to so many other people. But we just, you know, you don't talk about it publicly. Mm. So. A lot of times we talk about, um, you know, the, the taboo stuff, um, but we often think about those um, people who may not have the friend to talk to or they're in that position where um, they are in a really strict environment and can't talk to their family or their cousins or anything. And so then if they listen to the podcast, they can get um, kind of like they relate to the mm. thing because they're mm. going through it and also just, oh, yeah, that's a way to deal with it, you know, or um, especially I think for the younger ones. And we found that when um, Juliet came on on the uh, um couple of podcasts ago um she's a lot younger than us and um we're almost like laughing at the stories because we're like oh man you know that too will pass you know like yeah. it's kind of like oh you know just in, and we've already been through that kind of stuff and so trying to say to her oh you know you'll be sweet and you know but a lot of it became um comedic because when we've already come through it and we're on the other side and it's like when we look back we're like okay it wasn't that bad like you know we were being a bit dramatic because we were at that age you know when we didn't fully understand mm. so it's kind of like yeah i like having the young ones on and uh, yeah. yeah and seeing their reaction to uh they're like oh so it's gonna be okay yes you're gonna be fine <laughs> well, naturally life coaching yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right like, like <laughs> yeah, how, exactly. how's, so how's the podcast helped you with the, your what you're doing now with the life coaching yeah well yeah, I think so. I, th I think it's that, but actually it's um, more the other side, probably not the podcast itself, but more helping out with the network um, and learning how to use, um, you know, the website, um, YouTube and all of that kind of stuff, um, or the business side of it, um, because I've um, helped with the um, websites and that, learning how to do it. I didn't know how to do it before, but now I'm going to do mine and set up my website. It's like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this, you know? So it's almost been like a, a practice on the WizWiz Network. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> oh, now I'm going to go set up mine. Oh, all good. This is yeah. easy. Like, yeah. Mm, so that's been good for me. Yeah. yeah what about you, Ken? Huh? Nah, it's, it's been awesome, man. Like, I can't believe this is 100 episodes. 100 episodes, guys. Yeah. Man. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it should be the streamer thing yeah. <laughs> that you get on um, Facebook, eh? Yeah, fuck. It's like, like I remember, because you know when I do editing and all that, I put them up and I have to put the number up. So when it was like on 88, 89, I was thinking, mm, close to 100. Then 99, 95 came. Oh shit, we're close to 100. Next minute, 99. We've got, we've got to do something about the 100, so I'm, I'm glad you guys are here <laughs> for, for this. But man, the journey's been awesome, man. Like, yeah. I've learned so much. I've learned so much. And I know I've learned so much too, but 
I think for for me, like for me, it's about the art of conversation, mm. and I'm constantly learning how to have a conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I think I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Like I, I don't want to go back to the old episodes and and hear myself talk. <laughs> I'm too scared to hear myself. But I, I think um, I still got I got a long way to go. I like uh, a lot of stuff I've learned from my guests. Like I use some of the um, things that I learned, mm. and then like to make myself sound smarter and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> 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 nah, but, you know, like you add some of the, the stories and the things you've learned and you use it and you're like, oh, man, you didn't even know that you added that to your, you know, your knowledge bank type mm. of thing or your vocab, mm. uh, some of the things, because I'll, I'll tell stories from the podcast and stuff like that. It's been really good in, another, in one way, but another way is like I, I, um, I keep searching for those type of conversations mm. but in the everyday conversation it doesn't really get that not that you know it's it's not very stimulating mm. not to sound sad to the every <laughs> everyday person you know what I mean but I want to like dive into things or yeah, yeah. like look for interest you know yeah. Um, but yeah you don't get that a lot but in the podcast um, you get that a bit but I think um, back to the uh the life coaching thing like when we were at school we had um we had a teachers only day and um you know we're talking about different ways we can we can um, help the students and help the team and help the school and stuff like that but one of the things that i learned was you know for the coaching and that was like um you got to be what you want Mm. and like i was like oh a lot of the teachers i don't not 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 to be negative but i'm not i don't i wouldn't aspire to be there yeah yeah you know, mm. and I was like, you got to work on yourself as well. Yeah. So the teachers, you know, be the best teachers they can as well, but then also have their own things as well. Yeah. Because it, because we talk like we've got it sorted, but we don't. Mm. You know, mm. like telling the kids like do this and do that, but like you find out life's a mess or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drink a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like to pursue this and stuff, but you're like, yeah, you're a teacher, but maybe you want it to be something else. Yeah. So how how the the kids gonna feel that in some way? Yeah. Whether they know it or not. Yeah. But then some genuinely do want to be a teacher. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm not. I'm uh, just generalizing here. Mm-hmm. So some, you know, you can see it as their passion, and mm. some you can sort of see that was what mum and dad's dream was, or they saw it as a good career path. Or yeah. With pretty good perks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, just in terms of um. Uh yeah, growth. Growth yeah. and uh, life coaching. Yeah, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a lot of stepping out and like a lot of reasons why people stay in their job is because it's it's safe, right? Yeah. So it's it's a lot of times it's about stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and, 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 and of course, it's, you know, we, we do have to pay rent and mortgage and all of that kind of stuff. So, yes, it makes sense that you have to keep this job to pay your rent in there. But um, I think often that we get stuck in that I have to stay in this particular job, you know, or my passion won't pay, you know. So I think it's um, about um, opening people's eyes up to say that actually you can, you, you can do that. You just you have to work on it, yes, and you have to work hard on it, um, but it is possible. Um, and uh, I think too with the with teachers and stuff, like, you know, the, the passion, it's a lot easier to be successful at something you're passionate about. You, you might not 
make the money straight away mm-hmm. but you'll make it you know because mm-hmm. you're passionate about it which means you automatically put more time and effort into it um, and you're right people can see it like you people can see that you're passionate about what you're talking about mm-hmm. and I know for my own kids they won't respond to people like you know teachers um, they have a harder time responding to teachers who are just sitting up there pointing at the board or playing their PowerPoint presentation and then you know mm-hmm. monotone and not really being excited about it um but then i met one of their like music teachers and you can see she loves it you know um so it's um and they respond better to those kind of teachers but uh, it is a really difficult position to be in though with, especially with the behavior of the kids now but yeah yeah um, you know when you finished full-time and became part-time mm. like how was how was having more time on your hands <laughs> to do to, to do what you like to do i i actually thought um it was good because it meant i had like I did things that I probably put on the back burner, like going to the gym. Um, and it was funny because I, when I went down, I was like, I was already at the gym, but I was more like, you know, donating to the gym. Um, but then when I went down to casual hours, um, I created a new routine. So it was like drop the kids off to school, go straight to the gym, um, and then I'll go go to work after that um, or not. Um, and then so, but it was it was good because then I that became my routine. I was doing something for myself. Then I had to go back for, I was doing almost 40 hours and I was like, shucks, man, like I was really tired going into the office, you know, and then I gave up going to the gym because I didn't have time anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was, I almost got frustrated with it. Like I was like kind of angry about it, you know, because I'm like, oh man, I'm giving up something for myself now to do this job that I get paid to do. But yeah. um, that sounds weird. But um, I, I probably also became a bit lazier as well because in in that i know what i should be doing but you know i got this i'll do it tomorrow because i'm not working tomorrow you know and then things kind of get put off and you're like you know by by friday you're like okay i probably should have done that so i have to go back to scheduling things because that's what work is you know Mm -hmm. you schedule you got you know things to do every day um and i kind of have to go back to learn how to um schedule free time you know or, or or time that's not at work um because now i don't have a you know clock in time and a clock out time it was always really busy at work so you knew you had to get the kids to school go to work you do your eight hours or whatever then you got to pick the kids up you got to do dinner blah, blah blah then the day's over <laughs> but now you've got time on your hands and you're like yeah i've just got to pick the kids up and then i'll you know muck around for like eight hours and then i'll you know i, I know what you mean because i had forced leave uh Recently, mm. so I, I took every Friday off for two months, and you're right. You think to yourself, "Okay, Friday, I got off. Yeah, I do my stuff. Yeah, but you end up sleeping in. Yeah, um, watch one program on Netflix, <laughs> have lunch, and then watch another program. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happens. Eh? Yeah. I'll do one on the weekend. You lose track. Yeah, you lose track of time. That's so easy to do, man. Yeah. Well, it's a new schedule. You know, it's a new. Mm. You got to get used to. I've been ten years in a full time job. You forget that you like it was always. You're, it was already planned for you so now you've got to plan it for yourself and I think for, for me it's hard to um, invest time on yourself so like normally it's working kids you know and then when you take work away and you've just got the kids the kids are at school for the whole day you're like oh, now what the hell do I do with myself you know and you have to go back to oh what do I enjoy oh what do I need to do you know and you have to kind of relearn who you are and mm. what you like and then um, yeah and, and do whatever it is you've got to do to yeah, <laughs> fill up the space. I guess. What What were some of the things that you realized uh, you weren't doing that you missed? You know, some of the fun things, and because you were tied up with you know family and work. Well, it's hard because I've been working like um, 
since I was 14. So it was, it was always, hard yeah, to, it was yeah, hard. Yeah. Um, but see, when uh, when I was a stay-at-home mum and you have the kids, so there's always, you know, the kids, yeah. and it did become kids and work. Um, so now it's more, especially with the business um, starting and that, um, I have to see that as work, like as in, that's mm. the stuff that has to go into that mm. space where work used to be. Um, Have a mentality. Yeah, you got to change yeah. the mentality. But I, yeah, it's just different because work, you get paid for it, you know. And this is like, you know, you're not yet. So yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have to, um, but I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's going to take time, I think, to get used to it. But we're coming up. So I finish on the 21st for good. Um, and then we've in school holidays, kids don't go back till like the 5th of Feb or something. <laughs> so um, I want to, because I have worked the whole time, you know for the last 10 years with them um i want to have that break with them and go away somewhere and you know yeah. kind of uh spend time quality time with the kids mm. not i have to rush off to you know because i have to go back to work type stuff so i'm looking forward to that um yeah and then uh try and figure myself out after that mm. yeah i wrestle with this thing at work because eh? when i'm at work you know i love it and that um learning connecting with the kids and the teachers but like sometimes i find myself thinking of my other like ideas and projects mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I come home and like and I was like oh I'm tired now like you know hanging out with the kids I don't have any idea uh, energy for like mm. my passion projects yeah yeah. yeah. you know you're like damn man work took up all my energy for yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do this or do that yeah. and then um, you know so I'll get up early or stay up later I'll burn the candle both yeah. ends but I'm like, I, I don't know I don't want to do that but um, yeah I sort of wrestle with that sometimes but then it, the other side of me is like be grateful you got a job you, mm. know, you got a good lifestyle yeah. you know that type yeah. of thing mm-hmm. be content you know um, you know, you get to pick up your kids drop them off you know it's still good lifestyle in it mm-hmm. but yeah and sometimes in class like um, I'll be thinking about you know the podcast or mm. um, you know I'm into strength and conditioning. I'll be thinking about ideas for that, and yeah, different yeah. things, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tough. I wrestle with that a lot, mm. you know, of, of the things I want to do and mm. the things I have to do, mm. and, and being content, you know, that whole thing altogether. Yeah, it's yeah. A tough. It's a tough. See, thing. I'm, I, I'm like real. I've worked since I was young, nine, nine to five. Mm. So then to now, like, I don't know anything else, right? Mm. But but for you, you've owned your own business, right? So. Having time on your hands, but you've got to work for to to get your business running, right? Mm. So how was that? How was that? Balancing time and balancing your business when you had that when you're doing the um, the zealous. Yeah, I think uh, looking back, I think it's good. Like if you're coming up, you know, if you're a teen or even to your twenties and that, but um, not good if you have like a family in that because mm. um, you can dedicate your whole life to it, like your time and stuff, and it's. It's actually like, uh, it's a bit of a struggle, but it's fun in a way. Mm. But um, it was definitely not good once um, I started a family. Mm. So I think if you're, if you're looking at it, do it when you're yeah. either single or just dating in that, it's all right. But once you have a family, then you sort of got to have it going and, and you know, have a lot of systems and things in place. Mm. Um, unless your partner's like uh, really understanding or, or wants to work in it, you know, it's, or rich. It can, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really tough that way. But um, no, I recommend it. Eh? It is tough though. Mm. But um, because you're, but because you're doing something you love and you're passionate about, mm. it um, it's yeah, it's worth it to me. Yeah. Were, looking back, it was a lot of fun memories. You know, even though you know you didn't make uh, much money in the first few years and stuff like that, mm. it was still it was still really cool. Like mm. now, I like today was the first day. Um, I called in six since I've been in Avondale. Oh yeah, but like I, you how know, that feel? 
<laughs> I felt good. Um, like you know, <laughs> slept in, and I had a bit of a sore tummy bug. So I guess uh, it's tummy. So I guess it was um a blessing because I so I didn't have to lie. You know, I actually was feeling a bit off. <laughs> you know, but um because my mum had her uh, Christmas uh, lunch. Uh, so, but I was going to do that either way, <laughs> you know. Okay, so, um, so you manifested to, a sore stomach. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So I really did have a sore stomach, and so um, you know, I slept in uh, me and my wife, and then got to drop off our daughter uh, together, and then we went to the lunch, hmm. and then uh, we went back to her parents' place, and you know, had a little nap. Um, and then I was feeling good after that, so I went and did uh, some hill sprints. Mm. showered up uh, we had uh, local and then we came here and I was like man I miss that like when you're doing your own thing you get flexibility Mm-mm-mm. and like you know if your cousin comes from um, Samoa or New Zealand or uh, from Australia or something like that mm. you can pick them up and like mm. take them to lunch and st- you know like mm. you can do that but when I, now that I've got a normal 9 to 5 I can't do that yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. someone else in the family has to do it yeah, yeah. you know what I mean um, so yeah so it's got its benefits um you know, it, it has its pros and cons, just like anything. But um, yeah, my advice would be, yeah, if you're young and that, go for it. Mm. But once you get a bit older, yeah, you sort of need that. And you can still do it. It's a lot harder though. Mm. It's a lot harder to, to juggle and balance. You know, you got to pay bills. You got more responsibilities. Mm. Do it when you're young, when you got no responsibilities. And yeah, stuff. and you're a little bit more. Um, I will find I was a little bit more uh, resilient, and and you know, you don't need to sleep as much, and you you can. Um, you know, you can eat rubbish and stuff and get away with it. Mm. And, you know, like your body mm. can handle it mm. and you're less fearful as well. Like mm. I notice as I get older, I'm more fearful and mm. more calculating in that. Yeah. Which is good in a way, but then bad in a way. Like, because, yeah, I guess you don't do as much. Uh, for me, I find that I'm not as risky now. Mm. You know, I'm more yeah, fearful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of stuff. It's funny looking back and going, man, I can't believe I did that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was dumb, love, man. Yeah. I'm lucky I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just like, you know, I was willing to sleep at the gym and that, but now I'm like, nah, stuff that, man. Mm. I, I want comfort, you know. I want, yeah. a, I want a proper thing and a proper yeah. setup, you know. Yeah. I would only go back to that. Yeah. But at that, when you're in your 20s, you're like, oh, that's all good. You know, mm. got somewhere to sleep. Mm. I was going to hit you up before to come for a train. Yeah. Because I see your snaps and that, doing your training. I was like, man. Shut up, Yash, and see if I can come over. Yeah. After, after this burger. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I need to, man. I, I don't know. I need, I need to start thinking about being healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, I was thinking about that, man, with the crew. Um, I, don't, I, you know, I haven't thought out the whole plan, but whether, you know, set up a little gym here and then my place and just we can bounce around here and there. Because um, it'll be like, because, you know, everyone was doing the, uh, the biggest loser thing. Mm. It's a part of the journey, like, It'll be good for our everyone's own health, yeah. and also like for our um, our listeners to follow along with the journey as well. Yeah, you know, it's a cool yeah, journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a positive thing. <coughs> yeah, you know, everyone wins. You know, you guys, the families, mm. um, and then everyone that listens in. You know, we mm. can we can be the examples as well. Yeah, uh, in multiple aspects mm. of things. Oh, so you're going to hit me up? I was going to hit you up, man. Because, you know what, for me, I've got no trouble exercising. It's the eating. That's the problem. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And plus, you know, I always think, uh, you, it's in your head. Mm. You always think about it, but you never do it. Yeah. Like, drive past countdown, I'm supposed to get some vegetables. <laughs> but, no, nah, man, it's like, after work, man, sometimes you're tired, you can't, yeah. you don't want to cook, the, yeah. cook that shit. <laughs> man, it's been so hard. Like, as you get all, as you become an adult, man, like, I've, I feel bad when I was a coach and trainer, like, early on. Like, I didn't understand. 
parents and stuff. So to all the people that I've coached out there, <laughs> I apologize I'm for sorry. like for not understanding. Like, like, come on, it's not that hard. But now, like, yeah. I know, I've got a couple of kids and stuff, yeah. and a normal job. Like, you're like, oh yeah, it is a lot harder. Um, yeah takes it out of you eh? yeah it drains you more and um, your willpower goes down a bit but if you you know if it's just got yourself and that it's pretty easy i think to to eat well and Mm. uh train and stuff like that but Mm. you know once the responsibilities come in you know it's tough Mm. speaking of health what's happening with our biggest loser have you heard up no so they weren't gonna um well i'm still sitting in mine every week but um she said that they're not gonna announce it till our christmas function Oh really? That's why she hasn't been putting it on um, Viber, so the that person will be announced then. So, because I saw one update and that was it. So now it's on me because I owe fifty dollars. <laughs> I've got three weeks worth of fines, I think. <laughs> True. I think you had uh, what was his name? Uh, the Westside uh, Fitness on? Yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy? Jer- no, no. Curtis. Kurt- no, no. Fruin. Fruin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fruin. Bro, he well, had some really good advice, and I was like, oh, oh hopefully um, Cam and the eyes get into it. Yeah, I said, he said some really good stuff. And then, like, oh, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he shared some really good stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I really, um, yeah, I really resonated with what he was saying. I thought he had a lot of good stuff. Jordan. Jordan, that's the one. Jordan, yeah, yeah. I really Sorry. like I really Sorry, Jordan. I forgot your name. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked his approach, and. Uh, to the health and fitness and yeah. the, the stuff he was saying so but yeah it's a tough one I mean it's a tough well, one well I, I liked um, Tana's article about the, the weight loss challenge because mm-hmm. his article came up after the first uh, Biggest Loser that the network did um, and where he s- s- admitted that okay, he didn't do too well and you know he well he lost um, and and I, I liked what he said where it's you know it's not for before you jump onto these challenges just um, think about whether it's for you you know because it's all well and good but you really have to be ready to do it you know and mm. probably just before christmas ain't the, the the best you know in december ain't the greatest idea but um i think instead of you know jumping on because everyone's jumping on just like well is it really my time to do it and i think with um what i've seen with like short challenges is that yeah it's a nice kickstart but if you go into it with oh it's eight weeks and then i'm going to be done you're just going to put it all back on so it really needs to be change little things at a time um and make it a lifestyle change as opposed to i'm going to go hard out for eight weeks and then you know then put it all back on after amen yeah amen. <laughs> but, but that's about little challenges eh? like like little changes and i think one of mine is coffee like i i drink like i five six cups a day and it was about okay you don't really need that one like you know let's drop these couple and then like reduce it down i have like five to six a day what type what type of coffee just oh well i get my um hazelnut latte in the morning and then um and then i bougie (laughs) and then when i get to work i drink my instant like so they don't have instant coffee so i'm on that for the whole day but i will just sit on coffee all day and then i find i'm not eating sugar no No, i don't yeah but then it's the milk you know so then if you swap it out for the like i started with reducing the number that i have um and then i swapped the milk out from full fat to like Mm. soy um and so then like but over time, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's like things like that. And then I used to um, stop at the bakery like every morning, like to the point you walk in and they would, they would go, hazelnut latte and a uh, bacon, uh, uh, chicken pie. And I was like, yes, please. Like it was embarrassing. Which bakery? You know? Well, there's three bakeries that know oh. my order. So <laughs> it used to be the one in Tiara too. And now it's the one in Papakura knows it. The one so, from, um, uh, Christopher from Countdown? 
Uh, yeah, the one next to the one next to countdown in Seattle South. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. know me. Um, but every morning, and then it's not till you look at your bank statement and you go, <laughs> I spend a. I did a um, little thing where I went downloaded my um, bank statement onto um, Excel, and um, sorted it to see how much money I was spending on food and takeaways and things like that. And I was like, man, I need to stop going to the bakery. Like it's so bad, you know. <laughs> so then I started packing my lunch, you know. And so it's it's like. That kind of thing's like, okay, just bypass there. Or when you go into the bakery, which is what I'm doing now since being on the challenge, um, I'll walk in and he'll go, oh, steak and cheese pie. I go, no, not, not so, just a coffee today. Just a coffee, you know, like mm. that kind of thing. So um, trying to make them change my order. So now he's really confused because now he doesn't know what I want because yeah, I always yeah. change my mind. But yeah, it's uh, little changes, eh? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're feeling good about the challenge? Thank you at the top. No, I don't know if I'm at the top because I see Linda's uh, kicking ass with her uh, sit-ups and all of that kind of stuff. But oh, that's I, just the same video she's posting up. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it is, uh, I think, about a kilo, a kilo, a kilo, kilo a week is what I've been doing for. Oh, that's good. Yeah, over the last a kilo a week is good. Mm. Yeah, it's, what's it? I'm, I'm not sure the numbers, but I, I, just, I really like, just like we said, the little, the little changes and yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah, more on that. The instead of the. You know the fast, quick, yeah, sort of things. Mm. Yeah, sustainability, yeah, yeah, and then meet, yeah, but it's boring. We don't want to hear it, that. You know what? We it don't is want to boring, hear that, yeah. but it is boring though. Sustainability yeah. and small changes is not sexy, so <laughs> no, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They want the the quick fix, the yeah, the red, the red or blue pill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I feel like if you want to start doing these life changing things, like be healthy you got to go through that period eh, of that transition period of getting towards that lifestyle because mm. the lifestyle is way over here yeah but you got to go through all the hardship to get to the lifestyle yeah otherwise you could just kind of fall back eh? yeah. mm. so mm. How, how your experience how, how much time do you probably need to get past that um you know that to get to the lifestyle bit um i think uh i don't know i guess there's different time frames for everyone but Sometimes, like, something bad has to happen. Um, oh. Sounds sad. You know, yeah. like a health scare? Yeah. And then, or someone else, like, um, having a health scare or passing away, then people are like, oh, shit, it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can sort of just get, get by, like, oh, I'm a little bit overweight, but I'm all right. I can mm-hmm. still do everything. But once you have, like, a health scare and you're like, oh, damn, I'm mm-hmm. not invincible. Something, and then, you you know, something clicks. Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, what, what, but you know what it sounds sad, but that's what I've seen. Like, yeah, but it doesn't last always, though. You know, because then you get down to a certain thing, and then you start going back up. You know, so I think on the when um, the first challenge started, mm. I think somebody had just passed away, and he was only like forty years old or something. And there had been like a couple of people around that age group that around that period that passed away, and I, uh, that might have been the catalyst for man looking at ourselves, going, you know what, we need really need to sort mm-hmm. ourselves out in that. Um, but then you know, by week four of eating carrots you're kind of like yeah nah you forgot the reason why you started you know you forgot what that thing yeah, was yeah, that, it's a distant memory now it is uh. yeah so um it's really really a personal thing and also finding what you like i was talking to Zaya about it the other day and he was saying um you know with the first challenge she didn't really get into it but it's like you have to find what you like because if, if going i hate going on the treadmill and just standing there for half an hour like you know doing that it's boring to me but um you know uh if you like boxing, then go and take up boxing because it's still cardio, you know. So um, do something like that, or join up with someone who's mm. 
that's going to be your accountability person. But um, the only problem with pairing up with someone is that when that person goes, oh, no, I'm just a bit tired today. He goes, oh, yeah, no, me too. Like, you know, <laughs> and then you stand then no one's going anywhere for like two weeks or so. Yeah, it's, it's so different, eh? It's so hard. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, there's so many variables and different things. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah, another one is just, yeah, like you said, having a sport, yeah. doing something you enjoy, it's fun. Mm. Um, and like maybe changing a few Sounds a bit sad, but um, changing a few friends or mm. uh, family members because, like, if you start hanging out with people that are into it, you just slowly yeah. pick up the habits. You yeah. Know? Mm. And if if everybody that you hang out with um, doesn't doesn't uh, you know value their health or, or or try to be on that journey or that path, then you're going to pick it up no matter how strong your willpower is. You mm. know, doesn't matter what you will pick it up. Mm. if you're around it enough you know mm. so sometimes just changing out a couple of people or, or going to a different place like uh, um, can make a big shift you know changing your environment it's ch- easier to change your environment than it is to change your mindset um, so that can be another way it's joining up to yeah like you said boxing mm. or whatever you're into mm. that that could make a bigger difference than just trying harder you know, like, oh, I've got to be more resilient or watching the latest YouTube pump-up thing or whatever. But if you know, um, if you're going out with your friends and, you know, oh, they, they're going to eat clean, it's like, oh, they might think I'm a pig if I get what I usually get. Mm. So I'm going to order, mm. you know, steak and um, salad mm. in some place <laughs> or burger and chips. And, you know, that type yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. you're around them, you're like, oh, I better not do that. Yeah. And they don't even have to say anything. Mm. <laughs> I, I must admit with the challenge like being on this challenge this time I have no we have gone out to dinner quite a few times now and it, I'd normally eat like the pasta and, and you know all the heavy stuff but I'm more going for like the salmon or the salad and stuff and uh, which is really different for me and then I watch my kids eat the pizza and I, I really want a piece <laughs> but you know I'm just like that way ends tomorrow so <laughs> but, oh, you better yeah. win then you better win the prize <laughs> but another good thing I don't know if is listening to um and all reading like is listening to like nutrition podcasts and stuff like that because mm. I think um for me what I learned a lot about nutrition through like reading the books and studying and, and the podcasts like when you know what's happening in your body when you eat certain foods you makes mm. you more like oh shit this mm. is happening and um this is what's the ingredients and contents in this food mm. and you can sort of like um grow more awareness with your body and what's happening and how you're reacting like oh I get bloated on this mm-hmm. I get real tired mm-hmm. on that oh this gives me a lot of energy when I do this so you become more aware of mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't I get that because yeah. you know for so the diets out there like not, everyone's going to have different um, everyone's going to react different to each diet huh? mm-hmm. so there's no one there's no one magic diet out there yeah. for everyone everyone's different huh? so mm-hmm. I get that um Shit, I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> talking yeah, the different diets and yeah, it's fine the way it works, but I think um, yeah, it's just the education on it. Mm. If you grow your own education, because then that's there forever. Mm. You know, you don't lose it. Mm. Um, I, I'm really big on that, but again, that's that's not sexy as well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I was gonna say now. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah, I think the best way to do it is to try a diet for a month. If it does work. Cut it, do another diet. Because yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to find out what, unless you go to a doctor and get blood tests and do all yeah, that yeah. shit. Yeah. So they can, they can tell you what kind of diet. Because mm. you, you can do that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead of just going, oh, I heard this on the radio, I'm mm. going to do this one. Oh, I saw this on TV, I'm going to do this one, you know? Mm. Like you got to know what 
what diet suits you. Yeah, that's a good thing too. But like, um, if you find what works for you, maybe in two years, it maybe changes because yeah. um, stress um, just is your age mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so all your different lifestyle factors affect. So if you go like, oh, when I was 25, I ate this, I'm going to eat the same thing. But your body's changed. If you mm. say maybe 34, 35, it's, it's not going to be the same thing. So you always got to keep tweaking and yeah. making little changes. Um, but you can only do that if you're educated and aware with your body. Um, and it's your own life, so I, I think it pays to um, invest that time and effort into, <laughs> into it. Um, but yeah, like stress, sleep, you know, yeah, hydration, uh, whether you work out or not, that all, that all changes the way um, we digest food and break things down and um, how efficiently our body works. Mm. So you can't just like, oh this worked before but it's going to work now maybe it does maybe it doesn't but those things play a big role you know what I mean just go with the trusted everything in moderation (laughs) (laughs) just go go with that (laughs) but I agree with the thing like try things out to see what works for you Mm, because you know people can talk this and that until you try it out you're like oh I responded well Mm. then keep doing it didn't respond well then stop doing it you know Mm. that type of thing and you can make up your own mind instead of wondering and people telling you and persuading you to go in different directions you can just make up your own mind and uh, decide on something by a process of elimination you know mm. yeah mm. that's a good way yeah speaking of about sleep you know imagine if you had a superpower like that you didn't have to sleep <laughs> imagine that eh? you but didn't have to sleep dream. you never get tired you'll be the man because you can do man when everyone's asleep you can you can you can do things. You can like study to do something. You'll be ahead of everybody. You know. Um, <laughs> how how uh, how much um, like quality? You know, if you don't sleep. No, you just don't need to sleep at all. You just don't need to sleep. Like it's a superpower. It's a superpower. Oh, yeah. You can never <laughs> ever get tired. So when everybody in your house is asleep, you can catch up on your movies. You can catch up on you know stuff like that. And then when everyone's awake. You know, that's when you do your stuff, but yeah, the, the point is, you got more time to do things. Yeah, I had um, Robbie Vion recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, because I know he does like heaps of different things. It's like, how much do you sleep? It's like two, four hours Ooh. a night. And that's like, unhealthy, isn't that? Yeah. But like, I think some people have a uh, superpower. Have, yeah. Have a superpower. Yeah. Not for real. Yeah. I think um, I've met a few people that don't need much sleep. It's, mm. They're very rare, but I, I, I can't do that. Like mm. I need my, you know, s- between six and seven hours, mm. and you think that I feel bad, you know. But yeah, anyway, he seems sweet mm. uh, most of the time. But I know a few people that get by on it, but not many. Mm. I wonder if you can do it having power naps during the day. You can get away with it. Yeah, have a couple of power naps, and you know, <laughs> the, the point is to have more time to be awake to do. <laughs> to stuff. do what though? So so if you did have that superpower. Right, yeah. and you didn't have to sleep, and you had all twenty four hours a day. What would you do with it? Like, what would you want to well, achieve in that? Okay, for for the if I break it down, right, I'll probably have more time, right? So I have more time to do my work. So when I go to work, it's all done. How'd you get this all done in like twenty four hours? <laughs> I know I'm just fast, but you know, you get the advantage on every single person in the world. <laughs> but then they'll give you more work. <laughs> that's well, that's no, what no, happens no, when no, you finish no, things. No. They just that's when you negotiate. They say, you know what. I like this job unless you, uh, you know, give me more money. You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, like, not even that. You can just learn something, you mm. know. 
You can get all your TV programs out the way, your movies out the way. <laughs> yeah. How much do you guys sleep a night? Oh, man, I've been probably five hours. Is that normal or? No. Is it just lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Editing. All the videos and stuff, but. Yeah, five five hours. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. If it's five hours, because when I set that timer, yeah, when I go to bed, they say it's five hours till yeah, 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 wake up. yeah. That's Shit. right. So it's more like four, four and a half, because you you know you sort of wake up a few times. That's not including deep sleep, eh? Because deep sleep takes hours to get there or something. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Because it's the deep sleep you need to get to, eh? Yeah. To get a. I think you need all of it. They all have different benefits. The, mm. the REM and the, the three. Three parts of it. Three stages of yeah, sleep. Yeah. Mm. You need all parts of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty bad sleeper. I, I don't go to sleep before midnight normally. Yeah. So about one, two, maybe in the morning, and then get up more, not till about seven or something. Mm. Um, Is that necessary or? I just don't sleep. Like I think it started back at. I noticed noticed it back at Varsity. I didn't sleep a lot, um, and that was more because I was trying to finish my assignments before it was due the next morning, and then um, and worked a lot as well. So then you just kind of just keep going, and I just got used to it. I think. Um, and then with the kids waking up in the middle of the night when they were little and stuff, it's just my sleep has always been out of whack, which I think has led also to the weight problem as well. Like it just becomes an issue mm. with that, and you know, yeah. Now see the benefits of that superpower. <laughs> you see it now. <laughs> so what? Um, one one o'clock, one or two, and then what yeah, time do you get up? About seven. Ah, uh, yeah. I oh, said so about five hours as mm. well, roughly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like you said, with the weight loss. Uh, it's crazy, but sleep does help weight loss yeah. mm-hmm. massively. Like, if you could do anything better, sleep will and help uh, your overall health more than anything. Yeah, more than nutrition, training, mm. anything. Mm. Sleep. So, yeah, I, I gotta stop doing that because eh? you know I do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday I can't do anything because I'm stuffed. Yeah, it's time to get home. Check to sleep, man. Yeah, yeah. And then I wake up at midnight, and then I'm wide awake. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Why the fuck I eat it? <laughs> <laughs> and then the tragic cycle begins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the best thing um, uh, we can all do. But um, like, since we've had our two kids, I've like slept less, and I've noticed a difference. And like, I'm a little bit more pudgier than usual, and I can sort of see how you know it plays. In. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then like my um, my thought process and stuff is a little bit mm-hmm. worse as well. Mm. Um, yeah, patience, patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's quite a lot of um, negative things that I've noticed because before them, you know, sleep was a lot more easier to mm. handle. And then working at the box, I would usually like read and um, have a power nap anywhere from like one and uh, midday to 2.30 or something. I would usually have like a little 15, 20 minute thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was like starting the day fresh after that, mm. you know. Mm. Um, so since I don't do that anymore, and yeah, having a lot of broken sleep with the kids, I notice my my um, my brain's a lot more foggy. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but true. I think people do it for so many years. You just become you get used to it. It becomes yeah. normal. It's so normal. Yeah. So you probably have a lot of untapped um, resource in there. You know. Yeah. That you don't know of. You have you seen uh, Limitless? No. Is a movie with um, what's his name? Uh, the, the handsome hangover guy. Yeah, the handsome guy. Yeah, <laughs> but um, anyway, he takes the pill and then he can use the full capacity of his brain. Oh right. 
And so, like, if we get our sleep done, we'll have more capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do better. Like, Isn't that like Lucy? Was there the movie Lucy? Was she like that? She took some pill and. I don't know, maybe. Anyway. Oh, the action yeah. girl. What's yeah. her name? She Lucy. took a pill. I think her eyes turned blue and she. Yeah. So, with the, the 100 episodes, came uh, a couple of highlights. Um. <laughs> how can. Oh, I should have studied. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I should study the nah. Um There's a lot eh? a lot I can't I can't pinpoint. Can you remember your first one? Uh yes. It was State <laughs> Origin. Last year's State Origin. And it was me and Avi. Mm. And we just talked about random things. Mm. Yeah. And, and here we are, a hundred later, we're still talking about <laughs> random things. <laughs> well that's it. That that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Talking about random things. Like, yeah, um hundred what about um, a lot, eh? say in the next hundred at uh, two hundred? Where, where would you like to see um, the network and back of the one three five and everything? Well, you know, I think we've done a video for five episodes, and you know, just started doing it. So I think that's a big step. And uh, I think I, I thought about video like ages ago. Like you know, when we first started this, I think okay, we'll take things slow. We'll just you know. We'll just have conversations, you know, and just put it out there, see what happens, and then probably get guests in, and then eventually we'll go into video, and then after that we'll go into live. So that was the full thought process in the beginning. So it took, what, 95 episodes to get to, to the video part of it, <laughs> but I, I enjoy the the videos, eh? It's been really good. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good for the listeners, too, to put a face to the voice mm. sort of thing, but... I learned I learned a few things because I did some research into to videoing a podcast. Like so, in terms of like subscribers and followers to your podcast and that, they think that the audience come through YouTube first and then find you in social media after. Oh, right. Not the other way around. Yeah, it's yeah, harder yeah. the other way around. Yeah, unless you're there constantly. Because mm. YouTube is like way bigger than everything still. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think yeah, I think all the followers or listeners pass through YouTube first and then right, then right. try to find you on social. On Instagram on, and Facebook. Yeah. So there was that. So I, I was glad that we started the video so that can happen. And I think it has sort, sort of, of a cross crossover yeah. for YouTube and then. I think the other thing I want to do is like try connect, connect with the listeners personally. Try to find who who they are and actually talk to them. Mm. Yeah. And ask them how can we be better and stuff like that because I I don't think social media is a good platform for listeners to put input because mm. we're talking about the loyal the people that they listen to the podcast all all the time mm. and stuff so. It'd be good to see who they are and actually find a way to connect with them, yeah. like through email and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to finding a way to do that. I um, it's cool, man. Like, I talk to some of them on the socials now. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, like after the podcast, you know, we're sort of like friends now. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. oh, true. You know, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. little comments here and there and mm. stuff like that, or um, commenting on their stories. And I saw um, one of the boys at uh, Countdown. <laughs> catch up and stuff like that so it's been really cool that way to to connect um one of the things that i want to do um going forward is um i feel like our market is is like we're starting to hit everyone you know mm. like because podcast is getting massive you know mm-hmm. so for me personally i want to improve on is my questions and, and planning out this I sort of got an, I got that inspiration from uh, Tim Ferriss mm. he's very well uh, planned out 
And so I, I would have room for freestyle. Yeah. But then also have like a bunch of set questions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's sort of a bit of both. I don't want to be too rigid. <coughs> so that's how I want to improve um, mm. for the future. Obviously, add the camera stuff to add the snippets. Mm. I want to get um like a a technical person, a personal tech personal tech person. Mm, mm, mm. If that makes sense. Mm. So they can do that stuff and do my socials and stuff. Mm. Um, I have to head up like the. The university. Yeah, just get like a that. Yeah. job search or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Just to help me out and that sort of side of things. Mm. And then, um, you know, they can build up their own skills and their own, um, you know, they can do their own little side hustle or whatever, you know. Um, and then also, I recommend Hawaii. Hmm? There's heaps of islanders in Hawaii, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go over there. Um, <laughs> go over there do like a podcast tour yep. um, and then make connections and then from then you can do like Zoom ones or because mm. I think I think that's a big thing and that will lead into America a bit better mm. oh you know the you know um, I mean? and then even Aussie as well yeah like there's a lot of um, that's a good point because you know when I went down to, to Wellington yeah. and took the took the podcast gear down there and got some guests down there man, that was awesome mm. yeah. that was really cool yeah. mm. you know to sit up in the hotel room yeah Get them to come on. That was cool. And because I had a week down there, you can schedule your guests every day. Yeah. Because I had two guests on one day. One came after the other, so that was pretty cool. I had five lined up, I think two, two, two cancelled. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having three, but but that was all good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the the polyblank one. Mm. It was cool. Um, but that's where I want to go is like getting getting overseas and stuff. And then also with the questions, um, say if I had Cam on, uh, ask some questions. Then the next time. Like, I want to listen back on that episode and ask him different questions. Right. So then I'm not, like, repeating the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, digging deeper. Because, you know, sometimes if you had a guest on, you're like, damn, I didn't ask that. Mm. So making sure I ask that question the next time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, or, I, or you didn't go deep enough on a certain thing. Or some, some, sometimes guests are real reserved. Yeah. And, like, just trying to help, like, think of a way to crack them open. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, ask questions and or interview in a way you know gain their trust more mm-hmm. that they'll want to open up. So mm-hmm. um, those are some of the things that I want to do to improve in my art of um, podcasting. I feel like I'm like I was I was thinking about it while I was driving around today. What percentage I'm at? You know, I feel like I'm like sixty five percent of like my potential. You know, <clears throat> like. Because I'm still going to get an intro properly. Like, there's so many oh, things okay. now with yeah, the way yeah, I can yeah. see you improve mm. yeah. and getting tidy. Like, I want to listen back and be like, yo, that, I hit that. You know that yeah. type of thing? Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm there yet. And yeah, getting on YouTube and, and all those type of things. Sponsors, I definitely want to get sponsors once they, but they've got to be aligned with what I believe in. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's right. So, um, the one, yeah, that type of thing. And creating a network through that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. No, no, sit down. We're already on. We're already on. We're taking it out. Talofa, Yeah, yeah, I think I might have to. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 we, yeah, we might have to. I'm going to have to take out soon. So sorry. No, no, no. I should so be here soon. I was like, oh, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> Some other people were being interviewed. How's it going? <laughs> oh, this I'm just enjoying my choice of tea. Choice of tea. I'll just bring you a cup from home. How did you? I just went upstairs and just helped myself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, who's that from upstairs? No, 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 no. Oh, have you got a cup holder big enough for that? Oh, no, 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 I was just holding it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Before you came in, what were you talking about? Oh, just improvements for, you know, since it's the 100th episode, like how we want to improve, you know, for the next 100. Things we'd like to for see. The next 100. You know. Um, because you're like a regular uh, regular oh, listener, just, Raj, like, um, is there any uh, advice or any no, improvements I, I, I you like think we should, be, we should be making on the podcast? Yeah, something you would like to improve on and you'd like <laughs> to see or you know, you'd like to do, that type of thing? No, I like everyone has their own different flavour, so... No, just your own personal... Yeah, has to be. <laughs> has to be. I, I just enjoy listening to the pods, you know, to get me through the... Mowing of my lawns or digging trenches for my father-in-law <laughs> up north. So, nah, it's been really good listening to people's different content and different pods. So, yeah. You know when you're doing that, do you find you're, work, you're working faster? When you're like... Absolutely. Oh, oh I don't good. know. It just passes the time, I guess. It's just like anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then before you know it, oh, sheesh. You know, when you think uh, a pod is two hours, like that one I listened to the other day was mm. um, with Michael Field. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a yeah. couple of hours... So I guess show how slow I am in my lawns. <laughs> That's <laughs> a big really, lawn, man. Yeah, but it was really um, yeah, informative and sh- educational pod, that one. Did you guys listen to that one? The Michael Field no, yeah, one? No, no, no. I was listening to um, the Polytech one. Which one? Tovia. Oh, Tovia's one, yeah. 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 Man. Oh, I haven't really listened good. to his one. Yet. Really good. Yeah, that yeah. one was... It was really good. That was really good. Good, good story <laughs> time, man. Really yeah, he's he's yeah. always been good. Like, I don't know, Maria, if you remember from Varsity as well, Tovia. No, I don't remember much from Varsity. I got a piece of paper to show that I went. <laughs> but he was good. He was good. Always a good speaker. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, he, but he was really good. He was a bit of a yeah. poet, so but yeah. then a lot of the information. Hmm. And he was um, um, he was all about build better dads. Was it? Yeah, he was hashtag is uh, build better dads. Um, when he talked about his kids and his wife and stuff. So, now he's really, and now he's a major player in the IT world, eh? Mm. Knows his stuff. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Aria? Any um, stuff you'd like to see or do, you know, over the next 100 episodes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are so far behind the back of the 135, but I think for us, um, us girls, we're still learning. So, we did the first 10 episodes just us three girls and then uh now then we the, the last two that we've had has been with guests so that's what we'll be moving into next year i think we're just finding that um especially coming up to christmas you know um all being mums and stuff it's just become a lot busier um and the kids have something on every day and all that kind of stuff so finding the time to get together um has been difficult um but yeah so we hope to get probably a bit more scheduled next year um and uh yeah sort out some guests and things like that and uh but yeah mm. i think so but Could we want to spread a lot more of them because the majority stuff. of the all ones maria they all in studio or any of them via Zoom or no they're all in um, all studio because we've got the studio at T's but um, yeah, yeah so it was kind of always um, meant to be our very very first one I think we did with the back of the one through five was um, through Zoom because that was during COVID and that's when we started the first lockdown and that's when we started um, and cool. then all the and then we came out of COVID and set up the studio. <laughs> We're like, right, let's do this. So and we find it um, probably easier being yeah. in person and stuff. Um, and you know, because chicks just talk over each other, so it's a lot easier. To, yeah. So have you still got that video? That video? Have you, do you still have it? Which one? It's the first Zoom one you guys did. 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's on my laptop. I should put it up on the YouTube. Yeah, back then we were undercover. You were like just. <laughs> then, speaking of undercover, Maria, <laughs> yes. I did not know it was you guys. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the photos, you know, the animated yeah, avatars, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Father's cool," but you know, who are these girls? Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I saw you guys at trust. Oh, <laughs> these, guys. these guys! Can I get your autograph? <laughs> oh, get it, Ria. Yeah, yeah. That was all done on purpose because yeah, we already yeah, yeah. knew going into it that we talk about a lot of stuff. Well, actually, the original reason was because a cu- couple of us were divorced, and so we, were, you know, bitching and moaning about our ex partners and stuff. And so that's why it started that way. Um, but then, yeah, and also we knew as. You know, the way we talk anyway, we talk about quite a bit of taboo stuff and we wanted to be free mm. to do that without, um, you know. But then when I think we got to episode 10 and we were like, all right, I think we've already come been outed by how many out. people. So it's like, it's, I was like, man, why didn't they tag me in this? You know some of the topics you guys bring up on mm. your podcast? To me, I'm, I'm shocked, but I shouldn't be. Yeah. Because that's the way you guys talk. Mm. And that's good. It's really good. Yeah. I mean... I wish we could open up more like that. But <laughs> I don't know why, why. Why? Why don't we do that? Why? Why can't we talk about those Is topics? It, no yeah, one likes well, to talk about. Girls seem to it seems to flow more freely with when yeah. girls talk about it, and whether that's just part of the natural conversation with girls. I think so. Day to day, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think guys don't tend to talk about you know sports is always a big one that comes into play. Rugby. Mm. Um, we we generally like tend to like more mock as opposed to encourage. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if a lady's like, oh, my friend, they'll like get around and cuddle them and that, but like us guys won't. Like sort of like a little, <laughs> a little, little. Uh, oh, it can be like a first thing, and then like, oh shit, it's serious, and mm-hmm. then you know you get around mm-hmm. them. But I mean, there's other things, but that can be <laughs> one one thing. There's usually a few things to mm-hmm. it. Eh? Yeah. I mean, I guess for us, like for the, especially the the platform we have, the um, empty out the clip. Mm. Well, that's the platform where we just go for gold on our, our ideas and our thoughts. I'm a believer of free speech, eh? Mm. And I think when people get offended with stuff out there, I think they don't know where to draw the line. There is such thing as hate speech. I mean, they, they draw this line where they think it is when it's not really where it should be. Well, because you know it just I mean? depends like, on everyone's perspective, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm, it's like one person is going to get offended by it where the other person's like, oh, what are you angry about? You know, so it's it's really your own perception. And I think that's the good thing about podcasting and having guests is that when you go into it, you have to have an open mind um, because somebody is going to say something that you're not going to yeah. like. And I think mm. I noticed it with the King Kapisi one and, the, the, um, and what came out of that um, is that when you start reading the comments, some people are like, oh, I actually didn't even know that he was an atheist or something um and so then people start um having different but you can i think we have to accept that people can have different opinions doesn't mean you have to agree with it mm. i think the problem is is when you're trying to force your own opinion on somebody else um, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. trying to do that with your platform but i don't think uh we do that so i think we're quite clear from the beginning too is that this is we do the disclaimer once you know mm. this is just my opinion and um even with our articles as well we write this is an opinion piece it's not um you know yeah. it's not hard fact you don't have to you know it's it's awkward when someone like says something that you don't believe in and then they get hey and you're like <laughs> and you don't want to say it yeah like <laughs> yeah see we're, yeah. we're, we're in, with the like, girls they I just, just change the subject because I don't agree yeah. you know they're not with it I'm like 
Okay, um, so when you were... <laughs> yeah. See, the girls aren't like the the girls. They'll just go, nah, like, nah, I don't get yeah. that. And then they say their point, you know? And then you agree to disagree. And mm. it's like, because your listeners aren't going to be all the like-minded, you know? So one's going to yeah. believe in that one and the other one's going to believe in that. I remember listening to one of your guys once and mm. Tony's like, yeah, I'm one of those mums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. You know, no sugarcoating in that. So yeah, yeah. I get that. Mm. But yeah, we'll take some people, you know, back. You know, yeah. Ooh, a bit full on but I think like you said Maria it's just having an opinion and then allowing other people to have that opinion mm. but yeah if you come in close minded mm. then you're going to be standoffish or you're going to be battling that whether that's you're coming across live or during the pod or yeah. just in general and that's where you get the keyboard warriors mm. that, yeah. on the social media platforms such as Facebook that you know just saying you know because they disagree with mm. it but not realising someone's allowed to have the opinion that opinion might come across as hate speech mm. because the person that's had that opinion doesn't realise. Yeah. You know, in their mind, it makes sense. Mm. But to, to someone else, it's not going to be accepted or, mm. you know, welcomed as much. So. Mm. The Kinka PC one is, is interesting, eh? With all those comments, man, that video got bombarded with comments. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I, I was reading, I read the comments. All of them have got valid points, mm. you know, but I feel I felt like some of them were trying to change like, Do you think no. it's because, you know, they've maybe they've listened and grown up with King Kapisi's music and then all of a sudden, oh, they they, re, they yeah. discover something about him and then mm. go, oh, and then they, oh, maybe now I don't, I don't want to listen or don't mm. agree with any yeah. of his music. Just because of that one aspect of his now his being is that, oh, you discover he's, he's atheist. But still, you have to have an appreciation for his music. You've always appreciated his mm. music. Mm. You can't discard the music all of a sudden just because he has a different belief system to, mm. to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that was, um, I felt like some of them, some of those comments were like, hey man, that's not the way, man. You should be doing this, you should be doing that. Yeah, you know, but you're always going to get those, eh? Hey? Yeah. I, I always go straight to the comment section. Does anyone else do that? And that's where the entertainment is. Like, you go to the comment <laughs> section and go, oh, how, do, how does one see those comments? I don't see, I, I can't go. Oh, well. You just press the arrow down. There's mm. an arrow. Maybe my no. Nokia brick phone doesn't have that uh, <laughs> capacity at the moment. When you upgrade to a cup holder in your car, <laughs> you can get upgrades or... <laughs> I, get, I get nervous when I see comments like on those things because, you know, you got guys like, um, man, it, it can be brutal, eh? Mm. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to get, get down that rabbit hole. And, like, it's not really going to help me, you know what I mean? Mm. But, mm. you know, people have their differing, differing opinions and beliefs and I, know, I try to leave it at that. You know, I have my own things, and every, you know, everyone's gonna disagree on different things and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah it's yeah. good to take it on as uh, feedback, and yeah, yeah, you know, and that's all you can take it at, at yeah, that le- yeah. at that value. But um, when you start taking it to heart, yeah, that's the way. Yeah, I don't want to read it because I don't want where, to. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You think about how celebrities deal with it, how our sports people deal with all the criticisms that come from pretty full on, eh? public eh? Mm. some of them just choose to ignore it altogether and don't read those comments. You know, back in the day when I oh, don't read read the news article or the news clippings and that, mm. newspaper clippings just because of the the criticism that's coming you know of uh, the previous game or mm. yeah. what have you so I think it's similar in that regard so many platforms such you know you post up a photo and someone will mm. have, a, have something to say about it or, mm. yeah. and whether they disagree or like it or dislike it so mm. yeah I think because I've got um, a couple of relatives that play professional sports and um, we all used to be like, get that guy off his rubbish. And, and like now that like, you know, my family could cop it, I'm like, 
you shouldn't say that, man. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> so now I don't say it as well. Because I'm like, oh, that's probably someone else's cousin or nephew or son. So now I'm, I, want, I don't say, like, bag plays out as much. Mm. But see, it is. You know what I mean? See, see, but before that, I used to, before my, like, family made it, I was like, this guy's mud, man. Get him on. He's killing it. But yeah, now I'll I'm put like, this to you. Oh, why, why should it change? Why should it change? <laughs> because if you're at I a still life, think it, but... Yeah, just, if you're at a live game, right? Yeah. You're at your own, your, you know, prerogative as to what you say to yeah. the live match. Yeah. And now people are able... And, and people won't discredit you or question you about it. Yeah. Because you're in a live audience scenario. You do that... You get that now with live matches that are happening, and then people comment as the match is happening. Right, right, right. And they post up their status of, oh, man, I disagree with the ref. What's the difference now? Is that now people can see what you're commenting, can yeah. hear what you're saying, yeah. as opposed to when you're at a live match, no one can hear. Yeah. So you're, you're left to your devices. Yeah. But now that everyone's at, you know, even the spectators being scrutinised, you know, for yeah. all their comments. So <laughs> why are we holding back? Is it because we are be careful now because of the worry of what people would think of what they say. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's the thing I don't agree with. Like, is, is it getting to the point where, th- this is what I don't want. I don't want this po- the podcast to be people uh, afraid to say something because of, of that background stuff happening mm. about mm. about mental health. And I know it's there, you know, it's it's a problem. And we need to, but sometimes I feel like they're, they're throwing it out there like, like willy-nilly, you know. I think we'll be around the podcast realm because the guests that we have on are usually like specialists in something and or they have a strong belief in something mm. and they probably hold themselves uh, you know in a confident way you know that if someone's you know King Kampisi he's pretty confident in what he does and so obviously he's not going to hold back and other people that are expert or uh, in their field you know they're quite knowledgeable they're, they're probably not going to or maybe in a little bit they will but I don't think it will get to that stage where mm. or in my opinion anyway because if someone like really believes in something, they'll they'll feel compelled to, to share it or you know talk about what they want to say. But if they're sort of not an expert and that, then they might you know hold back because they're a bit scared. You know, well, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But you know, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna bag me out in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, obviously, you girls after scoop, you're not worried about all that. Well, no, guys, just say <laughs> no filter. Yeah, yeah. We do, but um, uh, with um, Juliet that came on, so um, our guest, uh, she was the younger one, and Juliet was not her real name. Um, all the, all, <laughs> but you know, this is this is what we allowed them to do, you know, because she was um, talking about how she's struggling with um, her partner's um, in-laws, you know, the having the in-laws and uh, the, you know giving money to them all the time and stuff like that, and it, we know it's such a real thing, and we want her to be able to talk about it without her family going hey did you did you you know and start having the wars with the family you know um because really it's about her being open to vent and we want to allow that space for her to do that which is why we confidence yeah which is one we go back to why we started with our um although my real name last name is rain so like honestly it is um (laughs) but um why we started with those um fake names and uh why are we allow our guests if they want to come in confidence and and speak like um, you know speak openly to give them that um, choose your avatar Mm, yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) well I guess that's why that's why it's different with you girls because stuff you talk about is actually real stuff it's like real life yeah 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 yeah. that that could um, that usually is happening at that very point in time yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah. just going back to the uh, the live live thing 
was at a game with a friend watching the Roosters and the Warriors. It was years ago, years ago. And uh, a Warriors guy was making his debut. And my mate was, uh, he's hard out, Roosters, hard out. And the guy got on and um, he, um, he he ran hard out and he, he got hammered. And my mate was just like, like going hard. But we didn't know his family was sitting behind us. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, they sort of said a few whispers, but my mate didn't hear it, but I did. You know, and I was like, oh. I tell him, oh, no, that's all right. But then the guy ran again and he got hammered again. <laughs> and then he was going hard. And then they said, like, you better watch your mouth. Oh, uh, sort of yeah. Thing. Yeah. And then uh, we sort of changed for this. Like, you can support, but not like. But, but how, how, the only difference there, the, the, the funny factor there was it's family, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they got to get to grips with the fact that, yep, that's their boy out there, that's their family in part. However, how many other yeah, people yeah. in the stands are saying the same thing, yeah. and that's that's going to be their normal. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the reality of being a a sports professional sports person. Eh? Yeah, you're right. Like if we were sitting somewhere else, that yeah, exactly. would be sweet. Eh? Would have been yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah. wouldn't have been an issue. Just depending but. on where we were, and then no one would have known as well. Eh? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And saying that, then if that was your say son playing, and you heard people behind yeah. you saying, "Oh, you're blah blah blah," yeah. what would you, would you just be okay with that? No, no, no. That's a natural instinct for yeah, the family yeah, to react yeah, like yeah, that. Right. So I can, we can we can all right. sort of, um, appreciate that. But in terms of the the whole the general feel, right? It's yeah, like right. there's going to be thousands upon thousands of other spectators yeah. saying exactly the same thing about your boy. Yeah. And it's just a reality. Like it's we distance yourself. You know. Yep, I'm a spectator, but at the same time, that's my family. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's hurtful. <laughs> Comments coming from. It's trying to separate the two, and then yeah, it's going to get to that point where hey uh, better tone down yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's, it's it's hand in hand eh? and, and professional sports people will know that mm-hmm. um, but it's just something that yeah family members are going to be always supportive of the family but then it's, it's at the same time just let the spectators be spectators yeah. or are you going to get confrontational just be, uh, just because of someone's opinion yeah, so yeah. that's one of the extremes to it I suppose yeah. but no I agree in terms of the yeah it's good to support your team 100% and yeah just, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yeah for sure it's good. It's good. And so that's that's, that's perspective as well, eh? Because yeah. from the that spectators, we yeah, shame on you. Yeah? <laughs> but then from the family's perspective, they go, hey, that's my boy. <laughs> so it's, it's a, yeah. they're not doing it out of malice. No, or, no, no. Uh, you know, but it's just he's going for yeah, the rear his team. And, yeah. In the context of it, because it's their boy, yeah, they're gonna take offence to it. Yeah. But no, and saying all this, then you you go on the news and you hear you hear the comments from um, from Julian Severe, how he went on on Twitter and he complained about the fans, and then he got the. Opa Captain doing the same thing um, last week. So it's like, uh, are they pushing back that with the fans and that? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think there's like constructive criticism and things like that. But then there's some like guys or girls that like are just in their dungeon and just trolling people for the sake of it. You know, they they got some issues and they're maybe seeing some hurtful things. You know, there's some stuff that's just constructive criticism. You got to chop, you know, cop it on the chin and, you know, take it and... But then some of it's just real hurtful. Mm. It's not necessary, you know. I think there's there's a different thing. When they, and then they're not trying to help, or there's no uh, solution, you know. For, you know that's yeah, so your one eyed supporters will be exactly the yeah. same, you know. They're not going to see the person. They're going to see a sports person. You mm. play for my team. Yeah. You better help my team win. Mm. Yeah. You don't, then you're on the offside with them. Yeah. And I think it's similar to that. And um, but then again, it comes back to. Why, why do those sports people taking it to heart when they know it's probably not true yeah. but 
it's going to hurt. You know, that's, yeah. that's how humans operate. <coughs> that's the thing, it's always going to be there. Mm. Right? It's always going to be there. Yeah. And it's changed too. The landscape's changed from, like I said, the newspaper clippings to now it's just there instantly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and they're ruthless now. They're yeah, like, yeah. People are mean, man. Yeah. People like, are shucks. mean. Yeah. Real mean. No, and, I think, yeah, the, 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 to say stuff is all right, but the mean, like, you don't have to be yeah. ugly about it. You can yeah. sort of say the same thing in a, in a better way, yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, like... And similar to, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's always going to be someone that's going to be throwing out stuff that uh, untoward and that, but mm. it's whether you listen to it. Yeah. And the more you talk about it, you're giving them... Yeah, time. That's what they want. Yeah, yeah. they want a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Mm. they want to be talked about, yeah. regardless of whether there's any truth to the matter or not. Yeah, uh, but you know, yeah. I think I, I think I've got to go away. I got to. Yeah, me too. Um, I've got yeah. a long drive. Yeah, are you staying these days? Papakura. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> Since when? January. <laughs> yeah. January has it been that? that... Yeah, because the boys. Did you hear that, <laughs> you hear that, Sully? <laughs> Maria travels from Papakura. <laughs> I expect you here in 10 minutes. <laughs> I, do, I do work in Avondale, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I just came after nah, work. Edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do have to drive back, so does exactly. that count? <laughs> Papakura. Loveys and levies for the 100th yeah, episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for having That's me as coming. part of it. I'll see you guys at the Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to there or what? After work, I'll come after work. Oh, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. We got to <laughs> catch up with everyone. Yeah, yeah. 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 After work, is it? What uh, time? I finish at uh, 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you guys might be well oh, on your oh, way. Peaking, peaking. Uh, <laughs> might be well on your way. So, oh, right on time to drive us home. <laughs> is it Maria or Rhea? <laughs> <laughs> it's Mrs. Rain. At 11 o'clock, is it Rhea or is it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Catch up, catch up. Sorry, brother. Sorry, I couldn't stay long. Yeah. No, good. So, uh, wait, I just want to... So, did you take a look at the Super Rugby squads? Yes, I did, man. You know what? The, the main reason why I was looking through was looking for Chote and Nico A. Adrian uh, Chote and Nico Jones. I was but, disappointed they weren't But yeah, I Are they put it anywhere? Like development or something? They're probably, well... I'm not. I'm not too sure, but there was a couple of comments that I saw in the development teams. So highly likely that they'd be there. I'm not sure about Adrian's um, situation because I know he was he was playing in Bristol just before um, COVID struck. So he came back from there. Mm. Is it Bristol? Yeah, I think he was playing over in Bristol. And so whether he goes back, I'm not sure. Um, depending on what the Northern Hemisphere. Sort of scenarios like at the moment that they're, they're playing, they're not playing in front of crowds. So, mm. um, but yeah, I was hoping that he would get a contract. It's like I mentioned previously, he was in that same sort of um, time as Tom Christie coming through the Colts system, and now Tom Christie's obviously had one season of Super this year, well, albeit Super Aotearoa, mm. uh, Super Lekaulia. <laughs> so yeah it would, it's uh, I think for Adrian in terms of um, moving forward you know he's now seeing players that he played with through the age grade oh. system eh? and whether you know does he kick on but like we've all, all, all know is there's so many loose forwards that, um, that the Blues have acquired over the last few years and now they've added <coughs> Dylan Hunt to it as well 
So it was always going to be tough to add not only choke, but also whether Nickel gets a, a super contract. They, they might have um, yeah, development contracts or wider squad training contracts, and obviously they don't get named in the, the namings of squads as that was put out today, but mm. who knows, they could be involved somewhere and might get their chance. And you know, injuries as well. The attrition rate these days, professional athletes, uh, before you know it, you know, during the off-season, someone might go down and then get caught in out of the blue. It happened to um, a couple of guys not long ago, Kyle Tuinukofi and Angus Tavao, and we know the story that that came out of that. You know, They both went on to become All Blacks when they didn't even have any super contracts. Mm. Mm. How about your beloved Chiefs? Take a look at them. They lost Alan Malo. How, how yeah, I, 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 I saw that. I wasn't sure what the story is behind that, but um, because he was unlucky to because yeah, he was injured. Eh? He must have the yeah, yeah. Oh, he got injured during the season, ah. Oh, yeah, and then um, but surprising that they didn't pick him up. Who picked him up in the end? Was this it with Highlanders? The Highlanders, eh? Yeah, I saw the Highlanders um, squad there, but there's no <laughs> yeah, like someone pointed out, there's no. Um, Adam Thompson this time round. Mm. I'm not sure whether Chiefs Mana, chief of them all, <laughs> Liam Misson was going to get a contract. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the um, the purpose of him returning to New Zealand. Um, maybe it was just to help out the Mulu. They came close, made the semis. I did see him in that basketball game. That um, yeah, yeah, the, the, the celebrity one, eh? Uh, celebrity basketball mm. game. Yeah, so I'm not too sure what. Um, he, again, he could be someone that's. Waiting in the ranks as well in the wider training squad, someone go down. Then, you know, you could do with a lot of that experience. I think he might be gunning for his 100 for Waikato. So, whether he sticks around NPC wise, oh yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Um, but um, for next year anyway. But we're not too sure whether he a lot of those players who are in their twilight um, years whether they do go back to Japan, because we know that Bowden and TJ are going to Japan. But there's all, you know, it's a bit of maimokupe for the Blues with Bowden's contract, but obviously there's a chance for him to come back on the back end of the Super season and, and then hopefully for the international season. Mm. And TJ as well, he's finished on 69 tests. He's gone to Japan, eh? Mm, he's in Japan too. And so I'm to me, I looked sh- at the Hurricane squad, they look like the weakest one out of the whole. Yeah, what, what makes you think that? Okay. I think the forwards, the forwards looked um, look new. I think um, I saw they got um, Lulangi, Vinici. Oh, Vinici, Vinici, The Highlanders, oh, Hurricanes. Yeah. yeah, I saw his name in there. Facing here. Mm. Oh. Yes, yes, right at the bottom of the list. Julian Savia, the bus is back. Obviously, Salisi Rayasi. Be interesting to see how much game time he gets, you know, because um, you still got guys like Wes Goosen there. They've gotten rid of who was our South African boy that they had last year, eh? Oh, Wes. Yeah, the Karifi's there, but Karifi's still there. Oh more, oh more. Yeah. Yep, the same uh, three usual suspects for the hooking roles there: Asafo, more Dane Coles, and Ricky Riccitelli. So that'll be a good battle. Obviously, Peter Munger Jensen's could do, you know, he'll, he'll be looking at solidifying that midfield berth just because, you know, he's had a taste of all black rugby now. And mm. So he'll be looking at sort of 
getting more regular opportunities. Simon Hickey is another <coughs> one that's down at uh, Hurricanes Country for being an Auckland man, North Shore man. Um, but yeah, but it looks like there's no real. The Blues had a there's a guy that wasn't in included in the Blues that I hadn't seen or heard of before. Is he the from Ta- did he come from Taranaki or Suane Vikena? I think he came from Taranaki. I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, Nepal Olala disappoint me. Going to the Blues. It's good to see him. They're showing in that um, poster where they've announced the team. He's wearing his county's Monaco jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like a Sam Darry, Darry from Crusaders. It's in there as well. Got a, uh, a Tane Plumtree. I wonder if that's Plumtree's son. He's from Wellington. He's one of the loose forwards. He's another, lo- yeah, so he's another loose forward. So he's the only one that I didn't recognise was... Tain Plumtree, otherwise the rest of them are all there from this year. James Parsons. He's back, isn't he? The veteran. He's back. Centurion for the Blues. He's back. Danny's favourite player. Um. <laughs> yeah, Danny's favourite player. I saw the... Because um, they've, they've put out the schedule. Wait, so there's two different competitions next year. There's the Super Rugby Aotearoa. In Australia, and they're separate. And then after that, after we do that, oh yes, then yes, we yes. do the Australia one. Then. Yeah, yeah. So how do they determine who plays in that one? Is it like the top couple of teams, or from? I each? think it's two completely separate competitions. Yeah, I heard about that. So they just, they just start again. But they're still trying to see, you know, how much or how much of an involvement the Australian side, eh? Because yeah. they're still sort of trying to sort out. The logistics of that. But it's good to see Finley Christie back with that in the halfback stocks. But then uh, Harry Plummer's in there. Zahn Sullivan. That's his first um, super contract, eh? Mm. Zahn. Yeah. AJ Lamb. <coughs> yeah, definitely the headlines in the papers. The Blues, strong team. I think it was. Oh, was it was the same. Oh yeah, no, it's good. It's good. We'll hopefully, uh, Todd Robertson and Hoskins to to kick on through there. But I'm I'm surprised that um, loose forwards and Hurricanes, eh? Because what do you make of um, Via Fafita these days? That guy, he has his good moments, eh? And then. He's off the map for a period of time and then Because he even back. had a, a couple of good games for Wellington at the beginning of the Mata 10. You know, just they were in. I think for Via, what's going to always sort of. I wouldn't say so much haunt him, but it's the way that he played against Argentina where he had his breakout season for the All Blacks. Eh? That's, that's always <laughs> going to be the benchmark for him because until he produces consistent performances like that. He's always they're always gonna sort of show you that highlight reel of him decimating Argentina. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like he's in the All Blacks, but they don't give him any time. Yeah, time. that's right. Yeah, so he's real. He's he's real sort of last last cable of the ranking. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Shannon Frizzell who had a good game against Argentina as well. Um, 
No, it was against Australia, eh? It was against Australia, the second game. But, um, you know, whether they can kick on, but now it's good. There's a bit of pressure from Akira Ioane now. Oh, he's no, been playing good. Yeah. Hopefully he can he just add to it and push on to next season with it. <coughs> Bryn Gatlin, I think <coughs> Bryn, Bryn Gatlin will be a huge um, booster to the Chiefs. <laughs> the sun's back. The sun's back. But Xavier Rowe, that was the... Um, yeah, Waikato halfback. He's he's got a maiden contract for the the Chiefs next year. Was he the guys you you guys talked about? On yeah, Tama? yeah, yeah. He was very good. Yeah. So he's the one that's um. So he's there with Tetoiro, Tahuri Orangi, and Brad Weber. But with a Brad Weber, you know how long is he going to stick around for? He's got another. He's just got one year extension next year. Mm. Um, well, he's in up to be the. The veteran of that team, no. Yeah, he's 85 tests. Oh, sorry, sorry, Caps. It's only one ahead of Damien McKenzie. So McKenzie's on 84. Mm-hmm. And how young he is, eh, McKenzie? So he'll be one that was going to, you know, all going well, no injuries. He'll be surpassing that 100 in the next season or two. But then you've got um, Antonin Brown as well, another veteran, 81. He's played 81 times for the Chiefs now. So, and Sean Stevenson, you know, he's had a lot of cameos off the bench for the Chiefs, but... He's still hanging in there, man. Yeah, he's 52. He's, he's played 52 he's still, games. He's still hanging in there off the Chiefs. <laughs> they love him, they're right, they love him. Mm, mm. Nah, that's right. He's, uh, I think the Blues are uh, too late on that one. <laughs> the ship has sailed, he's a Chiefs now. <laughs> you know, I'm also I'm looking forward to next year. I hope, I hope they bring back the rugby fantasy. Eh? Yes. Man, that was so fun. No, uh, yeah, I think Tana's Tana's looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he missed out, but he was in the chat. <laughs> now, do you remember when we did the draw? We did the draft thing. Oh yes, <laughs> wow, that was full on, man. For me, I was like draft, hey, eh? draft. Holy heck! And you happened to pick. Oh. You didn't pick it. You just oh, you no, no, no. The I did. There was there was a couple of rounds that I missed. Or oh, the last few rounds, I think. And you and took then, that gamble, and, uh... and then Havili became one of mine automatically. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some good uh, automatics, eh? But there was a few few that I yeah I I chose myself because I was like oh when I once I got used to what was happening with the I didn't understand it if I just. You know, you guys just don't explain things to me. I just <laughs> jump on the deep end and say, what the heck's going on? How do I choose a player? And then once it comes to your turn, they go, oh, you get to select. And then you realise, oh, which ones are left on. But as your gamble with um, Talia, they got you. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, man, you're scoring 100 plus, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing about a guy like Mark Talia. It's almost like he was talked up a lot because of the, uh, the beginning, the way he started off super rugby game. And this was before Caleb Clark had come back in, mm. before COVID. And he was just getting the numbers, the runs, the meters, the carries and tries. And so, you know, off the bat, a lot of people were, oh man, this guy's going to be a bolter. And so it was, I don't know how it made me feel some sort of, um, you felt for him because, you know, because he had such an awesome start to Super uh, Rugby and yet he's just playing Mighty Ten Cup when you got a guy like Caleb Clark playing and, and Will Jordan, they're playing for the All Blacks, you know. Mm. 
<laughs> how different it could have been, you know. For but the thing is, he still had his opportunities mm. and his chances. He might still have another chance yet. But you know, how long do they wait out for? You know, is it World Cups in another couple of years, few years? So did you know that before you picked them in the draft? Sorry, did you know all this before you picked them in the draft? Because I know I had no idea who he was. I had heard about him. Oh, okay. Just in the club season, though. In the club, you know, yeah, so... And because he had already played for Harbour. He's already been in the Harbour setup for a few seasons, but he had never played super. And so they, they reckon that... And just the little murmurings that I heard about him in the club, I said, I'll take a gamble on this guy. <laughs> I didn't know he was South African. Oh, yeah. I knew he was Samoan, had Samoan in it, but I didn't realise he had South African. Yeah. So... Like everyone, everyone was starting to learn. The more this guy got some airtime and the more the tries he scored and runs he made. And he was such a hard man to put down the stop, you know. First point of contact, you still you got him, but you slow him down, but he's still you're pumping the legs, eh? <laughs> so that's when I said, oh, man, this guy's a real exciting sort of talent. And he's only young, and he's still young, so who knows what could happen. But just hopefully he's not like a – it's not one of those – like. A, Lamb, eh, Ben Lamb? <laughs> you know, score tries and make massive metres every season, season in, season out, and yet, you know, never get a call-up. I first have a Jack, because he was number one pick, and it didn't go too well. <laughs> he picked Sil Reese as number one, but... Was it Sil? Yeah, it was Sil Reese. And he didn't score well. Off the back of his previous year, where he did score 100-plus. And then he goes and picks uh, Adi Severe, and he was injured half the, more than half the season. I know. He got injured doing TikTok, and he obviously ejected and take note of that. And he thought, oh, yeah, 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 Adi Severe. No one's picking Adi Severe. I'll not choose him. <laughs> Sucker. I, I, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, though, because I think with that fantasy rugby, you need a good amount of pool of players. Mm. And they, they, I don't think they can do it with just Super Aotearoa alone. They might be able to do it for the Australia, uh, New Zealand one. Mm. But they might be pushing it. Because when they had South African there, there was, you know, they had that whole pool of players, the whole comp to choose from. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to miss South Africa. Cause they, see, I, we won't know their players anymore, you know? Mm. If they're going to play out north. Oh, yeah, yeah, given the fact that, you know, if you don't follow the Northern Hemisphere rugby mm. all too closely, then yes, South Africa going to be in that sort of category. Eh? Going to be an unknown sort of yeah. Uh, quality. Yeah, yeah, especially going into World Cups because we're so used to playing them and becoming familiar with who's who, who's involved and who's on the fringes. And but now it's going to be you know, going in sort of blind days, eh? seeing who's going to come <laughs> out of. But it doesn't matter to Japan. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter to Japan who South Africa come with, but you know they've had some good, couple of good World Cups. Japan the last couple of years, uh, last couple of runs. So, be interesting to see how Japan sort of build on that, leading into twenty twenty three. Also with France as well. Um, so they see, yeah, Ireland. Ireland just beat Georgia the other day. Um, Georgia have had a just. Yeah, not 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 by much. It wasn't by much, and they they brought up the fact that um, Georgia only lost lost fourteen ten to Ireland at the last World Cup mm. or the World Cup before that. So they weren't going to take them lightly. But they, yeah, no, I I'm not sure whether they had their best team against Georgia, 
But yeah, they just just won, not by much again. So you know that's encouraging for Georgia. Um, but uh, yeah, just <coughs> it's it's worrying with Ireland as well because you know they're sort of seeing as a a powerhouse up in the north mm. as well, and um, obviously they grow an arm and a leg when they play the likes of New Zealand and South Africa. But at the same time, sometimes you feel when they are supposed to win a game, they should win convincingly or should win anyway. But uh, yeah, sometimes it goes the other way. But hmm, it'll be interesting next World Cup. So well, we're only oh, three years away. <laughs> Still three oh, years away. Where In France. France. Oh, yeah. Mm. So the French team should be mm, should be a. Building nicely towards that. They didn't have um, uh, Intermac. Intermac wasn't playing on the weekend. I don't know why. I, re- I remember they they kind of rock episode. You guys are talking about like um, England's approach to playing Georgia, kind of put four loose forwards on the field. Mm. Did they ever happen? I'm not sure. Didn't see. I don't even know. What was disappointing with the Autumn Nations Cup was Fiji never took the field. Oh, did they? No. I think it's coming to an end. Oh. And uh, I don't think Fiji got a chance. Oh. It's because they've got guys in quarantine. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... It's been unorganised. Yeah, so they, I guess um, with a few guys in, they tested positive, mm. including Simi Rodradra, um, it's too much of a risk for the rest of the team to play. So they've all they've had to be isolated. So yeah, I'm not sure how much longer it's got that competition, but should be at least finished. They would have had that in line with their um, November tests, though. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically cancelled out November tests. Your normal end of year tours. You win the Southern Hemisphere, go up there. Um, so it was cool listening to you guys last episode of Canada. So I know um, the, I saw involved with Moana Pacifica. Head coach of Papakura is was at one of the meetings I saw in the photos. Sione so. mm-hmm. Sione, um, ex counties player, he's uh, played over in Marist as well, and he was part of that um, the infamous team of Aucklanders that went down to Case to King Country and became they took over King Country under Peter Fetz. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he was involved in all that. I just remember after. When I played in a team with those guys, and a few of them were involved in that team, eh? uh. Peter Fetze, he was always like, <laughs> 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 like hey, we're back KCs, mate. I was like, hey, it's a different KC to what you're doing. <laughs> King Country. Yeah, yeah. No, it says, oh, it's finals weekend this weekend. Was it? Who's on it? So, 5th of December is finals weekend. Ireland, I don't know. Who, oh, Georgia is playing, says to be confirmed. Hmm. So, it all ends this weekend. Fiji, no show. Man, that's a bizarre competition, man. Hey. Yeah, I don't know how it worked. Because last week was Wales versus England. France and Italy and Ireland, Georgia. So that's the one where they... What is the results? And so I, I guess judging from those results, that's who 
being plays each other this week. So, obviously, who didn't play last week then? That was funny enough, just including um, Fiji in that competition. <laughs> yeah. So it's not called six. Uh, That's called Auto Nations. Auto Nations now. Aut- uh, yeah. <laughs> Auto Nations Cup. <come. clears throat> I was going to say eight nations. Well, that's the thing, eh? It was automatically, because we've known it as Six Nations for so long, yeah. Oh, yeah, included two more teams. It must be, but they must be like Super, you know, how Super used to just keep growing for a yeah. few years. Super 12, Super 14, Super 15. Oh, no, just Super Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so, four days ago. Oh, yeah, so they did a similar two pools as well. So, they're Group A and Group B. So, England... So in Group A, England finished on top, Ireland second, Wales, and then Georgia. Then the B pool was France first, Scotland second, Italy third, and then Fiji, who never took to the field at the bottom. So yeah, so sort of, unfortunately Fiji had no control over their performances, they've lost three from three. Georgia, three from three, they've lost as well. Um, but yeah. So that's a, okay, so that's probably why it's real shortened season because they did it in two pools, so it's not round robin. All oh, right. As it used to be round robin, but. Um, you want um, undefeated? Stand by. Yeah, England and France undefeated. So that's probably going to be the, the final. That'll be the final. Yeah, that'll yeah. definitely be the final. Man, sad to hear about um, Dominici. Yeah, yeah. And that was his game, mate. Eh? That was that, that 99 World Cup. Because you know how after the All Blacks lost to Argentina, mm-hmm. or even when they lost to Australia this year, people were talking about, a lot of the talk was about, you know, it didn't didn't hurt as much as previous losses you know and then people started talking about what was their their worst loss that they've <laughs> experienced you know with the All Blacks and people were talking about the 2007 2003 but they didn't seem to talk about 99 mm-hmm. and I I couldn't see too many people and then when I when I mentioned 99 once on one thread and said, oh that's right people they commented and said oh we forgot about 99 but I remember 99 because that was I think after 95, there was an expectation. And I'm not too sure. I wasn't in the country when 95 happened. Mm. So I don't understand. I'm not sure what the general feel around the country was. But I remember 99. It was like a nation in mourning. It was like <laughs> everyone was just so down after. And I remember kids crying because the All Blacks had lost. And um, but I just remember that as the worst loss that mm. I remember. But it was... You know, Jonah Lomu still had an awesome game, and you know, as an individual rugby player, he pulled off a couple of tries that probably no one else could have pulled off. Going through, you know, the forwards of the French and just bouncing players off and just getting through, and uh, a barrage of tacklers, um, and still able to score. And I think, you know, only he could do what <laughs> do that compared to your typical human. <laughs> and then, but Dominici was yeah. the other stand standout in that game. And that was his try. When he scored that try, that um, that changed the game, you know, that sort of turned the tide for the French. And 
And then before you know it, we were down, man. It was gone. And yeah. So I, I, I felt that that was um, the worst. The worst, worst loss. Yeah. Because <laughs> even, even in 2003 when we lost, mm. that was the um, oh, four more years from Greg and A in the semi. But then did you hear the history behind that? No. The four more years. There was um, how Gregan hated uh, Byron Kelleher. Oh yeah, yeah, and he said that he said that specifically to him four more years to Byron Kelleher. <laughs> I, I think yeah, Greg because Marshall will come out with it. Yeah. Just the Marshall will come out and say how he and despite being in the same team because they were so competitive towards each other, he disliked Byron Kelleher as well, and I think oh. it was vice versa. But every they'll, they'll, you know if they were taking a photo in public later on, you know post their post their rugby careers, mm-hmm. they'll still get on, you know, you know be. Amicable towards each other, but because I know Marshall and <coughs> Gregan were good mates, eh? yeah, 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 and that's the thing. So he mentioned that, yeah, even Gregan really disliked Byron as well, and and Marshall knew that, and <laughs> and they'll, they'll get into almost fisticuffs at trainings, you know, what? Marshall and Byron, just because <laughs> one wanted to do one way, the other one wanted. To do. So there was that genuine uh, rivalry, you know, you know, yeah, you got to be competitive, keep the other one on the toe, but mm. these guys hated each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like. That, that 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 was an interesting combination, Marshall and Byron Keller, because each of them, I think each of them, each of them got equal opportunities in the All Blacks, equal equal time. Like it depended, I think it depended on the team they were facing. Mm. They were put either either or on on the field. Compared to now, when there's always um, Aaron Smith, he's the yeah, he's yeah. the number one. Eh? But I still think I still feel Marshall was probably yeah he. It'd still come. It'd be the similar, whereas where Byron was second to Justin Marshall, I believe, because Justin Marshall ended up playing close to eighty. Was it eighty odd? Because he was the most kept halfback until um, Aaron Smith surpassed him. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he's about in the eighties, and I don't think Byron Keller was anywhere near that. I could be wrong. But then, you know, TJ similar, TJ 69, and now you got um, Aaron Smith in the 90s, eh? Mm. So next year, next year, yeah, he could be, yeah, for some reason I've got him in the 30s, but I, I, maybe 40s. Oh, no, 57. Oh, that's appearances, eh? That's not necessarily tests. The majority of them would, would have been tests, eh? Just if you click on his, not, his all black number, it'll... It'll give a, a true indication of how many tests. But mind you, they played in a time where the majority of them were <coughs> tests anyway. Oh yeah, 57 tests. Yeah. But then compare that to Justin Marshall, who would have played, I'm pretty sure, for some reason, 79, 80. Unless I'm remembering Ian Jones. I felt sorry for Ian Jones because he was stuck on 79. Uh-huh. And he was the most kept lock for a long time on 79. I felt he was hard done by not to keep 80. 81, there it is. Mm. But 88 times, eh? So that's seven, seven matches. <clears throat> that's where you look at because you see like a guy like Aaron Clark only played 10 tests, mm. but then he played 24 times for the All Blacks. So those. Those midweek games, eh? All adds up. 
So even though <laughs> people might say, oh, he only played 10 tests, but still he represented the All Blacks 24 times. So Gary Whitson was similar as well. He never played 100 tests, but he played 101 times for the All Blacks. So you could, you'd still consider him a, a centurion, but just not a test centurion. I never understood that. So the difference between test and match? So match, match is just, you know how you met. So test would just be against a country, mm. a nation. But then if you're playing Munster, it's not considered a oh, test. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So those, that's where those, so like, um, who played in that? Uh, who was the Southland, Otago, Highlanders, a prop? So that so was his first cap. He played in that and they almost lost. So I guess these days you won't see much. No, nah. you won't see much matches anymore. No, nah, no more matches. The only one that still exists is the barbarian one. Oh, that's okay. not considered a test. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that's where Jerome Kainal, when he his first his debut for the All Blacks was in a barbarians match at the mm-hmm. end of year tour, but then it wasn't until the following season that he became a test match All Black. So similar to Akira Yuan and Asafu Omoa, so they had one cap next to them, but it was a it was a it wasn't a test. Oh, okay. So prior to so they they were they were still being touted as deputants for the I was going hold on hold on hold on they were really play, but then I realized oh hold on yeah that's right they played they did play they got they played in the all black jersey but it was wasn't a test so if you're playing in that situation and you play the match against the barbarians and it goes on your record and you don't play for all blacks again then it's so you never you you you're not a test all black <laughs> but you you were an all black you still get an all black number yeah. but you were, so you go through the archives and. Even in the old days, way back in the you know in the, even the forty, some players didn't even have a test, but they had a number of matches mm. they had played. So that's playing even against New South Wales A or Queensland B, that's considered a, a match, but not a test. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's 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 funny how the the rugby do it because then you look at football, and then some of the national they they they'll play. Against another country, like England will play Brazil, but they won't consider it. They consider it a friendly. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They consider it a friendly, but not a an international. So, so yeah, yeah. and I think that's works in a similar sort of um, state as what the All Blacks consider a match versus a test. So an official test, too, because I would see that. Oh, but the, although they're playing a friendly, but it's still considered you're playing one country to another. <laughs> but I guess it depends on yeah what defines it in each sport but yeah I just always remember Ian Jones he was 79 he ended up on 79 <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I felt sorry for him because I had to walk up and that was the last you know mm. I always wondered oh man I wish they'd just give him one more test but then you think about a guy like um, Richie McCaw 148 you know he could have rounded it off to 150 but I guess we'll, it'd never be you're never gonna get your. I mean, how much more of a fairy tale do you want for a guy like Richie McCoy? He's what he's gone out on top. Where a lot of players don't go out on their own accord, they they either get forced out or get dropped. Mm. I still, he's he's still playing. You're not playing anymore, or now and then jumping, uh, jumping for a run now and then. I played a few games this year, games, mm. but I played for the Mammoth and Mammoth with a reserve team for Waitemata. So I enjoyed it. It was good, but um, I think I missed. Uh, I miss playing for the Prims. And this was the first year that I never played Prims. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been playing Prims since '99. 
off. Every season of you know, so like in the initial days, mm. ninety nine, two thousand, I was up and down reserves and prems. But then from about two thousand, even two thousand one, when it was like Watamata back then, reserves prems. Then from two thousand two onwards, sort of like just prems every year in the odd reserves game here, yeah. And then when I came back to Watamata in two thousand and fourteen, um, yeah, majority prems up until this year. Mm. Mm. But it's good though. I think um, can't just depend on some of the old heads, you know. It's good to have experience, but you need to get a good balance. How you get some young, some young boys coming through. So, and that's that's what's needed as well. Yeah, club rugby, but. I think what we see is because the landscape's changed so dramatically is that a young person might think if they haven't made a rep team or may haven't broken into the system by a certain age, by 21, then what's the point playing, you know? Mm. And that's why... So you'll see some clubs where they'll be laden with young players, but then some other clubs you don't, don't have as many young. I think I look at teams like Papatoi, where you still got guys like JP... He was playing and, and coaching at the same time last couple of years. But you got the likes of the Lepo brothers, Frank and Mike, who both in their mid-30s, mid to late 30s, mm. and still trucking around. You don't see that too often now. A lot of them are early 20s. Like you look at the Varsities, the Pakurangas, not many are beyond 25, mm. 30 at a top, at a max. I remember playing guys, man, this shark. They they look like they could be under twelves to me, you know, but they look so young, eh? <laughs> and I feel like oh, I feel like uh, just an old bully trying to run. No, when you when you do actually catch them, but they're too nippy for me these days. Yeah, but you know, and what's matter? Good. The good thing about what's matter, they've always been, you know, they pride themselves on having local boys, eh? Boys from the local area. Mm. So that's always a good thing, and it's good to see. I think we struggled with having a few um, front rowers coming through, and I think that was a lot of a lot of the clubs, not enough front rowers, and that's where you get guys at. And that's because the front row club was sort of looked at and frowned upon, thinking, nah, it's just the big fat guys that go there, the slow guys, but it's not that. It hasn't been like that for a long time. And I think it's just that misconception. <laughs> Silly. And then that's why some guys, when they put on weight, and they think, oh, I can only play prop now. Hey, man, don't, 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 don't look down on the front row, man. <laughs> Just because you put on weight, you get fit for your position then. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, I think a lot of people have that perception that as soon as they put on a bit, bit of weight and can't play flanker anymore, then, oh, yeah, I'll go front row. But front row is not, it's not, a, it's not an easy sort of gig to take on, especially if you've played most of your life on the flanks or mm. anywhere else, eh? Because... Uh, yeah, but some people take to it a, a lot better than others if they're, if they're changing positions. But otherwise, if you can start young, and I see some really good props coming through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's real good. You, know, you see genuine props that guys that just play, you, you might not, uh, you underestimate some guys, you know, oh, what position are you playing? You think they're playing something, they say prop. They, you wouldn't be your typical, they'll be tall, slim, you know, and that's... And that's when you get the genuine guys, eh? Mm. And no one can talk to me otherwise. So go play somewhere else. No, I'm a prop. That's that's good. And you get the big guys too. But um, sometimes if you get some guys that transition from another position because 
they're either too slow for that position now or put on a bit of weight. But they, they get the rude awakening once they try playing front row or prop. You know what, for the um, young guys coming through, the club rugby scene, like, you know, through your years, like, seeing that, what was it like? Because I remember there was talk in, it was in the paper, like, club rugby is dying. You know, mm. there's, there's not many kids playing rugby these days. And I, I remember that, reading that articles in, yeah, yeah. You know, there was like a scale, especially with, with Auckland rugby. Yeah. Well, did that, did, did you feel that at any time? Yeah, there was, I can't remember, can't pinpoint it, but I think it was when they started talking about, and even Stacey mentioned it on the last pod about the Mitre 10, the NPC, because before Super Rugby, the NPC was, was it, you know, and that was the, the dream to, to play NPC because there was no Super. So coming from primary school, high school, you see your Auckland's and you see your Canterbury's, and that was, and then the All Blacks was the next level, but then once Super Rugby started coming to the play, it sort of nullified, it sort of took away the 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 novelty of the NPC and then more so club rugby because club rugby was wow. that first stepping stone before. You know, it didn't matter whether you're a superstar at school. Yep, you had the schools, but it's club rugby is where the guys like Sean Fitzpatrick would, you know, they, you know, they learn their trade and um, play. And that's when varsity, the New Zealand university teams were playing touring sides that come from overseas, you oh, know, yeah. and they would play internationals against um, touring sides. So, and that was included as a midweeker for the touring sides. So things like that. And so when when you, club rugby was had thousands upon thousands of people watching it, and it's now dwindled to you know a couple of hundred if, if you're lucky. Mm. And so. Yeah, and I think it was a change with the professionalism as well. Once the game went professional after 95 and 96, I think the attention turned towards the Super Rugby. And NPC was still relevant, was still good, because that was the, the nurturing ground of those that took the next step. And I remember Ronnie Clark was, at the time before 2000, he was the most capped he had a record for the most capped Auckland and Blues player. No one had played more games than he did. But obviously that changed. He had played 150 for Auckland and, you know, the first couple of seasons for the mm. new uh, super contract, uh, super rugby sort of uh, notion. And so he he was clock, he clocked up about, yeah, 200, yeah, about close to 200 games, first-class games just for the Auckland Union franchise. So he had a record at the time, but... Obviously, guys like Kevin Mellum will have well surpassed that. I think Kevin Mellum could be still one of the most capped first-class players in the world, um, having played 100 for the All Blacks, 100 for the Blues, 100-plus for the Blues, mm. and then pff, huge number for the Auckland team as well. And uh, I think nine for the Chiefs, where he became an All Black. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, but it has changed. The landscape's changed, and not many players stick around for it. If you, and that's where, especially with first fifteen um, being televised now, Sky Sport. Mm-hmm. So a lot of kids, that's that's the that's the stage now. That's the platform. They want to make it to that. They don't even consider first uh, club rugby. And if they do, if the ones that do miss out, going straight to a super contract or um, a, a rugby union contract for their provincial sides then they will filter back into the club scenes. But 
gone are the days where they want to play under 21s or under 19s. They want to go straight to prems. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. And they expect it as well. So and that's where there will still be a lot that will be coming through. Um, but then a lot will be already well involved in academies. So guys that are involved in academies, they'll, they'll probably make the odd appearance for the um, club teams. But a lot of them are already locked up and wrapped up in cotton wool just for the sporadic games, you know, mm-hmm. the odd games for the club, but more so for the unions. And um, just that's the nature of the beast now. And if, uh, and if they don't want to stick around before the 25, then they go abroad. Mm. Yeah, so what's the point of them trying to get 100 games for <laughs> a club these days? Uh, there's no money in it. And so they don't stick around. Loyalty, I remember Leo Lafayette back in... 99 bandering you know saying stuff about loyalty and he was one of those those players that was considered a loyal man because he was playing in the blues but he was Te Aratu yeah. you know, before it became Waitakere City it was Te Aratu Rugby Club and he was one of the few that were still um, that were playing out of Te Aratu. but Te Aratu had a yeah they had a real good raft of players that came through in the mid mid to late 90s that went on to to play professionally if not for the blues then you know abroad as well so you had George Hara, Silaulea Inga, um, even Toova Inga, Danny Kaliopa play through. And I was and Trevor Leota, I, I was I was I remember playing my first season of, of Prince Footy and these guys are around and I knew who these guys were, but you know, I was like, far out, these guys just what like the other week played for Samoa. Mm. Now they're playing. <laughs> and that was the that was the landscape back then. You'd see Craig Dowd turning up for suburbs, you see Ronnie I played against Ronnie when he was playing for suburbs. And I knew he was an All Black, you know, young fella. This guy's eh? They play for the Blues, All Blacks, and you'd see that littered throughout the club scene. You don't see that anymore, and that was part of the attraction why people would turn out and support their clubs because they knew they had an Auckland player or they had a, a Blues player, mm. or they even had an All Black playing for there. Um, but yeah, gone are those days. That's um, you don't get many of them. Even though a lot of them might sign with an NPC team, they won't necessarily turn out. I remember when Pretty Whipu, when he came to the Blues, he has to be associated or affiliated to a team. Mm. He got appointed Mount Wellington. He never turned out for Mount Wellington. It excited the club, <laughs> got the club excited, but did he ever turn out for them? No. Mm. He might have turned up to the ground and to the to the club, but he never played for them. But then <laughs> yeah, guys like Lee Stensonis ended up playing for Waitemata, yeah, Nick White, Waitemata. And so they'll play the old club season, club game, and then go and play the Aucklands. Or Nick White was a bit of a journeyman. He played different, uh, I think he three or four super rugby teams. So, But yeah, yeah. I think the last big name was uh, Sione Lawaki out of Waitemata. Hmm. But then DJ Forbes as well. So yeah, he turned out after he retired from Sevens, International Sevens years. Gave back to the club and played the last couple of seasons. Mm. But yeah, there's the odd um, name here and there, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's few and far between now. I remember one year where we made the semis. It was 2014 and uh, 15. Sorry, it's when Wax Yonilaki come back and yeah, we made it and we were playing as grandma and and we we sort of. Thought we had that game, but then out of the blue, they, they you know, we had Bryn Hall playing on the, was it Bryn Hall? 
he's a half-back, eh? That wasn't Bruno. It was another winger. Well, he was... You know, he just played for the Chiefs. And now he's playing club final, or oh, semi-final. And we, we lost, but it was like, oh... They were able to bring in players in there, you know, to their to the advantage if they're able to pull in players that are registered with them, mm. albeit just for the, the semi-final to win a championship. That's what clubs would do. <laughs> That's the lens that you'd go to. But, um... It's, it's, it's interesting, like, guy like, um... So let's see, um... Rousey, how he grew up in Wellington and ended up in Auckland somehow. Yeah. Uh, I, and that's the reason why he's with, with the Hurricanes because he's, he's from there. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. But they had no room for him anywhere down there. He had to come up to play for Auckland. And then get wanted for... Mm. to play Hurricanes. But then you look at the likes of guys like, um... similar to Malakai Fikitoa, you know? Played for Auckland but then went to the Highlanders. We've had a few like that. Which is um, Vince Ussel. He plays for Wellington as well, eh? Mm-hmm. But he's part of the Blues. Is that right? Uh, he's, oh, he's part was of it the Blues. TJ Fayani. TJ Fayani, Auckland. He's not Blues, though, eh? Oh, no, he is Blues. No, TJ Fayani's Blues. It's, mm. um, I'm getting confused. It's Ussel. It's Ussel used to be for Auckland. He is Auckland, but he went down there. Mm. Just similar to um, Ben Lamb. Huh. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. So he's Auckland, but he's, he's Hurricanes. Mm. And you're going to get that, you know, you go, go where the opportunity is. We were watching the likes of Brian Lee Ma, you know. <laughs> but you know, that, that stretch of, of bad seasons the Blues are having, you know, like, you know, everyone is blaming on the on the selections like you know like how, how can they let go all these good players to other teams and you know they become all blacks and they're from Auckland you know when mm. you look at the, the teams and the, the players that the, the Hurricanes had at their disposal in the 90s through to the early 90s and early 2000s and still couldn't win a championship mm. until recently you know you had Jordan Lung you had Tana Umanga Archery Collins Philo Tiatia you had Kupu Vanisi at one stage and they still couldn't do it. Rodney saw yellow. How many All Blacks had come Christian Cullen? And mm. yet they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And they they won the two thousand and one or two thousand NPC title, and that was the first. And you know that was the first and last of yeah that. But they couldn't do Super Rugby until recently, and so that and that's part of the, I guess the unpredictability of rugby. You might have. Individually, you might have, or even as a collective, great team, but on the day, you know, mm-hmm. whoever they're up against could just get the better of it. And it's who turns up. Obviously, they both do, but one team just. I don't like the, that cliche, um, who wants it more? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they both want it, right? I think it just comes down to a bit of, I don't know, add another cliche, a bounce of the ball. <laughs> But but you know, you know, being a hard up blues fan, like you know, when we were losing, like I could, man, I felt like that that cliche wasn't even in anyone's state of mind, you know, because mm. the boys didn't feel like they wanted, you know, they were just there being a professional rugby player. That's it. Like, that's what it felt to me. Like you know, we for so many seasons we had the names on the paper, but I never yeah, delivered yeah, the kids yeah. always bottom of the table. Like hey. 
And then for so long, it was that um, just holding on to your yeah, 96, 97 teams because that's all you had to cling on to. Eh? Mm. It wasn't until 2003. And so that was still three, seven years later before they won their their last title. Um, and and even to this day, you still talk about that 96, 97 team. Sean Fitzpatrick, Zinzan Brook, Ronnie Clark, Sir Michael Jones. Um Man, listen, Andrew Blowers, the Brooks, Robin Brook as well. Huge names in there. And um, so that sort of set the precedent, eh? The benchmark is, okay, you got names. Of course they're going to win it. But then there were names everywhere else in the competition. So yeah, I sort of struggle to, when I hear that, that notion of, oh, it's, if you want to bet, you know, it depends on who wants it more. So. <laughs> I think everyone works hard and you know we only see the, the end product we only see the Saturday eh? everyone wants it because the training the house down leading up to the, those games and uh, you can't question that but obviously when the results don't go your way again perception and the entitlement of spectators eh? they'll, they'll say their piece you go nah you got not working out man what the heck? these guys do the professional athletes they even they had a tackle <laughs> but yeah, obviously it's, it's 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 the nature of sport and the beauty of it as well at the same time. But with all due respect to Xavier Rush, you know he's going to be remembered as that last captain. You know, two thousand three, he won a title. But I don't think he was in his earlier days as a rugby player. He was, you know, came coming out of Sacred Heart. He was, you know, touted for big things and to be a long-term All Black and have a successful All Black career. But he didn't play that many games with the All Blacks. And I think there was a period between when he first came out as a 21-year-old and he was a bit of a... He had a hiatus there where he was out in the wilderness for a bit and then he came back. And Yeah, I don't re- really remember him as an All Black. Xavier Rush. I remember yeah. him definitely as a Blues and Auckland player. But yeah. I'm not All Black. Yeah, but then he became... For me, it was he was an awkward watch to to watch Xavier Rush in his, in his latter years being a, a number eight. But um, but again, at the same time, you can't take away the titles, you know. He won as captain 2003, all blues. And so, but, um, and then he got recalled into the All Blacks <coughs> team not long after, so. I was a fan of the num- other number eight, the one played for North Harbour, uh, Williams. Yeah. Was um, what was his name? He just retired. He's too. retired now, yeah. Just retired. He was at Cardiff Blues. Mm. And the wave, Wayne Pinvac. Uh, so Nick. Nick Williams. Nick yeah, he was. Yeah, he left early. He left, mm. Eric. He was, he was part of the Blues setup in the late 90s. Oh, was it late 90s or early 2000s? Early 2000s. So I remember playing him when I was playing in, at Harbour. Oh, yeah. Man, he was a big boy, and like, but he weren't that many Samoans. Out uh, North Harbour ways when we played each other, but we had a go because Nick was having a go at one of our boys, and I just jumped in for my first eight. But you know, and I realised this guy's only eighteen. <laughs> I was like, oh sheesh! And like you know, because he was a man mountain, but yeah, he was yeah. eighteen. So, yeah. But he played awesome, eh? So I was surprised he didn't stick around for a bit longer. Mm. Um, but he was he was he was a good player. And so it was good that he got his just rewards and, you know, he's well-respected around the world, especially in the northern parts, um, having played such a long, long career out in uh, in England. So, mm. 
in, in the Northern Hemisphere. So I saw that, um, I think it's just before he retired. Yeah, with his video mum, his, They brought his mum over. Mm. It yeah. was a surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was a, that, was a, that was a touching moment there. He <laughs> still looked the cool. same. Mm. He still looked the same well, from what I remember of me. Yeah. Obviously, just the grey hair. But, <laughs> man, yeah, he was... He could still play, man. He could still play when I watched some of his games. After that video, yeah, I watched a couple more of his games eh, before he finished. And, man, he still runs the same way. Obviously, and he was still respected, man. Like, uh, I think he was captain. He was captain of that team. Yeah, highly respected over there, which is good. But um, he's made up made his life. And that's a lot of players, eh? Goes back to... Again, young players, they weigh up their career opportunities when they get offers to go overseas at young ages, eh? Mm. And so they take it because nothing's ever guaranteed. And you got an offer right there and then when you're a young Pacific Island boy, you know, you, you weigh up. Is there going to be anything else that come or will something else come? Yeah, they could hang around um, in New Zealand, but probably never see that kind of money until way later in their career, eh? Or not see it at all. And so, um, going over at such an early age seems to be the normal now. Because we don't, we, we don't get to see them here. They might come up through the age grades here, but um, they get nurtured overseas, and then they're able to um, really discover themselves as professional athletes and and live out a professional career. That whereas if they were just to stay in New Zealand, you know, could they just be just a club player? And I've seen so many club players. Just remain club players mm. because of those of not taking offers. I'm waiting on the dream to for it to happen here. And you get the odds. Another saying is that, or why go overseas when if you can't foot it with the best in New Zealand? What makes you think you can do it overseas? <coughs> and so you know, again, there's always playing playing your mind. Mm. But you'll get kids now popping up out of the blue, out of nowhere. And like again, we see the end product on the world stage at the Rugby World Cup. You see all these Pacific Islanders playing for. Um, Japan and mm. it's a surprise to us but what we don't know these kids were taken over 16, 17 put through the high school finishing their high school schooling there and then going to the colleges getting, earning university degrees and then working for mm. working and playing for the, the respective clubs and companies so these these guys although it might be a surprise to the rest of the world where does um, guy Lomano Lameki come from yeah. but he had already been over there 10 plus years well you know it's, a, it's definitely a pathway for these countries to like, especially these rugby countries overseas to get grab some you know Pacific yeah. Island talent but that's what the good thing about Japan they'll give those opportunities mm. albeit just a scholarship <laughs> and then from the scholarship if the kid's good enough and they continue and then they'll make their own pathway as a professional rugby player but at least they're giving them an education because if rugby falls over, education's still there and then that qualification can help them land a job irrespective of whether rugby um, carries on or not. So how can we compete? We can't compete with that. Can't compete with New that. New Zealand can't compete with nah. that. Nah. Well, America can compete in terms of giving the scholarship, but they can't compete with the rugby or the, the pathway beyond that. Mm. New Zealand, nah, I, I don't think... Yeah, it's a different sort of... It's a different scenario here. We don't. It's not our pathway. It's not the way that Japan do it. They do it well, and they've got the infrastructure and the money to do so. Whereas New Zealand's a different sort of killer fishes. It's on your, it's on your merit. Eh? You build your own profile by 
playing through the grades, whether it be clubs or school, through to the provincial and um, super rip, rip teams. Mm. Um, that's, how you, that's how you build your credentials. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there's only a few universities in New Zealand, whereas Japan's got several, you know. Mm. Uh, so Being a small market, though, like, um, you know, our, our rugby unions is governed and funded by the New Zealand Rugby Union. No, and we got Super Rugby Net also under the New Zealand Rugby Union. No, we can't do any privatisation or that, because there's no one there, no one here to do it, right? That's how small our market is. Like, yeah. If you if we get rid of if we find a new system, get rid of the new, get rid of New Zealand Rugby. What's our alternative? It w- wouldn't be as good. You think it wouldn't be as good? Well, that that will take away um, players sticking around as well because you got your fringe players the fringe players and the ones that are already in the system the other ones that are contracted to the New Zealand Rugby it's the ones that are not being recognised or not getting the opportunities mm-hmm. those are the ones that <coughs> have to weigh up do you stick around apply a trade here work at it There's, there could be a likelihood but highly unlikely but they stick around because they want to be loyal they want to make you know make the dream happen or you see rugby as the pathway, rugby as the as the vessel to go overseas and, and still make a good fist of being a professional rugby player. So it's because growing up in New Zealand, little kids, I want to be an All Black. You know, that's the dream. Mm. Want to make it happen. The only way to make it happen under the current uh, criteria, you have to stay in New Zealand, and that's that's the lure. That's how they lure. And then if you go abroad, Lima Sopoanga got a bit of uh, land busting for going early. Oh, so he doesn't value the jersey as much. Mm. All of a sudden, you don't value the jersey. You know, you've put all that time, blood, sweat, and tears over the years to try and get an All Black jersey, albeit one jersey, albeit one match. But you've you've you've, you've been you know, you've made it, you've done it. But then, part of that process from there on is how long do you stay there for? So you can either cash in, mm. I've got a test status, I've got an All Black. Go overseas, and then my dollar value is all all of a sudden gone up from just being a a fringe player to an All Black, albeit just one test. They have that on your CV. Um, case in point, there was one that went after the World Cup. He played one test in two thousand and three. Oh, his name escapes me. I had him. I had him. He scored a try on the wing for the All Blacks, and that was it. Kingy, no King. He played one game. He was Waikato, Māori, Māori boy, King, was it King? Regan King. Regan King, yeah. Regan King, that's the one. He, he, he had a, man, that guy had a main first year of, yeah, I think yeah. it was um, and that's, in, that's New Zealand, what, in New Zealand NPC Cup. And that's what got him included in the All Black squad, <coughs> and then he just played one test, and then see you later, come yeah. on. <laughs> Regan King, it's us going, King, King, yeah. yeah, Regan King, yeah, I remember. Yeah. He's the man. That's right, and um, we're never young, and then that was it. Never saw him again. Never, never heard or seen. <laughs> Casey Lorello was another one. Mm. And he played maybe one or two. Seasons oh. for the Crusaders, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Lili Masanga. So if Lili Masanga, although he had built himself as um, he was a regular for the Chiefs, Super Rugby, had years and years of super experience. Mm. But then he hung about for that one test. Got that one test. You imagine his dollar value. Skyrocket. Played that one test against um, Italy at the Rugby World Cup 
And there was a Regan King. All black number. One zero two nine. One tests. Two thousand <laughs> Oh, it wasn't even a World Cup. Two thousand and two. I do apologize. Two thousand and two. One appearance. There's one appearance. Scored a try. Yeah. And I remember scoring that try and then that was it. The jerseys were baggy ears back then. I think it was Super Rugby just one season with the Chiefs. That was See, that was his maiden season, year, eh? Yeah. That was his, his breakout year. No, no, that was that 2001, 2003, four, I kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. 90 points. Mean. Oh, he, oh, came, he came back. Mid-Canterbury. 2017. <laughs> he came back. I was going to say, oh, he went from mid Oh, no, he came back to Mid-Canterbury. <laughs> so he's back in the, in the country somewhere. But, yeah, look at his, his career overseas since he left. 2002 was New Zealand. Scarlets, that's the one. That's the one. He was. And then he's yeah. Look at the years he played at Scarlets. 126 appearances. 60. Oh, he played for Clermont. Wow. 2011 to 2014. 66 times. And then he went back to Scarlets. And no points went back. Yeah. Sometimes Wikipedia is a bit. Mm. I mean, yeah, it could be out of date. Regan, Regan Matthew King, Regan age 40, King. Cambridge, New Zealand. Yeah, no, I, I remember that when he played for, for Waikato. So you get these young guys, yeah, he would have left at a ripe young age and, you know, obviously he would have got a massive deal and start Francais, you know, those guys would have, his dollar value would have been so different if he had just gone on the back of his Chiefs in Waikato. Oh yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. And then that one appearance for the All Blacks, boom, bumped him up, <laughs> bumped him up big time. And it's similar to Lili Masanga, one test for against Italy, and that's enough, mate. It's <laughs> quadruple his value overseas. Anisi, another one. Sorsini Anisi, yeah. <laughs> he was um, he floated between a few clubs after his his uh, his rugby here in New Zealand. I wonder, eh? Like you know how you know us fans, us us Manusamo fans complain about about the All Blacks can give them one test and they can't play for Manusamo anymore. And, but we, they're probably thinking like long term. Masanga's probably thinking, man, I'm getting paid, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting paid, yeah. man. And that's it. Once he's got that test, then he can say, man, I might. He could stay and probably never play for the All Blacks again, but at least he can say he's played. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that one cap, and that's enough. Because some players, you know, you know, don't even can't even make it to that, or won't even get that opportunity, and yet we can scrutinise a player. Oh, he wasn't that good. He only played one test. Mm. He wasn't that good. He only played five tests. So he can't have been that great a player. But for them to get to that. Those heights, hey, that's that's no mean feat. Not many, not too many people can say they've achieved that. To even play at an NPC or Super Rugby level is is huge, but to anything beyond that, I mean, to their credit, they've done it. <coughs> I think it's going downhill from here for All Blacks. Oh, do you reckon? Judging from that, um, You've ch- that Tri Nations just gone. We just talked about Lily Masanga, and now you say he's gone downhill <laughs> from there. <laughs> I'm talking about the All Blacks. I'm talking about the All Blacks, man. Because I don't know about you, man, but when I was listening to you guys on Canarac, I, I wasn't convinced they with that win, that last one. 
Mm. I, st- I still think we're not going to OPEX might win the next World Cup. I think they got a lot of work to do if they want to. I think they're behind the whole, the rest of the world's caught up. So now you're sitting on the fence, Cam, because you said that they won't, but if they want to, they need a lot of work, right? <laughs> they, they could, so they could still. Oh, because I'm, I'm back in France. I'm back in France. I, I reckon the All Blacks are, they're going to make a really good go at it, mm. but I just reckon that um, being on home soil for the French, whoo, the French upset the All Blacks there, 99 in the north, and, but then they went on to lose the final. I think England will be a, their true test. I think they they lost to England because England you know. won the World Cup in France. Mm. The last uh, the, when they their their only win of the World Cup was in France against France. So against Australia, England when they they beat Australia. Oh, that was in Australia, right? Sorry, that was in Aust- that was in, yeah Sydney. Yeah, that was two thousand three. So when was it? Was that a quarterfinal then? No, there was a semi-final that the All Blacks lost to France, eh? Then the French lost in the final. Or was it a semi-final? Yeah. 99 World Cup. Oh, 99. No, mm. that's, that's not when... Yeah, the one where Dominici scored yeah, that try. Yeah. Australia won that one. Oh, it was Australia-France? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the one where France, yeah. Yeah, yeah France beat us. 43-31. What was the halftime score on that? Halftime, 10-17. To New Zealand. <laughs> so look at the points that they scored, eh? 33 points in that second half. And All Blacks only scored 14. Sheesh. Yeah, it was, it was 2003. England, England won that one. Yeah, yeah. So France, that was their final pretty much because then they went on to lose to England. <laughs> oh, so it was England, eh? Or oh, no. 2003 was England, Australia, and 1999 was France and Australia. Are they England make the final again? Another one? Yeah. uh... (coughs) Oh, no, their first final where they lost to Australia. Mm. Yeah, in 2003. Oh, no, they won it in 2003. It was a drop goal by Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, that's right. I I remember this um, World Cup because of that Samoa versus England game. And that was a nail biter. <laughs> 2003? Uh, yeah, uh, Samoa gave England a scare. Oh, yes. Who was that kicker? Was it? Um, it was that's right. Ilva'a. Far out. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, <laughs> they were in the hunt, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Where's that game? Thirty-five, twenty-two. So they ran away at the end, but yeah, but was the uh, hard... oh, yeah, similar to TT try. penalty, five penalties. Whew. It kept us in the hunt, eh? And that was the game when I really like my my belief in Samuel came back. <laughs> <laughs> Reason why we were glued to because Johnny. Johnny saying he was in the Samoa team. Mm, mm. And, uh, was, he was only, he got caught in as a 19 year old. In 18, 19. He was a good little halfback, old Johnny. I remember <laughs> we were all at the Seeing Eels house. Mm. For some reason, I can't remember exactly why we were there, but we were just there. And, and then a phone call came through Johnny took a call. Someone came out and said, Oh, 
That's Michael Jones. I want to speak to you, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Johnny's talking, he's quite, you know, we're still trying to listen in it. Then he was telling Michael Jones, I've got to go tell my, i got to ask my parents. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go ask mum and dad. He's going to talk to his mum and dad first. <laughs> That's those bringing that back down to earth kind of stories, eh? But yeah, Johnny was always, you know, real good head on his shoulders. Humble kid. Was he now? Is he overseas or? No, he was. He was overseas. He played for Edinburgh in Scotland. It was way back, 2006, and then made his way across to Clermont mm. for a few seasons. He's back here. He's um, teaching at Kelston. He's the coach for the last few seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mono Pacifica, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think they're going to win, eh? They're a good team, eh? Mm. There's a lot of talent in that team. Mm. See, that's um, the cases, you know, whether they can bring it together. Eh? Cause that's a similar scenario to what the the previous sort of notion of the Pacific Islanders rugby team eh? was like. Just bring players together from all over the place. <laughs> and hopefully they give opponents a good run. I remember that 2004 year where they brought, that was the last edition of the Pacific Island team, where they had Sivivatu and mm. Shunri Lawaki and the uncapped players. <laughs> yes. Where the premise of that team was always players that had played for other other mm. countries. Boko Kerele in New Zealand rugby. Because they were actually in the Tri-Nation so the thing was that the one of no, I remember no. they were in nah so it was just uh, it wasn't even Tri-Nations I, I think it was just like a can't remember whether it was mid or end of year was it a free test so or? they played the three Sansa teams oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah but that was an aside it was different to the it wasn't a Tri-Nation nah I think the those three had their Tri-Nations or what have you later on or before I can't remember but I, what I remember vividly of those three matches is that they lost within under 15 points each game was no more than 15 mm. so for a team for a team of players that have been put together for a short time, t- amount of time and to to lose albeit to South Africa Australia and New Zealand in the fashion that they did they, they had they showed a lot of exciting rugby and obviously History has it Sivivatu and Shunilawaki then got picked for the All Blacks after that. It was almost <laughs> like a trial ground for them, eh? a trial run for them. But that's the way it was. And I and I, and I, was, I was trying to make some comparisons, looking, you know, looking at the uncapped players that are in this, this mm-hmm. team um, against the Māori All Blacks next, uh, this Saturday. There's a couple of uncapped players that... Because, yeah. It's sort of like... Um, if if they were to use this, the this match as like a say a trial, <laughs> a well, trial to see who they want. Yeah, well, wouldn't you want them to play the All Blacks then, or yeah, yeah, wouldn't yeah. you want them to play? You know, get a. But I think it's it goes a long way to being a gesture for, to say hey we haven't forgotten about the Maori All Blacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, have this game because yeah. they obviously can't tour overseas. Little, you know, their international window has been shut down due to COVID. Um, the All Blacks obviously they've tried to f- put the focus on the All Blacks and give them somewhat of a rugby championship in Australia the Black Ferns they did the same they 
Black Ferns didn't have any opponents, but yet they pulled together a, a female, a woman's barbarian side from the French players of the Ferns. And they were the best players from the Farrah Palmer Cup, as well as those players probably of who they would look to that will become Black Ferns in years to come. And there were some exciting players because the last game that they had against the Black Ferns was, I think it was a two or three points difference. So the Barbarians could have won it. Yeah, they got, um, they got, I think they lost the first one by quite a bit, but then were able to um, claw back in the last two tests. They lost all three, but the Barbarians showed it. And so I think it's on the same sort of premise where they're giving all their New Zealand rep teams somewhat of a um, a test or a game, mm. given that- the year that we've had. Yeah. Because I think when I read, I think looking forward, I think they are going to try get the Mono Pacifica team in Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah so, the they're, future, eh? so they're so they're twenty twenty two. So they're already yeah. there. So that's why I was like, <coughs> well, that said, yeah, you, not really for twenty twenty one, and that's where this whole kind of law, um, court cases on the premises of is that. Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Draw team have been given the, the green light for Super 2022. And Kanaloa, the CEO Tracy Hatinga, is saying that they had put a bid through. Why have you overlooked our proposal, our bid? Mm. Um, and yet given it to teams that didn't have a proposal. So I'm not too sure um, the nuts and bolts of it. Obviously, there was a proposal from Moana Pacifica that I understand for the 2021 competition. They were declined, uh, but they were still being, they had been given sort of uh, uh, what they needed to improve on in order to be included. And then for some reason, out of the blue, they got the green light for 2022, and which has spawned this uh, court case now where... Kanaloa taking Enzira to court. If there's more like players coming through, I think the Moana Pacifica team, Super Rugby team, will sort of like um, make space for guys to come through the other franchises as well. If yeah, they if I, they if they have the same guys and they're like if, if your Joshuani stays in the team, doesn't play for Highlanders, you know those, those guys. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, and I think that's what it will will have as well. My understanding is that so long as they have um, 85% players who are capped, so players that have played internationally, and then that other 15% can be made up of players that are not internationally capped or not of Pacific Island anyway, um, caps. So, and that's, that opens that windows for the Adrian Choates. <laughs> or or even plays like because there's a few plays that are uncapped like your um, Marino um, who else the other ones are uncapped that are in there but then you've got your Nasi Manus who are capped obviously mm. um, and then ones like so it'll be an interesting makeup because you know Rayasi will he what would he prefer would he play for Mona Pacifica or would he stay out mm. and try and, and push for Hurricanes honours and depending on, you know, obviously this is just a one-off game against the Māori All Blacks, but then when they start putting their team together for 2022, mm. you know, as they announced today, 
super franchises and how their squads. This time next year, Monopasifika will be in that mix, you know. Mm. Will that still be a mix of players as we see today and who's going to be taking up taking a, uh, the field against the Māori All Blacks or is it going to be purely players that have already played uh, for the Pacific Islands? But then with that 50% window open to other players who haven't are not capped at all internationally. So, and that's what uh, I guess only time will tell. I was just thinking about how amazing that is for the All Blacks because, you know, the All Blacks are a team where, you know, they they don't have that rule like Australia and South Africa do where they send their players off overseas but still can play for their... Mm. They can still play for Wallabies. They can go play over there, but still can play for Wallabies or or the Springboks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Blacks don't have that, but they still seem to be not worried about it because they still still seem to win, you know. And I think that speaks to like how many, you know, what kind of sort sort of catchment of players New Zealand has, and yeah, and yeah. to have all these different teams come in again, like the Moana Pacifica, even the Under Twenty Ones Auckland Club yeah, Rugby, yeah. like these are all, I think. What they, New Zealand rugby is trying to do is they're trying to protect the, the future of of players. Mm. And if you have all these opportunities now with the kids coming up through rugby, then you're most like, you're more likely to stay because you have all these other. Yeah, interesting. You bring up their twenty ones competition because <laughs> you know how I was saying if kids don't find themselves as representative teams by the age of twenty one, straight out of school and not in the system then. It's like, what's the point of playing, you know? No point in playing club rugby. Because gone are the days, the majority of the time, back in the day, you used to be recognised from, you get identified through the clubs. It's not necessarily the case now. Mm. And so that's why it's not an appealing sort of um, avenue to take to go and play club rugby. So they want to be scouted or they want to be recognised prior to turning 21 or just out of school. Mm. But then with that under-21s competition, that's something else that they can, that they have now have, you know, keep kids interested. But whether there's a link, direct link between that and teams such as Mona Pacifica or um, your general, your typical sort of representative teams, I'm, unsure, I'm not sure. As far as I know, is that they're going to try and expand. They'll probably be talked, you know, not because it's just here in Auckland where they've got that. They're probably going to build up, build on that but then maybe try and run a similar format in different other unions eh, around the around the country. But who knows? Depends on if they've got the player base for it and maybe even extend it to premier, <coughs> premier level where there is no age restriction. But again, it's a lot of infrastructure to make sure it's in place. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why they're sort of like not giving kind of lower rugby a look in because they're not controlled from they're not controlled by the New Zealand rugby you know like if you think about everything else it's all under New Zealand rugby except mm. for for kind of I don't know what the Fiji team is that is that Fiji no. Rugby Union or? yeah 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 it's based in Suva mm. so Fiji Drua I know that they so they've been having regular competitions um, against like the Western Force the so oh, yeah. sort of even the Waratahs, yeah. so they got their their development sides, and they they were playing in Fiji, or that Fiji draw team would be travelling to and from between Australia and Fiji to have their games against the, res- the respective teams. 
But then there were, I remember one year when I was in Fiji and, you know, one of the teams that were in that competition with the Fiji Drua team, they were they were based at one of the hotels that we were at, the resorts. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where are you guys from? Oh, Australia. Oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're playing against, uh, I'm not even, I can't even remember what the name of the tournament, but that's the Fiji Drua team. So there were two, Fiji Warriors and Fiji Drua. And so there's a two representative teams in Fiji. Because I remember there was the Pacific Nations Cup. Huh? Used to be Pacific Nations. So Pacific Nations was that was one where um, I think Samoa were playing in there. Was well. that the team that was in the Pacific Nations Cup? I mean, what's the difference between nah. that team and the team that's playing in the Autumn, the Autumn Cup? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the Fiji, that's the actual Fiji national side. Oh, so oh, the one the one yeah. Fiji draw is not the national side it's just a it's like a Hakurama's yeah, yeah yeah it's like a and um, so yeah it's, and it's, it's just like, got the Fiji name to it yeah. but it's like, probably like like the Sun Wolves and Hakurama's oh in. maybe even it's more yeah I think it is more of, but yeah it carries Fiji draw and Fiji Warriors is another team as well but they were in a competition where you had Samoan teams in there as well not not your Samoan national teams, but Samoan representative teams. But yeah, and Western Force were in there as well one year. But then it's different to the other Pacific nations where they had one year they had the Australia B or Australia yeah, A, Australia A, yeah. New Zealand A, mm. and uh, yeah, your Samoas, Tonga, Fiji. <laughs> yeah, so and Japan was in there one time. Once upon a time yeah. as well. In Canada? But, or Canada is something else. But then they had that that one, Churchill Cup. Churchill Cup, yeah. Was the one where you had your Canada A, Canada B, <laughs> New Zealand A. And I think that's the... And the Maldives were there. New Zealand Maldives were yeah. regular. Churchill um, Cup. And then they, they went from that to a tournament in Uruguay. Oh. Yeah. And they had that for the last few years. So it was a Samoa A, Tonga A, or the A teams, you know, it wasn't your your top teams. Mm. But the development teams of those tier two nations competing it out for this. Yeah. And that would that would take place around January, February. So kids from the village or guys that were in the club system here who were available or eligible for Samoa, they'll get picked up. Mm. But then they'll have to live in Samoa for a few months to train and then travel to Uruguay <laughs> <laughs> and they go play a tournament in Uruguay of all places <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, I remember watching some of the the streaming of that those games and it was good you know, good opportunity for those players they had good exposure but how much of an exposure were they really getting you know who were they being exposed to no one's going to be looking at some way eh? you know, it's unless the, they Guys that play for Samoa 20s get more of exposure. Yeah. Whatever tournament is, wherever those tournaments are around the world, you get those um, the under 21s teams from all the different big units like Star Francais, Clermont, mm. Toulouse. They go and hunt under 20s players you know, at those World Cups, at those tournaments. So, and that's where a lot of players just get pulled and get contracts and then they build up from there. Yeah. Especially if you're from the islands, because eh? that's uh, what you're gonna. F- yep, awesome honour to represent, to play for your Samoas and your Tonga. That, but then you come back and go, I'm all the popo and the Mamanga, you know. So when they get <coughs> approached, then they, they take it. 
you know, I'm looking outside the box and the whole landscape of, of rugby, the world rugby, and it's a lot of, to me, it's, it's uneven, you know. Unfair distribution of yeah yep yep yeah, exactly of resources in and and you know you don't know who you wait for. I mean, every every World Cup comes around and you're not going to see the best players in that comp- in that World Cup. Mm. And so, and I remember when it first came out. I remember when Trevor Leota when he he made himself unavailable for the ninety World Cup nineteen ninety nine team. Due to, you know, his club duties, because that's where his contract was. His contract wasn't with Samoa; his contract was with Wasps, and he was the first player that I remember that was verbal and vocal about the reasons why he was unavailable. But you could, at the same time, you, you sense that there was a lot of uh, sadness in him saying that because he's just a player, um, someone that's on the roster at Wasps being paid but then this was before the knowledge of clauses and mm. um, you know the, the, the fine print on contracts hey, they probably signed and not realising there was a clause that yeah you, you can't play for your your Samoa or Tonga we can't play for an international team while you're contracted to us mm. and that was all embedded in contracts you know and, and so when the World Cups came around they probably thought oh yeah I'm going to you know what ah no you're not look at this <laughs> You leave, and that, that was the you know what we got from the media at the time, you know, um, and it wasn't as accessible or as available now as it was then. It was the general feel was that um, they jeopardised their their contracts with their clubs in the Northern Hemisphere if they play for the Pacific Islands, mm. and so you got, got players like Trivoliota all of a sudden making himself unavailable, but um, and that just became a trend. From there on in, even just as recently as Census Johnston, um, who resigned, mm. you know, he got threats of if you make yourself available for Samoa at the World Cup, um, <laughs> you know, you're going to lose your contract. So he resigned from that. Mm. Well, allegedly resigned. And he ended up turning out for Samoa, but then had to go back and face the music. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had come out publicly retiring from, sorry, yeah, he resigned from. Retired from Samoa international duties, um, and he had—I think he was—you know—right up there with one of the most capped Samoan players or mm. most capped props, anyway. And so for him to do that just before World Cup, you know, just you, you smell a rat, you know, just before <laughs> World Cup, eh? all of a sudden. But then he ends up turning up in Samoa <laughs> at the training camps, and then yeah, it's crazy. But that's that's the challenges that a lot of the players do have. And the general consensus with players that you you know that you sort of that mix in with the same circles that you come come around and they say, um, you know, having been involved in professional environments like mm. the Highlanders and the Blues and, and overseas, and then they come to Samoa, it's like man, it's so amateur, you know, nothing's organised. That was the some of the thoughts from some of the players coming from you know it was more professional in their club competitions than it was playing for Samoa mm. or playing for Tonga. Things as simple as player payment, you know, not being paid on time or not being paid at all. Go on a go away on a campaign for weeks and then come <laughs> come back to it and be paid. Ah. 
Yeah, when you hear this kind of thing, like, man, just it makes it all Mickey Mouse thing. And then just yeah, then they go back to their clubs where yeah, things just work like clockwork. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna be fixed in in my lifetime. I don't think. Well, they fixed the name. <laughs> 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 like a pizza, more union, eh? <laughs> That's what you're saying. It's going, here they change. It's going, what? Change and then I look, I switched up the Samoa with the 2018. Like, what? They haven't updated their <laughs> website since 2018. Still talking about some sevens team. <laughs> like a pizza, uh, maybe I was looking under an old website then because I had to look up like a pizza, more union. <laughs> but. but Change the name, but still the same. The same yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be interesting with um, what happens because obviously, you know, like you're saying with Kana Law, um, you know, for Pacific by Pacific. But the, you know, there's no doubt they had a, a good bid coming in because they just got rejected by MLR, and you gotta you, your bids have to be onto it, you know. And they, yeah. and they, I think they just fell short because they, had, from the interview I heard. Um, they're saying they had everything planned. They had they're going to pay for teams to come over to Hawaii. They had so a, that's what that's what I heard too. They had a deal with the stadium mm. to, and the training facilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, because they're the one of the things, and they had they had the funding to you know to, to carry them over the five years or six years that they needed, you know, to show that they can afford to be in the competition for for the next five five six years. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was the other one, other thing like. What about the teams that are over in uh, the East Coast, in New York, Toronto? What's their incentive for flying all the way out of yeah, yeah, yeah. America to get to Hawaii? Oh, no, we'll, we'll pay for them. We'll pay yeah, for that's them. what I heard as well. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, I, that's a lot of bankrolling there, man. There's someone's like got a lot of money to be able to to guarantee that for the other players, eh, mm. traveling or the teams coming from the other side of the the country to to make a match happen. Accommodation, stadia, mm. and a game. Because mm. like the thing is, you know, you're <laughs> trying to put money together for your own team, let alone catering for the opponent's thing. Yeah. That's that's a lot of money, man. Yeah. But my my only query would be because obviously I don't have any um, insight as to the information that's been bandied around. And I remember Joey saying, you know, he bases his his thoughts around what's happening with Kanaloa and NZR based on articles and facts. But I was wondering what what facts? You know, we uh, we've seen the interview, we've heard the interview, but then there's got to be a point in time when the light's got to come on this whole debacle as to why why were they turned down, um, if if at all, or what was the proposal if there was one. Because obviously they feel aggrieved that they've put in a proposal. NZR have declined them as well, but then looked at another um, proposal that wasn't even put in. That makes sense because that's that's from what I'm getting from the CEO Tracy. Right? Mm. Is that Moana Pacifica didn't even put they put a bid in for 2021? Oh, sorry, 2020. yeah, 2021. Yeah, got declined. <laughs> And so they got the claim for 2021, but they were so quick to bring out the schedule. So, so it tells me that they already planned the two competitions. Which schedule? The um, Super Rugby Aotearoa. Oh, for next year. 
and the and the super rugby I'm reg- is in I'm, Australia. Yeah, but then I'm thinking maybe they've already put that there's been you know plans in motion for the 2021 super competition where they have a, a sort of Trans Tasman competition after the respective Super Australia Super Aotearoa. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Moana Pacifica wasn't going to be a part of those plans. But then moving forward, 2022, so yeah, I can understand them declining Moana Pacifica for 2021 because Super Rugby's just around the corner. Preseason will start next week. Mm. Um, and so Moana Pacifica, whether they 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 thought they had a, a bid that was going to justify, yep, yeah, we are ready to roll for next year. NZR said otherwise. But then... If there was another window where, because then Kanaloa, were they in the same scope of that? Mm. They put in a bid for next year, got declined. But then, what's their what's their grievance? Are they they aggrieved at the fact that they haven't been included for twenty twenty two? That's what I'm that confused. Like. Because then thinking, okay, and then NZR have done a U turn and think and saying, so what? Kanaloa, from what I understand, have then applied to be involved in 2022. They've been declined, and then Moana Pacifica and Fiji Drua have been chosen over them. Mm. So that's that's from what I understand. And so <coughs> Tracy, from what I, I got in the interview, was that she's saying, how can they give them the green light when they never put in a proposal for 2022? Where um. she's saying she they've put a proposal for 2022. That's what, that's what I get. So it sounds like you see that you see the rugby said we'll just use your 2021 proposal and put it in 2022 <laughs> yep that could be that could be the case or or has there been conversations for 2022 but then if they're meant to go away and reapply again for 2022 then all of a sudden they've been declined but then accepted for 2022 that's what I don't get yeah. uh, obviously we don't have we're not privy to those conversations and it'll be interesting to see how you get told, go away, work on your proposal for 2022, then, oh, hold on, you've been accepted for 2022. <laughs> and so that's the interesting um, dilemma that we find ourselves in as to why Kanaloa hasn't been, whether it's uh, logistically they didn't have a proposal fit enough for the 2022-22 competition, or is it more than that? You know? And that's obviously what Kanaloa feel like they can expose NZR with, by going through the courts, or is it going to be um, too big a task or too big a mountain for them to climb and trying to conquer? Do they have a leg to stand on as to why um, they feel that they're being treated unfairly? Mm. Because you know, for me, it's like I, I strip away all the technicalities of of the grievance and what's been happening with the court and all that. But m- my question is. Why, why are they being locked out? Yeah, no, exactly. No, it's, and, it's, it's, it's and, me too. And I'm thinking, you know, it's all about incentives, right? So, what is New Zealand rugby's incentive here? What would, what, what, if leading them in, mm. how would that, like, you know, be to this disadvantage to New Zealand rugby as a whole? Yeah. Oh. I see it as a good thing when 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 they put their proposal for the MLR. You know that was exciting because mm. mm. for them have because their their mantra their is basically all about you know Polynesia. You know trying to get a Polynesian team club representing Polynesia 
for Polynesia and by Polynesia. So that's that's awesome premise to have. But whether they've got the they've put the groundwork in enough to say that they've got something substantial, something that's gonna stand up and be and regardless I reckon regardless of whether they have the results straight away. Because you look at the Sunwolves, you look at the Haguares, mm. you look at the Western Force, it didn't happen overnight, <coughs> right? They they slowly got better as the more exposure, the more experience they had in the competitions, in the respective super competitions. So similar to this kind of law, just need to be given a chance. And although they are saying, yep, we've got the team ready, competitive team ready to go, yeah, irrespective of that, they just need to be in there, hey? Mm. Similar to Moana Pacifica, they need to be in there. <coughs> But or, or, or maybe we need to know what the, this team is made up of. Who, yeah, exactly. how, are they getting, how are they getting players? Who are their players? That's, that's it. And, so and maybe saying, if we know that, then mm. we can understand more about why are they getting cut out. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's process? what I think. And that's what I'm thinking. That? That's what I'm thinking. And whether they've gone through the due diligence of what they were required to do, to you know, why has Moana Pacifica been given the green light over them? There's got to be a a, a dry and cut yeah. reason as to yeah. why. Um, She's obviously gone to the media. She's unhappy. That's fine, but the reason what I find interesting was the whole the whole demanding approach that she had, her attitude, and that's fine because that could be taken as I want it now because I know we've got a good we've got something good here, a good product. Or is it being too demanding to the point where are you a are you a um, to meet your demands? Are you a good sort of entity or organisation to work with, you know, or are you burning bridges by doing so as at the same time by being demanding? I don't know, but the way that it's come across that you know they sh- that NZR should give them the opportunity now, the way she's demanded or the way that's been portrayed by the media anyway, doesn't seem like a professional approach, my opinion. Mm. But who knows? But yeah, like you say, Kim. There's got to be more underneath eh? yeah, all of this for her to yeah. respond the way she is. Because we don't, I don't know her from Bar Soap. I don't know what her her mannerisms or her character is, and whether the, the media are portraying her in a bad light in the sense that oh they're making her look to look at this, or is there more to it that um, her character and her the organisation is being questioned due to the lack of a product to present or lack of a proposal, or is there more to it? Is there yeah. <laughs> You know, if anything, it's it's incentive for New Zealand rugby not to have Kanaloa in the Imala, because then you know that's another team that can take away from Super Rugby. You know, our players can oh oh yeah, I'd rather go play in the But then in Honolulu, New know? Zealand rugby, <laughs> that's true. But then New Zealand rugby already have been facing that kind of stuff with the the lure of the overseas contracts, the fronts. Yeah, but uh, this is a pure Polynesian team. Yep, yeah. no, that's know? true. Yeah. And it's funded by, oh, we don't know who's really funding it, but but you got the, the backing of those ex Opacs there. Yeah, and mm. until, see, that's the thing I find interesting is that we've had Tracy, the CEO, fronting the media and being very vocal, but we haven't heard anything from the backers, you know, from the, the names that she's mentioned. Mm. You know, where are they in all of this? You know, if if they believe in the product, if they believe in the franchise, then how come they haven't come to the fore? Maybe it's that's just their the way of handling, or there's a certain process that they need to adhere to. So I can understand them not saying anything up until when required. But yeah, it'd be interesting to to know the ins and outs of what's happening here, because eh? you sort of yeah you see that it's a good 
initiative, but whether it's um, something feasible or are these the names of the All Blacks, are they actually behind this product or are they just being used as a as a way of getting the attention or the... But yeah, be interesting once it's all out, out in the in the light and only those that are involved in it will know. So, and for us, just sort of speculation eh, on the side because we just don't know and yet we want to back anything Pacific but um, so long as it, I guess being done through the right channels but then like you say NZR being in a position of power they get to tick off what's what's good and what's not whether there is um, benefits for the New Zealand rugby and does Moana Pacifica present that more so than a kind of law who knows but um but I, I guess they did, because I'm thinking Kana Law was birthed out of what uh, NZR chair was. You know, that's what he wanted, huh? Is it? Oh, what's his name? <laughs> the, uh, uh, the only reason I can see is that the players made up in that Kana Law team are not contracted to New Zealand rugby. You know, they're from other places. The majority they're, of them, eh? The they're, from, they're from the islands themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? So the New Zealand RFU can't put their hands on them. Yeah. Cause that's probably the only reason I can see, or I can think of. This is something else that's hidden, but yeah, because it, but then they, a lot of them are playing in New Zealand, right? The majority of them are all playing here. How many would be from outside? From what I saw, I don't see too many because mm-hmm. I saw. Have they already announced who they've they've got on their team? Well, they announced the squad, and then oh. they announced the team as well. Oh. <laughs> To the wrong team. Are you talking about Moana? Mm. Oh. No, sorry, but these guys. Oh, Kanaloti. Nah, nah, they have. So mm. that's the thing, they haven't. But then I can understand that they wouldn't. Because why would you contract players if there's no competition for them to be contracted to, right? But then in order to be ready, they probably would they have tentative contracts for players? And how it works, eh? Because obviously with MLR, they said they had a team ready, ready to play in the next competition. <coughs> if you look at previous Super Rugby, it's it's Sansa, right? So it's under Sansa, South mm. Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina. Yep. But this entity, kind of no rugby is, is is none of them. Oh no, I think uh, Argentina's involved at all. Kind of law. Oh, do you mean one or kind of law? Kind of law. Yeah, they wouldn't fall under any of it. Well, whereas Moana Pacifica will. They'll fall under the New Zealand side of things. Yeah, I see where it will serve as a... Someone was talking about one of the previous counter-rack pods um, as a sixth super teamer because then you have guys... Just as we've seen with Joshuani, who's really an All Black, um, playing in this one-off match against the Māori All Blacks. Is that going to be the, the norm for their super team going forward from 2022? Um, where they have the, in that 15%, they have the odd All Black or foreign international, eh? Outside of the Pacific teams. <laughs> Because if that's if the criteria is yet yeah, so long as it's made up of eighty five percent purely Pacific, 
and then you have that 15% window where they can bring in a a playmaker like a Joshua Nelly, if he so chooses to, because he's obviously contacted NZR, the Highlanders. Mm. So you, again, the governance of it, I don't know how it all works, because if, if Moana Pacifica is still going to come under the NZR, then they will have some sort of say in those 15% players that come there, I suppose. Eh? I think it's, are you saying like, if, if Tanalo comes in without, as their own entity, then you gotta be, you gotta, if you're a, a Joshua you wanted to play for them, you gotta cancel your contract with the rugby and contract to them. Huh. Maybe it's all contractual stuff. See, that's, that's where it blurs the lines, because if it was a kind of law, so depends on how Moana Pacific is coming in. Are they coming in under the NZR or are they coming in? Almost oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So know. if it was Kanaloa, then I believe Kanaloa is just as good as the Sunwolves, is just as good as the Hogwarts, where they are a team based overseas. So there's no way they're going to release any current All Blacks eligible players to go play for Kanaloa mm-hmm. because that's that goes against their criteria yeah. of becoming an All Black or playing as an All Black. Yes. Because it's, it's yes. an overseas based team. It's like going right? playing for Saracens. Exactly. Yeah. You go play overseas, mate. So you can kiss goodbye to your jersey. <laughs> you kiss goodbye to ever wanting to represent the All Black. So, but then Moana Pacifica is different because if they're coming under the NZRA umbrella, then there's no reason why it's going to stop a Joshua Wane. Oh, yeah, I can play with my PI brothers and I can still be eligible for the All Blacks because <laughs> I've already played for the All Blacks, so there's no way I'm going to be playing for the PIs unless I go through the sevens route. But, yeah, I guess that's an interesting sort of avenue to sort of consider I think we're warm eh hey Tracy if you're listening are we warm are we getting there are we, are we cracked it is that, is that what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah all the million dollar have you got um, <laughs> Mr. Dot Com coming back in Kim Dot Com is, is he one of your backers <laughs> man I remember when um, I remember when by the um, America's Cup um, we had no money to go to the next one. This was a few years ago. And, um, you know, they had their money to go to the next America's Cup. And, um, I think it was, uh, Hannah Clark. She said, oh, we'll pay. But before that, to come to Kim.com was like, nah, I'm going to pay for the next one. <laughs> I'm going to pay you guys. I'm going to use my money. Them. We're going to get the America's Cup. <laughs> <laughs> my dirty money. So we, might, we might see him pop out. <laughs> Who knows, eh? Who's going to bankroll this? But that's weird, because I think Moana Pacifica still don't have a, a sponsor. They don't have a major sponsor. Oh, so who's making their jerseys then? Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> Canterbury, New Zealand. And they grabbed the, t- the t- 20 bucks uh, on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who um, who becomes their sponsor mm-hmm. for 2022. I guess they've got a bit of time and this this game against Māori All Blacks would be a nice showcase to try and garner some sort of interest in who may want to be copyright sponsors or naming rights sponsor. DHL, Moana Pacifica. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Wiz? Where's Wiz, Moana Pacifica? (laughs) Hey, that that might be a thing in the future. In the future. Roger, brother, man, it's mm. been a good chat, bro. Hundred episode. 
I'm just relaxing and thinking about it. Trying to get as much content as I can for the 100th episode. You know, Joe Rogan did his um, first episode on Spotify. Because he's exclusive to Spotify now. Six mm. six hour episode. Is that right? Yeah. Him and his mate. And by the last hour, they're just drunk. <laughs> it's slurring. So that's why Tana <laughs> said he was drunk in town. He's had work drinks. I said, you know, I said, I'll just come and watch and listen. They go, no, no, no. You're in the best state to come and talk. <laughs> and now he's saying he's, uh, he's stuck in town waiting for his ride. Is he? But, um, did you hear that, uh, Pichot and uh, Chevy try to come out in support of uh, Pablo Mantera. Oh, we didn't touch on that, eh? Because um, nah. they're saying, you know, sort of forgive the also for, for his uh, naivety and for his comments that he made. So mm. there was, allegedly, there was reported to be a, a team protest. Mm. They were going to boycott the match. In support of Matera, if he's not playing, I'm not going. We're not going to play. Oh yeah. But yeah. then, Los Pumas announced their team today. Did they? <laughs> so there's uh, conflicting reports, you know. So Augustine Pichot has come out in support of. He's got come out speaking against the Argentinian rugby union, saying, "Hey, he was 18, 19 when he said this, mm. man. Yeah, people change. You got to give them that benefit." Mm. He's not the same person. Obviously, those comments are real hurtful. Yes, we don't excuse him or, you know, condemn those comments and not trying to excuse him for what he said and what he thought back then. Mm. And that doesn't obviously obviously doesn't represent the Argentinian values in it. But um, but no, that is so common now. They've they've given a name, and in our text it on our chat, cancel culture, and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, no. you know. And it's he's not the first victim of of cancel culture. Like there's been there's been hundreds of others, but victim or yeah, victim of cancel culture. But like, same thing happened to um, like I said, Kevin Hart. Did you hear about that? No, no, no. So apparently, like some social justice warrior f- found a tweet from Kevin Hart, or and he joked about about homosexuals, and it happened like ten years ago. Yeah, and they just brought it out and try to <laughs> try to boycott all his like get everyone on yeah, the side yeah. of hey he's he's a sexist and all that. Mm. And he actually got um and th- and that and that's that's the year he got offered to do the Oscars, and then he agreed and then the Oscars not like see you later, see you later can't do the Oscars because of those comments <laughs> that were brought up, but um yeah that's uh so he. So when you say they're a victim of cancel culture, can you explain that? Because I'm I'm struggling. <laughs> so what's the cancel culture? The cancel culture is when when if when people find out something that you've said in the past. Oh, okay. And they they bring it back to to jeopardize to jeopardize your your current your your current yeah. career. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's how, that's all it is because mm. it was floating in cyberspace, right? <laughs> you know, no one else would have known about it. Someone's gone nitty picky. Let's try and investigate. Let's dig yeah. what we got on the sky, and they <laughs> had to dig nine years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah to bring yeah. this up, right? Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's but that's thing. the thing. But the thing is, how many other people say these kinds of things, and they're just called keyboard warriors? 
their jobs, their careers are not going to be affected, right? Because mm. no one's going to be digging up because they're mm. what they're just a little blimp on in yeah. the bigger scope of things. Yeah. Yet this guy, oh, because he's well known, because he's someone of note now, nine years on, they're going to bring up something from way back then to jeopardise who he is now, mm. and which is. Who knows whether that's his same mentality, same mindset? And that's exactly that's exactly what I think. Like, okay, he said those things when he was nineteen, nineteen, mm. and you know, I, I don't agree with what he said. No, like, it's really bad what he said. But I, I don't know what his mindset is now. He's like, this is like, exactly, he's an adult now. So I don't know if he's still racist. And as as not. and as that was floating in cyberspace, there's millions upon millions of tweets that are still floating and <laughs> posts floating around cyberspace forever on the internet of people just, if not worse, <laughs> comments such as that. Hey, And yet they, they're never going to get questioned or spoken to be, or a hand slap because they're just like us. <laughs> it's uh, another person on the end of a microphone or another person on the other side of a, a screen. It's, it's exactly like um, Israel, Israel Falau. Yeah, like his comments are what he believes in, exactly. And it, it can be offensive to people that don't believe it. We were serious about what against what he says, but that got him fired from his job. You know, that's true. And then anyone else that speaks out against <coughs> Israel Folau for his belief, it's sort of it's a one way street. Mm. So they're allowed to stand up against it. But Israel is not allowed to defend it. <laughs> hey, not allowed to defend his opinion, but other people are allowed to bring to the fore, to def- to go against it, they bring to the fore their opinions and their ideology, right? Mm. So you shouldn't say that about other people because it's not nice. But this is what I think. This is my belief. And yet you can't stand up for your belief. Mm. Or you have to package it in a certain way that doesn't offend other people. So I, I get this probably better ways to say things but in the, the day he believes it it's his mm. it's his prerogative right that's it's freedom of speech but then it's being touted as hate hate speech which and, is, and at the end of the day does he go around and, and beating up random homosexuals on the street or something like that you know does he do that I'm sure he's a really good guy but you know mm. I don't think your beliefs I think I've, I've, I've said it before like I think when it comes to free speech, I think America has it has a right of their of the First Amendment in the Constitution. In the Constitution, like you can't you have freedom of speech as long as you don't incite violence. You know, and is is Ralph Flau inciting violence? Is he getting them all together to go kill homosexuals? But that's the thing. So he might not be. But it could cause a storm, right? You look at Donald Trump's mm. tweets and his postings, right? He's saying he's not going to go out and be violent himself, but he's going to cause uproars of other people who believe in his stupidity mm. to go against you know, minority or marginalised people because of what he says. So he says, build a wall. These people who would not normally come out or then say, yeah, we're all for building a wall. And it's having that person, a person like that <coughs> in, that, in that status, mm. in that uh, position of power, um, there's so much power behind that because it can... And that, that, that's where opinions and 
Mm. And ideologies come to the fore, right? And then people think my opinion is right, yours is wrong. But America's a different beast. It's so polarizing over there. You got the you got the media pushing people to the far left. You got pe- the media on one side of the media pushing people to the far right. You got Trump saying these things, but you got uneducated people <laughs> doing doing stupid things. You know, it's it's crazy over there. It's like I don't know. It's it's like there's no more common sense. Mm. I mean, they they've just gone overboard. Yeah, no, it's it's but yeah, common sense. Saying where has that gone? <laughs> Common sense. Where do we have any left? Because man, there's some silly stuff out there. But it'd be interesting to see. A, I, I think, I, I for one, it was a bit of relief that Biden's in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand politics for a bar of soap, you know. But uh, any stretch of the imagination. But I guess when you've got these people that were saying, you know, out of the two options. Both options, probably not the greatest options, they reckon. But out of the two, they'd rather choose Biden. So, yeah, everyone has their flaws. Everyone's got, you know, you're not going to have a perfect politician. Mm. But um, the better option out of the two. And uh, from my standpoint, you know, not even being in America, not an American or seeing the stuff, you know, there's been never a president in the history of America that has... You know, just verbalized and said things like Donald Trump has. Mm. So, for me, he's he made it a bit <laughs> of a circus. But you know that that's we knew that was sort of coming when the guy like Donald Trump, who was already tweeting well before running for president, because he could and just stating it, and then his demeanor never changed. You know, he, mm. he that's what he took through, took to the presidency and he went through the his presidency tenure just acting the same um, they call him the great experiment because the way he got uh, elected like you could see that you know people were sick of politicians in America you know that even though Hillary Clinton was there mm. he couldn't tr- he couldn't trust her I heard that people were when, when they had the pain over the, the vote they were, they were shaking their hands over Hillary <laughs> <laughs> and then just took Trump because they didn't want Hillary in. but yeah I think he he comes from a place where he's not he's not he's not a politician no that's right he wasn't he, he's a people he's he's a businessman you know businessman and yeah <laughs> and that's the thing so when he became president everyone was just in major disbelief eh? so, what the heck and so we got we knew what we were going to get from yeah. Trump right it wasn't going to be your your orthodox <laughs> um, presidency and you know coming from Obama to it was going to be chalk and cheese eh? and that's what we got it was like total opposites man and so I think people had now <laughs> either whether it was for the worst <laughs> and for the better of it yeah, yeah let's just choose anyone but Whoever was going to be against Trump, eh? but then still there was a huge, you know, majority one, but there was still a massive percentage, just under the fifty percent that were still voting for Trump, eh? So he could have easily have won it again, but man, but then he'll get more votes anyway, but just because of the states, one he won. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you're, you're still banking on the Blues winning next year? I think we've got a good chance. Um, even with Burton Barrett going, but I think Stephen Perfitz is good. Gonna be, I remember he was good a for us. Awesome yeah, fullback. fullback yeah, yeah. A fullback. Better at fullback uh, than he was at first. <coughs> but then, first five, you got um, Oteri Black still there. Mm. I reckon off Oteri Black's early season, but then even during Super Oteri, he was he was the goods, man. Yep. He pushed um, Bowden to the back, mm. to the fullback. So. so it'll be interesting to see how how Oteri is for this Mono Pacifica. Mori Oblix game. Mm. Um, so I see when they played for a while. Mm. I think that's that's one thing. Eh, I just I don't know for whatever reason that um, Kanaloa and Tracy didn't uh, put out the team list. Whether they had a team list, but that would mm. be interesting to see a team list, a squad. Eh? Yeah, definitely. Whether that would have well, it wouldn't have made a difference to their bids or anything like that. Oh, but just to people like us who are genuinely interested in the makeup of it all, um, as much information as possible, it would be interesting to see where the team would have been, the makeup of it would have looked like. Um, <laughs> I wonder if part of the, yeah, you probably have to look up what they presented to the MLR. Because that's pretty much the website, eh, where you mm. you were on, eh? Mm. There's not much detail in there, eh? Nah, but you know, they would have put in, in their bit to MLR. Make up mm. of their team, and where they're gonna get them from. I think. I think in the interview they said they're gonna have some local players in Hawaii, but maybe they'll grab some Polynesian players already in the MLR, playing for other teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can say. Gus so cooler. Oh, he looked. Uh, he looked massive, man. I don't know whether that's post uh, Super Rugby or is that just his normal size when I saw him in the cover cover ceremony. Oh, that's good because who was in the first episode here? Our first episode that you guys did, the first back of the one three five was you, Avi. It's just me and Avi. It's you and Avi. And that was uh, game three of uh, Stan Rogers last year. Far Because <laughs> we talked about the game. Yeah. I think that was an hour. Did you hit him up, ask him to come on? Or? Yeah, because I wanted to start. Like I didn't want yeah. to do it by myself. And I knew that guy, he likes to talk. So, What did he say? Did he unavailable? No, I told him, come, still start this podcast, man. We went upstairs, did upstairs. Oh, we had a USB mic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I didn't get the stuff until later on. Oh, that was the first one. Oh, but I mean, for the hundredth, did you ask him to come on the hundredth one? Oh, no, no. Just that time he came, him and Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, I can't remember. Eh? We're at the old house when I stayed in the Hinza Valley. I don't think I did. I come to that one. And I bought a USB mic, and I was just practicing. I was just jumping on YouTube and finding out how to do a podcast. Mm. And I used to bring it. I used to bring the re- recordings over to Isis when we were checking over there, and I just showed to him. Yeah. Fuck, it's me. I don't think he thought I was going to do it. Then I just came back, just did my thing. So, and it was... And I practiced with, uh, with Cynthia's son. Oh, yeah. Did, we talked about basketball and just see how it goes. <laughs> and then I just play it back. Then I 
did the intros and yeah, yeah. just played around. And then uh, Demi and Sin did one about we did one. See how we talk and see how it goes. Did I have I've still got them, those old recordings, those practice ones. So they counted as any of the... Nah. Oh, okay. Nah, I never put them up as official. Because they were just practice. Right. Practice ones. Even the one with you and Avi upstairs? Nah, that one was... Number one. Number one. Oh, yeah. But now nah, we had done like maybe 10 or 20 practice ones. Yeah, because when I think about it, like when I was saying I was digging the trenches, that was the early days. Hey, that was... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, and that was the <coughs> most of the time was you, Eric, and Avi, mm. maybe eyes, but so <laughs> just laughing through some of the stuff, eh? No, because eyes came in to be fact checker, and then mm. he ended up jumping down the mic because he didn't like what he was hearing. <laughs> hey, can't see. <laughs> and then yeah, it just became regular. But I think I was always shy, man, in the beginning. Who eyes? I was trying to get on fire, man. You're the one that got me into podcasts in the first place. <laughs> and now I'm going to make one better join, man. So I think, yeah, it was just me and Eric and Avi for a while. Yeah. I think up to episode, I think Danny and I just jumped in now and then. We got our first guest. Oh, Danny was our first guest. Practice guest. That's right. I saw him when Danny was your first guest. Yeah. Talking about his lights, action yeah. camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I mean, So that's what I liked about the, the first ones, eh? When you guys had those little segments uh. in between, like quote of the week or Balea of the week. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool when you guys did that again when they came back on. <laughs> but those are the funny ones, eh? With then Avi going off on his tangents. <laughs> hey, you guys ever been in the club and... <laughs> When you're walking to the bar <laughs> and you notice, <laughs> suddenly, where'd this come from? <laughs> nah, just you, Avi, just you, mate. <laughs> nah, yeah, that was. That was a good. Um, it was a good chance to find out where we're, where we're going. I just remember the nine. Episode lucky. Episode number nine, eh? Mm. Get over that. Then you're on your way. Alright. I remember when that's even when I started, like even when I started going on social media to promote the episodes and that. Just trying to find other podcasts. Mm. Polynesian ones or Pacific ones and follow them. There's heaps in Australia at the time. Oh, they're mostly in Australia. Yeah. And um there was none here. There's only about two, I found. But they weren't really podcasts. They were just like talk shows on YouTube. And um, it was Yush was already doing his ones. Nah, he wasn't yet. Because uh. he came here first. Cause oh, you had he, him as a guest. Yeah, he, he came on as a guest. And then, no, no. It was an accidental guest because he, 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 uh, he knew Isaiah. And I think him and Isaiah were talking. And as I just mentioned that he's doing a podcast. And he goes, what podcast? Fine, I want to do one podcast. And they, they, they swap podcasts. Like what they were... What they were oh, he said he wanted to do one. Yeah, he wanted ah. to do one. So I just told him, oh, you should, come, you should come over here and have a look when we do one. And so you can see how it goes. And oh, and he but he, he hadn't done any yet. No. Nah. 
So he came and he jumped in as a guest. Uh, yeah. By default. By default. <laughs> they come to see us and he'd be our guest as well. Because we had a guest that day. It was, um, it was, uh, it was Paul. It was new. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And then it was Paul and, and Yash. <coughs> and then, and then, and then Yash went and started the zone after that. But I remember mm. like um, finding all these podcasts and um, just adding them, adding them to social media. Yeah. And then, like you said, like nine, never, a lot of them never made it to nine. Never. It's crazy. Yeah, because you know, go through of some of them, mate. Like I, was, I was listening to um, Bruce Lee's daughter's one as well for a bit. Oh, yeah. And then she just put another one out not long ago, but the first in like six, seven months since COVID and all that. So it's just amazing how COVID has affected a lot of the podcasters. Eh? But mm. so when it was um, it was this year when Level Four happened. Then man, everyone was doing podcasts. Yeah, so that's the thing. I would have thought like for her one, I thought she would. Got time to keep doing, but nah, mm. she had a massive break in between. Mm. For whatever reason, eh? How it affected people differently. But, nah, but we're never gonna do a video, especially mm. with, um, especially when we have a guest, because it's not, it's not the same. Yeah, you yeah. need to have them face to face so you can have a proper conversation. That's all right, doing kind Oh, you mean Zoom video type one? Yeah, yeah. It's all right with. It's all right with Canarak and those other shows because. Because yeah. we all know each other. Yeah, so yeah. it's easier. It's not really... We don't really need to be face-to-face. Mm. But when you're with a guest, then you know, you've know you you've just met them. It's better to yeah, yeah. have that interaction, talk like that. But And that's why we try to avoid... Oh, we, you know, we we don't do any any video calls for Backlog on Free Fire. But, you know, there's one thing that a lot of people started listening to podcasts because of us. Oh, yeah. I think I started listening to podcasts because of listening to you guys once. Um, they just yeah everyone talked about Joe Rogan I was like who's Joe Rogan mm. <laughs> and just listen to the other <coughs> and then just listen to, there's so many out there and like you say I think there was already a lot out there but then even more so now because eh? people have done podcasts video video equivalents as well because those aren't podcasts eh? the nah. ones where they're inclusive of video nah those aren't those are talk shows Podcast is strictly audio because they got it from um, podcast. There's two words put together. It's um, it's iPod mm. and and broadcast. Yeah, it was yeah. always a audio audio thing. Yeah. But then with ones that have evolved to having video, similar to radio DJs and now, mm. uh, you got you know video snippets of your my films and so they've evolved where they have video. Mm. And then even the ones that the one on Channel Three, the one with um, and Mark Richards is on it as well. Oh, um, so that's that's radio as well. But then it's televised now. Mm. It's always been oh, it's been televised for a while. Mm. But um, yeah, how does that? Because then there's some podcasts that have the video component. Well, it's it's more. It it depends because you know for us like the video component is just a way to to get more audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so long as the main. The main sort of the main platform is audio. Audio, and yeah. then it has not the other way around, eh? Not the other way around yeah. because it, it it does two things. It, it puts a face to the voice, mm. and it also gives um, context. And it's and it's the accessibility to YouTube. I mean, you you can 
because a podcast is a long form conversation. It's long form. It's supposed to be longer than two hours, you know, mm. because that's your natural conversations, right? It's a natural conversation, and it's uh, and it's the content. You're not gonna sit on your sit down and watch a YouTube for three hours. My kids do. So they silly watching other people gaming as well. They comment. They're using commentary and they. And my boy's like just, oh, especially my younger one, he just, he'll just sit there watching someone else playing a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Oh, that's what the kids do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, play games, but, but why would you listen to a conversation for three hours sitting down and watching YouTube when, you can, can, when you can put in your ear and go and for a do, drive? Do other stuff, do yeah. Other stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't have been, like I was mowing my lawns, listening to Michael Field, you and Michael so, Field talk. <laughs> Man, that was awesome. You, you enjoyed that one? I, I listened to the whole thing yeah. in the one go. Oh, wow. When I went to mow my lawns. What did you think? Man, another perspective, eh? <laughs> see, and I could see his predicament, though. Mm. So he didn't want to be the Palangi putting a Palangi perspective on what should be something be told by Samoan. Mm. Eh? But yet no one was putting anything out there. Yeah. So he, he tried to initiate it, mm. but then 30 years on, still no one had <laughs> run with it. So. I love I love the fact that he's gonna update his his his, uh, his books, eh? Mm. But I remember when Black Saturday, because I, I learned that at Varsity about Black Saturday, and so it was interesting how the New Zealand Police, you know, they they you know fired out at the crowd and during the mull. And that was yeah, that was the apology that Helen Clark. But it was his his perspective because he was there. He was mm. like, "Fuck, it's awesome insight." Like, <laughs> yeah, so, and how too late. I thought it was a waste of time. I said, "What?" <laughs> so I was just like those little gems, eh, that you don't know about. Like he, and so even the invasion, the German. I knew about the invasion. Mm. The Germans weren't there, and the New Zealanders came, and they, oh, this is the easiest. And so New Zealand goes down as you know the first. Um, country or first nation to to seize or conquer um, one of the territories of the Germans mm. of the Germans and so but then I didn't know the backstory to it and when they said those guys <laughs> just went and got the guns and just took aim at the Ger- that is crack up that was, and they used all the ammunition and used up all the ammunition because I knew that I was I always I never thought about as to how come there was no resistance you know yeah. I knew that New Zealand said no Germans here so they basically won it by default mm. somewhere somehow, <laughs> but then now we can put some context here to these guys. So those, I don't, I don't know if I caught it in the in the pod, but did did, did Michael say that those three Samoans they got killed yeah. during that? Oh, yeah. Okay, but he said it was in the Herald. Yeah, New Zealand Herald. Yeah. Eh? So it must be one of the archive or one of the sister. Schuster. Schuster. But that's the. Yeah, that's that is sad that you know those little bits mm. that could easily be made a movie, but because it's not mainstream, it's not America, no big time short, um, big short Hollywood producer is gonna run with a story like that. But you never know, you know, because I love some of the ones that Clint Eastwood pulls out or mm. Spielberg will run with, or Peter Jackson as well, but. It was it was it was my friend that that's in Samoa who got me onto Michael Field, so you should get him on and talk to him about this stuff because I never heard of him before. But anyway, um, I told he listened to it. My mate in Samoa, he listened to the podcast and he was like laughing. I said, "What, man? Don't agree with his uh, views on um, how um, Thomas Isaac got shot." 
He goes, what? Man, you know the Samuels, man. They were throwing rocks at the cops. And yeah, yeah. It wasn't a peaceful process, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. And then to this day, people will say peaceful protest, but then out of the blue, the New Zealand police or the government end up firing into the crowd. Mm. Like, man. But he was saying, like, because he said he knows who shot the gun. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And he knows where the gun is. He knows where the gun is. My friend in Samoa, he said, oh, everyone knows. <laughs> Samoa. Apparently, he said the guy, the cop, he's married to a Samoa. Over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, man, just a lot of things, eh, that, like, even with the, the Spanish flu influenza thing. Mm. Oh, and the secret knowledge. Secret knowledge, you know, and then... It made sense, eh? Yeah, so <coughs> now all of that is gone, eh? Because the majority of those people would have been holding on to secret knowledge. <laughs> 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 and so it's good, but, yeah, hey, write it down. Like, document it in other ways. Not just through your traditional oral <laughs> records, eh? The story was passed on to, yeah, but then... That, something like that happens and just wipes out a whole generation. Mm. And that would have been a lot of the, the Goyingas and the Lomakuas, eh? But yeah, man, I was, oh, it was awesome. I was just listening to it, eh? Just, I couldn't... And if I missed something because the Loma was too loud, yeah. I'd rewind it, make sure I got it. That was, no, it was cool. It was good. Even as... When you're talking about that, um, there's monuments. Monument, oh, yeah. That, the savages one. That dude... <laughs> Uh, the American dude. And those are the little glimpses, and like I guess it was a good perspective, because like, yeah, like that, how he's that, that one Samoan is revered in America. Always got a monument after him. Yet, the ones that were fighting for Samoa, the Samoans that were fighting, they got nothing. Hmm. Hey, but then the spin of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson as well to Stella. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's like as far as I know, because of what's been told and what's been. You know, how we've been educated or what's in mainstream media, it tells us that he was, you know, well revered and was a, had good relations with Samoa. <coughs> yeah. Well, Damn, you say he was a warmonger, so yeah. guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he was in that. And I, I remember in the, in the film that I was involved in with a French company that mm. did a film on Robert Louis, his last four years of his life, which happened to be in Samoa. Um, yeah, there was a there was a scene there where we were trading guns. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, so he brought he retriggered all those uh, memories. I was like, oh, true. But then, just the whole he to me it came it was more what was prevalent in the movie was that his relationship with Mataafa the king mm-hmm. at the time, and that and but then there was a distinguishing moment that he was to be seen like yes the Samoans didn't like the Balangi. The relationship between Samoa and the Palangi was was a severed relationship. It wasn't a, a, an amicable one. Yeah. And so they see Robert Louis Stevenson coming into the village to speak to the king, who's a, was meant to be friends with the king. Samoa was there; yeah, they were a bit standoffish. But the king was always trying to remind the people, "No, he's he's good. He's good." <laughs> and so there were there were bits during the film that yeah they had to make sure that that was uh, oh, yeah. what was portrayed. And so that was quite clear, but. But the way that Michael Field was describing it, I was like, oh, hold on, uh, he's not all, there was nothing special about <laughs> Robert Louis Stevenson. He was just more of a spectator. There was yeah. there was nothing. He was, 
He didn't do anything in Samoa. He was dying, and yet, how the heck does he get all this land <laughs> in his name? And then, but the 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 funny part to it was <laughs> your loved ones, people people that you love and adore, are buried in front of the house. Yeah, who gets buried up on the mountain? <laughs> What's that saying? What's that saying? <laughs> Get buried on the mountain. That's got to say something. He's like, oh yeah. Never thought about it that way. At least he got asked to go buried out there. No, that's it. Yeah, with the. But now that was a that was a real cool um, talk. With, I wish he could stay longer. I want to get him back. Cause yeah, he's got heaps of. It's not Samoa. He, he's got stories. He's got other other islands too. Mm. Fiji and Tonga. But it was funny when I was trying to, because when you guys were talking about, and he was, he was obviously directing you guys to go with the photos and yeah. that. And I was trying to keep up. I was, I was trying to go, go through Flickr and that. Well, well, if you go on the um, YouTube, I put it on the YouTube. Oh, yeah. Oh, true. So well, it when comes he's, up. When he's pointing, I put, I put it up. I, I ended up finding the images that oh, you yeah. guys were referring to. Yeah. But then I was like, I was a bit behind. And then, but there was that one where you guys were talking about that lady that he was referring to. Oh, yeah. And you say, oh, look at that photo. She's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't sure which one's like, which one is it? Mm. But just those ones. It's on YouTube. I'll oh, yeah. The photo. But then how he had studied that photo, eh, with poor Thomas this year. And the Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the 72 people. Yeah. <laughs> wow. awesome, and he had analysed, yeah, this person, this person, this person. This. That's okay. awesome, man. And I was just like, I remember seeing the photo and I was just trying to envisage it while I was listening, eh. See far out, and he said that, you know, the obviously the original printers, you can zoom in and it's real detailed. It's not pixelated. I was going far. So for them to take a photo of that back then, eh, and to include all of that detail, that's just a one shot. Yeah, it's up. All those glass everywhere because of flash. <laughs> no, that was so inspiring. That photo, like as I was saying, man, I want to get that photo frame it, put in my room. Yeah, because you see a lot of um, copies of it like floating around on the internet, eh? and it should be. It's an iconic photo. Mm. It is. It is because the other guy that you had on Blunt, so he he referred to a lot of photos eh, that people who could identify, and similar to what Field was saying, there were photos that you didn't know who were in it, but then once it goes on Facebook, people are able to (laughs) call in and say, "Yeah, this is so and so." And that's that's one of the good things about. But yeah, when I uh, listening, and you know, I went onto his Flickr, then uh, direct follow. <laughs> I don't I don't follow too many people, and I was like, oh yeah, I follow this guy. But it seems like he's, uh, yeah, he didn't really indicate. And I, I heard in your introduction with Isaiah, he didn't really indicate how long exactly he's been working. Like he mm. said, he went over at twenty two to Samoa after a stint in South Africa. Mm. So, man, he would have seen some interesting things, man. Especially then, South Africa. But then the interesting thing is, like, yeah, he wasn't into politics, yet he is a, a journalist. But still a journalist, they come from a, you know, they have a certain filter as well and certain <laughs> things that they have to report on, eh? mm. different angles. Can they be neutral when they're reporting or can they be? Yeah. But then as a photographer, far out. Because you can take an image, but then you can look at an image in so many ways. And it can be manipulated too in so many ways. But. Yes, I've got a few more names I want to try to get next year. Some more um, interesting ones like that. 
Like, like what yeah, he said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I heard him, he mentioned Albert Went in there, eh? Mm. He's the other one that wrote, he wrote an article about yeah, the Maui. Yeah. So, you should, um, you know, guy, I reckon it would be good that you might want to hit up. So, this guy, have you heard of Falaniko Tomaniko? He went to De La Salle. So he's the first um, that went through the Pacific Studies program at university um, that studied it at um, bachelor's degree, and then he's gone all the way to PhD oh, yeah. in Pacifica Studies. And he'd be <laughs> someone that you know you could get on and pick his brain, man, because he was one of those guys that he just like, oh, what villages? And he'll know your whole you know. So <laughs> fuck. Then he say me, hey, well, which which village? Oh, okay, so, bang, bang, bang. It's so, holy <laughs> moly. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's 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 good value on nickel. He mocks me every. I I I don't hear from him too many times now, but every time State of Origin comes around, oh. <laughs> so I don't. Oh, because I don't know if you've seen. There's a photo that he. He recently sort of put out again. Hmm. It's from 14 years ago. 14 years. It's me, him, and Alfred Trista with our moustaches. Oh. I don't know if you've seen that one on Facebook. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's the one on the left, on the right, and Alfred's in the, in the middle. Alfred Trista. We, we used to work at Unitech together. Hmm. And we did Movember. And those guys. The hey, first time I did Movember, I didn't know. Oh, he just grew a moustache. And these guys, all along, I didn't know. How come you guys... Your moustache looks so perfect. They've been grooming it. Like, hey, I thought you were meant to be touching this, man. And my one was ugly. And these guys, hey, they had been grooming it, making it look nice. Like, How did that work? <laughs> and so we've got this photo that just comes around every year. And it's now 14 years now, so it keeps on coming. Because suddenly like this conspiracy, you two. Yeah, that was ages ago. But Nico, yeah, he went on to... Um, yeah, achieve his, his PhD. Called Doctor Nico. Yeah, that um, that that Michael one was like, like even 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 the one with um with Tony Tony Brent. Mm. Like I've always wanted to get guys like that on just to learn from, you know. And that's it. Like it's sad because you should be getting a Samoan that can speak to the same material, eh? but. Mm. Yeah. And then there's that um, his boss, eh, his old boss, Tupola. Yeah. Ify. Ify. Yeah. And there was this video that came out just recently of Ify and, um, and how he's saying the government now has ruined Samoa <laughs> as opposed to his, when he wasn't mm. involved. Because in they overthrew him. Oh. Eh? They overthrew him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HR. Uh, that's it mm. and so but yeah just but yeah it didn't surprise me too late but it's a waste of time <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in the stuff when you were talking about um, the, the someone citizenship mm-hmm. yeah I remember how hearing. Rob Bardoon used to always go over and he's, he's the hater eh? he said he hated it mm. but they got along real well eh? That's it. It's like, man. And all because someone wanted to protect them, they didn't want dual citizenship. Right? They and didn't want dual citizenship, but 
they didn't like the idea of Samuels going to New Zealand getting New Zealand citizenship and Samuels citizenship. That's why I thought he was leading into there was a, a period of time I can't remember exactly when Samoans could have right they could have it but then they lost it was it because of that they lost the citizenship there was an agreement where Samoans come over and it was that girl that he pointed to oh so that's the one on the photo she's the one that went got the lawyers go to the the privy council yeah 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 and I think they ruled that um, if you came to New Zealand in 1960 something then you from that time to this time, then you're automatic New Zealand citizenship. In that period? Yeah. And after that period? After, no. Mm. Mm. I remember my dad, he, um, I think he qualified for his New Zealand citizenship. Mm. He never went, he never didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was just permanent resident, but... <laughs> He, you know, he, his citizenship was there waiting for him to, <laughs> but then he passed away and he just didn't, didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> but that's like my mum, my mum was still permanent resident. She didn't want to get it. No, yes. Oh. Mo man is, Mo man's a New Zealand citizen. What's the, point? What's the point of doing it? What's the difference? What's it going to serve me? Yeah. But then someone's allowed to get the American one. They would have to get American and Samoan. See, the thing is with that one, so American Samoans, they, but they, they're not citizens. Mm. They're nationalists. They're nationalists. So that's why they can serve in the American military, but they're not citizens. That's crazy. <laughs> that's what I didn't realise that until a few years ago. I've had some cousins that, they live in, they grew up in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one of them went into the Navy. But yeah, similar. Because most of them were born, oh, a few of them were born over there, the younger ones, but majority of them were born in the American side. So my auntie went over, she's nine years younger than my mum. She left Samoa and never came back. Mm. And she, her kids grew up in America. And my mum went over about three years ago. It was the first time that they'd seen each other in 40 years. And my, and she, it was the first time that my auntie had seen anyone from her family in 30 years. But she hadn't seen my mum for 40 years. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it was meant to be a surprise. My mum was went over. So my mum had to fly to Texas and then Texas to Oklahoma. Um, but um, my uncle in, Amer- in Australia ruined it. <laughs> she rang up, rang up my my auntie in America. What uh, a My auntie was like, "Hey, what?" So she had to She knew what was going on. And so, mum, yeah, it was for mum's seventieth birthday. She she went over to surprise her sister. <laughs> so they, yeah, they hadn't seen each other for years. So then, just last, oh, just this year before COVID, my auntie, oh, my mum and my sister went back. Mm. For one of my cousins went, but we had never, we've never met them. You know, they've grown up in America. My cousin, I saw, I saw Bongi, is one of the. Um, he played for, he was a quarterback for Oklahoma State University. Oh yeah, he was touted for big things, man. Like he could have, I think he Dallas Cowboys, sort of maybe, 
could have, but I think he got injured and, but he's, he just teaches now. He just, uh, he's a coach. He coaches, still coaches now. Mm. But he's like six foot, my cousins are like six foot, four or five. These guys are big boys. <laughs> so there's a few of them, but yeah, we never, we never met. We just, especially on social, social media now, we just converse, but. Mm. You still got family in Hawaii? Yeah, my mum's sister. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> that, uh, there's only two of them left now. What's that? There's only two of them. Oh, yeah. Two of them left now. My mum and her siblings. There's only two left. Yeah, it was interesting when, um, because where's your, your mum from and sir? Your mum? Tufuyopa. Tufuyopa. Where is that? It's in town. It's in, um, do you know Malifa? It's, it's next door. Heard of it, but I uh, can't pinpoint it. <laughs> Malifa. There's, um, you know where the police station is in town? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 facing the waterfront, but oh, the there's that street that goes along alongside the. It's that street. It, it's in the end of that street. Oh yeah, yeah. Because mm. the yeah the sea walls right across the road from the police yep. station, right? Yeah. So it's inland. And I remember there were a couple of clubs to the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So mm. it's not far from there. It's like ten minutes walk, fifteen minutes walk from the police station. Oh, true. That was interesting, you know, listening to Michael Field talking about, you know, a place like Waikili. What did he say? Some Seven. of his pronunciation was awesome, eh? It was on mm. point, but then he said, Paga, Paga. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He just, just said something else, and then he said, Paga, Paga. <laughs> I said, wow, this is, <coughs> pronunciation was awesome, and some of the Samoan words, eh? But then... <laughs> He, man, he almost made me cry. Oh, tear almost came down my eye when he talked about, like, when I asked him that question about when he went first with the Samoa you, and all from all the stuff I've read and the stuff mm. you've, you've read in the book about Samoa and that. Like, man, there must be a... I want, when was that point that you knew that you, you fell in love with Samoa because that's what it feels like to me? Remember that question I asked? Yeah, yeah. And he said... How the we we got class. Remember what he said? Yeah, that story yeah. about Yes, that man. it was. That story when he said, um was Tom Sissi kicked his dad. Yeah. Because he was crying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, <laughs> that's right. Because see those little insights, right? Uh. About you know, this is not the way I'm supposed to die. <laughs> Far out. Who would know that? You know, this guy can put it into context because he was uh. you know, you'd heard it firsthand. But then to me, I would have thought, what's wrong with that? But then Michael Field said, man, see, these are people with class. And I was like, oh, fuck. And the, that's what I liked about because he, he spoke about the Samoan people, about, you know, we, we're not a people to be taken lightly mm. and not a people that we should be talked down to. You know? Yeah, yeah. These are people that held themselves in high esteem. Yeah. And like had class because like that, like, and he said, he did, we didn't, they don't need New Zealand to come and tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you don't need the for foreigners world, to yeah, come in. The Western world to say, okay, there's, <laughs> you know, 
to show them that they had and they were important or that, mm. they already knew that because mm. that was yeah. that was inbred in them because of the culture they already had before Westerners, right? Mm. And then now people were finding, trying to see the importance based on, you know, how Western you can be. But then the other thing was, was about the Afakasi, you know, how he was talking about um, how a lot of the American DNA <laughs> or German DNA and yeah. and a lot of Samoan somewhere. <laughs> but <laughs> and he said, "Hey, that's that's the reality." And I think similar to our histories and a lot of the things that he brought to light, like some of the stuff that you don't want to talk about because it's taboo mm. or it can be seen as um, a low light in our history. But those are the realities, eh? Mm. Whether, you know, whether there were people that had one night stands that, and then this is how you had Afakasis, whether they were in a, a, a wedlock or not. This was the history. And it's not just in Samoa, this is all over the world where wherever the the military sort of ported, and <laughs> this was the, the nature of the of the military life, eh? Seeing the, the native woman. <laughs> Oh, but the zoos you talking about the cages. That, I, I like that. Man. I like that. I liked it very much because then he, you know, there was a segue into another pod about, you know, what's the difference between these guys putting on a show in the zoo to the rugby players? <laughs> took them. Yeah, yeah, took them. <laughs> As a, oh, ain't they both on? Uh, they're on showcase. Like, wow, <laughs> entertainment. I was like, damn. <laughs> that was a poignant moment. Now I was thinking. Yeah, that's a that's a real it's a stretch of that analogy, but yeah, it's and like like they like you said, they they used it as a they wanted to go on on that to you know whether that was the the only way for them to have some sort of an OE. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, people are using rugby to go overseas, mm. eh? so that they can be the entertainment. <laughs> The exploitiveness. Yeah, yeah, being exploited. <laughs> These savages. Look how they dance. <laughs> and in a way, you know, especially in the 90s, you could see that that's how the Pacific Island nations were looked at in terms of the commentary that it was quite biased towards the, you know, your normal, your, you know, your England, your home nations. Mm. And like the way they played was, you know, affluent. That was the, you know, that was the trained. But then you have these guys from the Pacific Islands who know structure and the physicality. And they used words like savages and f- tackled fiercely like a mongrel, or that, you know. And you used those more for them, but you used the intelligent words for, oh, such an intelligent. So you can read the play, read reads the game well for your Barangi players. And they, they didn't really use that. For Pacific Island players, until you know when you had to be PC. <laughs> See that's fuck fucking stuffing. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I remember when yeah, there were so many pills in that pod. That's when I when I get up to the part when I have to do those little previews on YouTube. Mm. I might take five or six out of that one there. Yeah, yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. But I enjoyed that. Um, was it 
Brunt. Tony Brunt. Tony Brunt's one as well. Because he's um, he's got a little bit of history too. He's the one that he started. He was the youngest person ever to start a political party. That's right. I mm. remember him saying that, and that mm. one became it evolved day to becoming mm. what it is now, the Greens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting insight. Because what does he do now? He works for uh, um, aluminium joinery company. I think he does the marketing side. Oh, okay. Mm. And he's doing his photographs on the side. <coughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He, he mentioned on the podcast he's going to Germany for a talk. Yeah, he he's supposed to go to Germany for a talk. But because of COVID, it mm. been shut down until... So I was thinking if he does go when the borders open again, we'll get him back on and talk about it. Mm. Man, I'll only get him one with, with um, Michael Field. Michael Field have a little debate. Because uh, that's what I like about Michael Field. He said uh, he's open to debate. So long as you've got something <laughs> substantial to say, something with substance, then he's happy, mate, whether you agree or disagree. So mm. long as you've got something to back up your theories eh, <laughs> and your belief, he's... Eh, <laughs> that's a good thing about him, though. I, I guess he loves having a debate, but then at the end of the day, you know, you might hate each other, but then you can get on. You know, you might disagree with each other, right? But then you can still get along with each other. Well, that was another thing you said at the end. That my last question about um, journalism of today and how it's going with the world, how the world is of PC mm. and all that. I remember what he said. He said he talked about um, he talked about debate. And how he, the Western world should follow the, the Fast more like the debate, the way they, the way we do it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was interesting. Because there was, at least you could get heard, right? It's because one person will stand up and say yeah. their, their point of view. And whether you agree or disagree, it's not like you're trying to talk yeah. over each other yeah, and, yeah. and no one's getting heard at all. Yeah, that was interesting. And it's like my mum always used to say, you know, and that was just the, in, in simple way of saying, you know, there's Samoan, there's a lot of traits in our Samoan culture mm. and our Fat Samoa that, according to her, comes across better than the Western, our Kiwi, yeah. say a Kiwi way. Yeah, definitely. But to the point where my <coughs> mum used to say that to everyone. So going, hey, hey, come down, come down, mum. <laughs> as soon as someone would say, like a Palangi would say, Talufa to her, and she oh, yes, it's Iliakwarifa Samoa. Oh, whoa, whoa, easy, man. But that's just uh, things like, yeah, the Falua law as well. Fa Samoa, that's similar to the. Our Asian counterparts have the respect and they look after their elders mm. in their twilight years. There's some of the similarities. Seen. And like a lot of the, some of the Kiwis and Palangi Kiwis that I come across, they, they, man, the Asians, they, they have a different reverence for their elderly as opposed to a lot of the Palangi Kiwis will, you know, seeing, see a rest home or, you know, a retirement village is, is is ideal for that's the way that they've been brought up to is mm. a way of looking after their elderly parents or grandparents but never would they think about looking after them at home 
but then they see that in the Asian cultures, Pacific Island cultures. I guess there's a there's a necessity for it if you know it's it can alter you because it's a it's a massive um, responsibility to look after a loved one into their you know, especially it's harder these days when people are working in it. Mm. Families of their own, but I'm not sure about you, can. But yeah, I saw I saw my parents looking after their mum, my grandmothers, both of my grandmothers, eh, into their old age. It's um, it's sort of if you compare it to like, you know, our culture, how we do it, and and the Balangis, it's. it's I think for the Balangis, it's it's the Western world is built for it, built for mm. how they do it. You know, we we come from, you know, a collective society. We come from like a we have a we have a village mentality. We all live together, and mm. you know, all our families live in in a village, and everyone looks after each other. Like there's no like you know, all the kids run around with each other, mm. and um, you know, everyone grows up with each other. And I think it's it's just normal yeah, yeah it's just normal so I doubt it that kids these days would talk about you know times of unless you're out in rural New Zealand I suppose but there's very seldom would you think that kids now nowadays talk about oh the bulrush days on the street you know the, the days you just play until the sunset mm. with the kids of the neighbourhood you know as, as a lot of us did of our generation and older than us um, that, that sort of landscapes change dramatically, and I guess it's comes back to you know what Maria was saying as well about the some of those taboo concepts of things that are not really talked about. The fatlavi loves with and the obligations and responsibilities with mm. um, New Zealand-born Samoans or Pacific Islanders with the ways of the culture. Yeah. Um, Responsibilities towards Fatlavi Lavi and obligations towards their families. But I remember one, a friend of mine, her, her mum said that she doesn't want her kids to um, provide for her when she's older. She doesn't want her kids growing up with the mentality that they owe her anything. Mm. And so that was a different, um, so, and she had. She was she was Barangi, but then her, her husband was was Pacifica, so she had Afrikaansi kids, and so it was a different mentality, you know. And that's me debating with myself in my mind, like, but we got brought up in a different way, you know. To you grow up to help support your family, your you know, and help your parents contribute. Mm. Um, but yet, you know, I had friends, you know, similar age, they've been told otherwise, and then. And you know she's married to she was married to a, a Pacifica, but then I have my, the other extreme is Balangi mates who don't even consider. <laughs> <laughs> they go and work and that's working. They're working for themselves. Yeah. They, they can pay for their own things. Whereas I'd go and when I was doing part time work, it was like you know my pay went to my parents. You know if they decide to give me anything, then I get anything. <laughs> but and I I didn't have the luxury of I say man how am I how, you know. Kids be able to buy food after lunch, mm. after school and stuff, and or go to McDonald's or go to the shops and spend lunch. But I was like, man, I couldn't ever afford to never think thought to myself that 
I don't know, where do these kids have to, don't they give all their pay to their parents? I'd <laughs> <laughs> so, be lucky if I get a Samwis here. And we're still, we're still, um, even, like I'm just thinking about, did you have any um, Balangi mates in school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, had, I, I had one, there's one guy, um, used to go over his house for, for lunch and that, and it's just that lunch dynamic is like totally different. Oh, like yeah. if, the, if the mom comes and the dad and sit on the table and have the sandwiches and cut in squares and <laughs> have to sit down and and wait and then oh yeah, it's like sure. oh shit. Oh, I felt like I was walking on eggshells, you know, like that kind of thing. Because it's not. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't relaxed. It was like tense. Or was it not? Um, so the normal scenario for you would be just you know, just go grab whatever you want <laughs> there in the kitchen and yeah. you don't sit at a table, you or, just sit wherever you can or, and or go outside and eat or it. Or if, if you don't want to eat, don't, don't eat. Or yeah, that's right. There's, there's no, no set, set time. Yeah. It's that sort of uh, routine. I think the first time I came across that was, yeah, obviously it wasn't like that for us. The only sort of routine I do remember was parents would eat first. Mm. A lot of the time, if the, especially yeah. if you had malo came over, people guests at home, you know, they would eat first and then the kids eat last, unless it was white Sunday. But the first time that was that, in that sort of predicament was when I did my exchange in Bolivia, mm. and yeah, after school because I would finish at lunchtime, go go home for lunch, and then you have lunch and your my host father would come home from work to have lunch. My mother was there. Have lunch. And we all sat at the table and had lunch was the biggest meal of the day. Mm. But then my breakfast was always ready for me before I went to school as well. And then lunch and then dinner as well. So it was always at the table. And I never had that before. <laughs> I was 17. Like, oh. well, no, I mean, I remember we had, you know, sit down at the table and that dinner at home. But again, there was no real set time. Mm. When it happened, it happened, you know. Late dinner, dinner was could be seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, you know. But but there was no real. I think it's like when I th- when I think about that, it's like if you go to my house, if that barangay mate of mine came to my house, you know, it would be loud, pe- people running around, you know, dogs mm. running around, like it's just a mess, not a mess, but it's not like it's felt formal. <laughs> oh, all it needs to be formal for me was. Knife and fork, knife and fork out. Oh, you know, you yeah. start thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to, oh, which hand do I put the right fork in there? And that's probably my first, probably my first experience of thinking, man, these bowlings are way different. Mm. And I would have been like, what, 10, 11? It's when you realize that, oh, maybe. What happens in my house isn't so normal. <laughs> isn't what everyone else does, eh? Because that's it. You grow up, what you're exposed to at home is what you think is normal until uh, you go to school and then uh, you see, oh, these people act differently or do things differently. I remember going to school with corned beef sandwiches and people mocking me because uh, they had corned beef. They oh, dog meat, you know? <laughs> but I made say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> dog meat in there. I was like, corned beef. 
And like now, sheesh, my son, hey, he doesn't care. He goes to school on the North Shore. He'll take corned beef sandwiches any day. He's he's color and but I think there was yeah some sort of prejudice towards um, even lunches. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, luncheon for lunches like you know cheap, but that was what you know families that didn't have too much. That was the go-to man, luncheon and. My, I think my yeah, my mummy used to come to school with donuts and stuff. Those those parents that turn up at lunchtime, if you don't have lunch, you'll go to the shop and <laughs> bring it during the school, and then everyone think, wow, cool, you got donuts. Otherwise, you just bunk again, whatever was was going. I know that's us, man. Sweet, sweet. This is a good, decent 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is a road trip to uh, Wellington uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, I reckon eh? he's, he's going to... It's going to be 10 weeks of trying to finish that one. A couple of moves of the lawn. No, man, it's good, man. Um, thanks for coming, man. No worries. Oh, sheesh. Didn't realise. Oh. Half 12. Oh, damn. <laughs> Man, we can talk about but uh yeah man um saturday this was on saturday oh yes celebrate the end of kind of rock for 2020 <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's the one of us game this saturday as well yeah probably just watch it at the at the bar Okay, man. Kakitiano, too fast before.